ancient land of China, schools and the martial arts were a way of life, but none were as lethal as the one we are about to reveal. Five deadly venoms. A secret society, each man unknown to the other, identified only by a mask, representing one of nature's deadly assassins, the centipede, the snake, the scorpion, the lizard, and the toad. Five deadly venoms, five masters in the martial arts, each man pitted against the other in savage combat, and each trained in their own vicious method of killing. They practiced a special kind of kung fu, killing by instinct, with machine-like precision, lightning speed, and ruthless power, as ferocious and deadly as the venomous creatures from which it took its name, and whose stings were always fatal. Kill or be killed. Five deadly venoms. No mercy asked, none given, in a kung fu epic as brutal as nature itself. Five deadly venoms, survival of the fittest and kung fu action at its very best in the most spectacular martial arts program of the year. Five deadly venoms, five stinging ways to die. Pick your poison, you'll be stung to your seats. Don't miss Five Deadly Venoms, a Shaw Brothers presentation. Theirs was a mission of certain death. Outnumbered and unarmed, they must get to the tyrant that enslaves their people. No weapon, no matter how lethal, can match their kung fu. Alexander Fusheng stars as the young martial arts expert pitted against a murderous warlord with a deadly kung fu skill. They live to fight and fight to live in a whirlwind of kung fu action. Four men sworn to battle to the death against these lawless legions of the damned. The Four Assassins.
children of destiny await the ultimate challenge. Death and destruction were the Manchu order. They murdered their way to victory. Nothing could stop them until they met the five masters of death. Five new men of destiny. Five new deadly ministers of kung fu justice. Five new kung fu killing techniques. The whipping triple jointed stick, an avenging reaper of justice. The piercing pole, driving its way to victory. The deadly tiger stork, no one escapes. The crushing crossed fists, pounding up revenge on Manchu murderers. See the five kung fu masters of death defeat the Manchu warlords. See the five masters of death. When you're the best, you do things with style. J.J. McQuaid is the best. He's a lone wolf lawman in the Lone Star State. Even a wolf has his weaknesses. And a powerful enemy. The final showdown belongs to McQuaid. Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring Chuck Norris, David Carradine, Barbara Carrera, and Leon Isaac Kennedy. Or forgive them, because they killed his wife, they raped his daughter. And they deserve to die. So he's doing it again. His way. Charles Bronson. He's the best there is at getting even. Goodbye. Death Wish 2. Rated R. Now playing at the Sacramento Drive-In, Dome 24, Birdcage Walk, and the State in Woodland. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. The all-new process that puts you in the picture. Whether you want to be there or not. It will scare you. Count on it. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. Rated R. Now playing in Sacramento. Check newspapers for theaters and showtime. This is the movie that Rex Reed called the most horrifying motion picture I have ever seen. This film is positively ruthless in its attempt to drive you right out of your mind. Sally, I hear something. Stop! Stop! The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. From New Line Cinema. Rated R. There are killers on the loose, dressed like cops, and they always use a magnet. There's only one cop around who can crack this case. They call him Dirty Harry. In 24 hours, Harry stops a robbery, covers a stakeout, and prevents a hijack. Clint Eastwood is back, and this time his world is dirtier than ever. Magnum Force, rated R.
opening Christmas Day at selected theaters around the country. theaters.
知道你还是会喜欢我的Pleasure doing business with you. I 本来想推荐你上去，但你上头唔批准。点解？呢个人你应该好熟嘅。我听日要走。后日去台湾嗰单嘢，咪带埋阿成咯，俾个机会啲后生仔啊嘛。
。一朝做贼，想做好人不容易。我已经冇咗个细佬，我唔想连你呢个朋友都冇埋。阿杰，唔再叫我做阿杰，叫阿 Sir。而家大把世界，有好多旧客要靠豪哥你拉翻嚟噶。我哥系产值唔系我啊！呢度已经唔系我同你嘅世界。你嘢喐手啊！即刻转翻转头One of the ten best films of the year, a high-octane mixture of outlandishly stylized camp and outrageously sensational shootouts. Out 
Outrageously exhilarating. Guaranteed to tingle the most jaded moviegoer's palate. A film concocted with nitroglycerin. The combined energy of the Road Warrior, Robocop, and the Terminator. Killer is great cinema. The Killer, a thriller comedy that will leave you breathless. a movie that will leave you breathless. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, in a Tony Scott film that critics are calling a Bonnie and Clyde for the 90s. True Romance. Rated R starts Friday, September 10th at a theater near you. My instructions and we all walk away clean. Domino, you're with me on the side. Shepard, you cover the rear. All we want is the money. This is an inside job. Ten million in cash. Let's go home right now. I've seen you two. We're celebrity hostages. Dogs. Before Pulp Fiction. The original Men in Black shook the world of action cinema in the original A Better Tomorrow. Presents the explosive bullet ridden sequel, A Better Tomorrow 2. Hong Kong action mavericks John Woo and Troy Hark take the heroic bloodshed genre to the next level and beyond in a violent symphony of destruction that is often imitated but never better. Chow Yun Fat, Leslie Chung, and T Love. Better tomorrow, too.
Alright, welcome to the show. I am the Hard Bastard, and we're going to start off here with the appeals court. Reinstated the bullshit gag order in the Trump fraud trial, and New York appeals court reinstated Thursday the gag order imposed on former President Trump by the judge overseeing his civil fraud trial. Trump asked the appeals court earlier this month to vacate Judge Arthur Engeron's order, which blocks him from speaking publicly about members of Engeron's staff, along with fines of five dollars and $10,000 imposed on him for the violations. Associate Justice David Friedman temporarily paused the order on November 16th. The appeals court order states, Now upon reading and filing the papers with respect to the motion and due deliberation, it's ordered the motion is denied, the interim relief granted by order of a justice of this court, dated November 16, 2023, is hereby vacated. Angeron first imposed the order in October after Trump made a truth social post about his fat pig law clerk, Allison Greenfield, calling her the girlfriend of Democrat Senate Majority Leader and tranny fucker Chuck Schumer. He expanded it early November to include his attorney after finding that they made it on the record repeated inappropriate remarks about the said fat pig Greenfield. Trump's attorney urged Angeron, who is the literal physical manifestation of AIDS, had used the order as an unfettered license to inflict public punishments on a defendant for the defendant's out-of-court statements. The former president was fined twice for violating the order, first for failing to remove the Truth Social post that sparked it <clears throat> from his campaign website for 17 days, uh, and second for remarks he made to reporters outside the courtroom referencing the person beside Angeron is very partisan. Trump's separate motion for a mistrial due to tangible and overwhelming evidence of bias, was also rejected this month by Angeron, who called it utterly without merit. In September, Angeron ruled that Trump had inflated his net worth and overvalued his assets, defrauding banks and insurance companies. Documents and testimony introduced this week during his civil fraud trial highlighted the bank's interest in landing Trump as a client over a decade ago and lack of concern about adjustments the bank made to his estimated net worth. Then-managing director of Deutsche Bank, Rosemary Rablick, wrote in a November 2011 email to colleagues after a meeting with Trump Jr. that they were whale hunting, a reference to very wealthy clients. David Williams, who was involved with the Trump Organization loans and worked in Deutsche Bank's private wealth management division for 17 years, testified Tuesday that the bank's cutting of Trump's estimated net worth from $4.2 billion to $2.4 billion wasn't an issue. He says it's not unusual or atypical for any client's provided financial statements to be adjusted to this level to this extent. Of course, uh, these witnesses that are favorable to Trump, it will all be ignored because, uh, again, this is a kangaroo court with no legitimacy whatsoever. So uh, <clears throat> fuck all of them. And uh, Trump immediately uh, started uh, criticizing them as soon as this, this came down. So he does not give a shit. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do to him? It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Okay, now we have uh, more American citizens to add to the list of people who are being jailed, indicted, or sued for their uh, politics. We are in the roundup phase, as I call it. Um, here it, we have a Democratic a, a Democrat AG indicts Republicans. Now, what did these Republicans do? They wanted to hand count ballots. 
And for that, they've been indicted. So this is where we are. We are, we are in the roundup phase. They are rounding up Trump supporters uh, uh, for non-crimes. Uh, Arizona's Democratic Attorney General announced today that a grand jury has decided to indict two election officials for conspiring to delay the certification of votes in their county over their desire to hand count all election day and early ballots. So again, I just want to clarify here. I mean, we've already seen total insanity. We've already seen a guy who is facing jail time for memes. We've already seen Owen Schroyer get tortured in prison uh, for his speech. Th these are people who are being indicted for wanting to hand count ballots. Uh, Perry or excuse me, Peggy Judd and Terry Crosby, Republican County Supervisors from Cochise, uh, Cochise County, were indicted by the state of Arizona on November 29th on counts of conspiracy and interference with an election. Judd and Crosby wanted to hand count ballots in their county, citing their distrust of voting machines and delayed the certification of the county's election results over those concerns. The repeated attempts, uh, the Attorney General, who belongs in prison, said the repeated attempts to undermine our democracy are unacceptable. I took an oath to uphold the rule of law and my office will continue to enforce Arizona election laws and support our election officials as they carry out the duties and responsibilities of their offices. Totally insane. This is completely insane, completely unprecedented. Um, and uh, people are just going along with it. They're going along with it. Mays herself won by just 280 votes in 2022, down from a 511 vote lead before a mandatory recount. Judd said, I don't feel like I broke the law, but obviously the courts have different feelings. The indictment accuses Judd and Crosby of conspiring to delay the canvas of votes cast in Cochise County in the general election held November 8th, 2022. This isn't the first time Democrats in Arizona have attacked people critical of the state's elections. Then Secretary of State Cat piss Katie Hobbs, uh, her office, threatened to arrest and prosecute the Mojave County Board of Supervisors if they failed to certify their 2022 election results before the state's deadline. Hobbs had recently won the state's gubernatorial election, defeating Republican nominee Carrie Lake after clearly cheating. Mojave County wanted uh, more time to review the election integrity issues and to hold public hearings prior to certifying their results that ultimately complied with the state's request to certify. The Arizona Attorney General's Office declined uh, uh, comment. So this is going to get crazier and crazier. More people are going to be arrested. More people are going to be jailed. More people are going to be tortured and jailed. Uh, probably there's going to be people murdered. Um, there's already been people murdered, and they all defend it. They defend the jailing. They defend the murderers. It is completely insane what we're seeing, and it is going to get worse because there is an election in less than a year, and this shit is going to escalate and escalate. You can you hope that if this gets turned around somehow, that you would set uh, deterrence for people like this. You would obviously uh, uh, come down very hard and harshly on a, an attorney general that misuses their power like this. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens. Because if you don't do that, they're just going to be emboldened to keep doing it. And the crazier they get, the more harsh, unfortunately, the more harsh the, uh, the pushback uh, has to be. So I think the only way that this gets fixed is if these people are jailed. They have to be prosecuted and jailed. At minimum, I, I don't know what else you can do. You have to set the precedent that you will not jail your political opponents. And if you do, you're going to get fucking destroyed. 
But, you know, I, 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 there's no appetite on the Republican end for anything. They're going along with this ridiculous bullshit of expelling George Santos. Uh, I mean, you have the, the, the guy that was fucking child prostitutes. He's still in office. Melendez or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, you have all of the you you have AGs you have Dana Nessel you have all these out of control lunatics who are indicting innocent American citizens for non crimes and Republicans do nothing so it is uh, it's crazy it's completely crazy anyway the House voted to expel George Santos the House voted Friday to expel. Representative George Santos, following his numerous federal charges, including alleged aggravated identity theft, wire fraud, and conspiracy. The expulsion vote, which required a two-thirds majority, passed easily, with 311 representatives voting in the affirmative to 114 voting against and two voting present. Democrats, who remained mostly united in their vote for Santos' expulsion, were joined by 105 Republicans. The New York congressman's expulsion came after all four of the top Republican House leaders said they would vote against expelling. Santos, the Republican leaders believed an expulsion could set a bad precedent since the New York representative had yet to be convicted of any crimes. GOP House leadership did not work to whip up any votes to keep Santos from being expelled, with Johnson saying it was a vote of conscience. Earlier this week, the House Speaker said he had real reservations about voting to expelling Santos, saying, I'm concerned about a precedent that might be set. It's hilarious. It's a, a, a precedent. Motherfucker, they're rounding up Republicans. What are you talking about? And what's going to be hilarious is these fucking idiots that are voting for... I don't give a... F Let me be clear. Understand what the score is. I don't give a fucking shit what Santos did. I could care less. Unless it's something like kid fucking or something like that. I don't give a shit. He gave some whore money. Suck my dick. I don't care. I don't care. Do you see what they do and get away with? You, you have got to understand what the fucking score is here. It, it's really unbelievable. I, I say this all the time. The Republicans' job is to hold our heads still while the Democrats sharpen their sword. That's all they do. They do nothing. They absolutely do nothing. The RNC sabotages halfway decent political candidates. They sabotage them. It's, it's completely ridiculous. So, yeah, I don't care what the fuck Santos did. What are you kidding me? Nothing you can come up with with what he did compares to Melendez. I, I'm sorry, fucking children? That is expellable. Okay, and are the Democrats expelling uh, Melendez? Nope, doesn't seem like they are. So anyway, it's just completely insane. So they get a scalp in a time when they're rounding up conservatives, and so now they'll become emboldened, and it's going to get crazier and crazier. And one day, if it gets crazy enough, they're going to fucking round up uh, people in Congress, Republicans, of course, and they're going to go, oh, I can't believe this. Thomas Massey's going to go, well, if the shoe was on the other foot while they're leading him into the fucking pokey. Is that what it's called? The paddy wagon? Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. But really, just a hell of a time right now. Okay, here we go. Are you ready for this one? Department of Justice collected data on Americans who interact, interacted with Trump tweets. If you liked a post from Donald Trump, if you followed Donald Trump, if you retweeted Donald Trump, you are on a list. You're probably on multiple lists, quite frankly. But this is at least one of the lists that we know about. The Department of Justice appears to have collected information on anyone who liked, followed, or retweeted Donald Trump's Twitter account 
among other actions in connection to the former president's social media in the days leading up to January 6th. Special counsel crackhead and deranged Jack Smith ordered a search warrant against Twitter formerly or uh, uh, earlier this year as part of his investigation into Trump for allegedly interfering with the 2020 election and the events at the nation's capital just before Congress certified the pedophile in chief's uh, uh, illegitimate election victory. Uh, that was uh, one after they used lots of fake ballots. But after the several uh, media outlets filed a lawsuit to obtain the document and other related documents, the search warrant released on Monday showed federal authorities gathered a massive trove of data from users who interacted with Trump's personal Twitter account from October 2020 to January 2021. All the information from the connector notifications tab for the account, including all lists of Twitter users who have favorited or retweeted tweets posted by the account, as well as the tweets that include the username associated with the account, uh, the warrant reads, the 14-page document, half of which has been redacted, has been described by American citizens as an Orwellian nightmare and a breach of privacy and a violation of their constitutional right to free speech. Crackhead Smith's warrant also sought to access Trump's search history on Twitter, including drafted posts, blocks, mutes, and direct messages, while also demanding a list of all devices used to log in or access the account. Um, the warrant reportedly included a non-disclosure order that forced Twitter officials to keep Trump in the dark about the search. According to the New York Post, the social media company initially refused the order, claiming it failed a court challenge that the warrant violated the First Amendment and the Stored Communications Act. The delay resulted in the company receiving a $350,000 fine. The Justice Department argued in another heavily redacted document released on Monday that the non-disclosure order was granted based on facts showing that notifying the former president would result in destruction or tampering with evidence. Right. Only Democrats are allowed to destroy evidence, which is very clear in the January 6th. Uh, um, uh, committee. They destroyed a bunch of evidence. And of course, the Democrats, the propagandists, they will all go along with it. Uh, but but if you're a Republican, if you are Donald Trump and you simply request evidence, well, you're a terrorist. How dare you request evidence in your court case? How dare you request discovery, bigot? Um, Trump was indicted earlier this year on multiple uh, felony charges related to his efforts to overthrow the 2020 election. Trump has pleaded not guilty to all charges. I will say that, um, uh, I say this a lot, they have, if, if, it's, if this somehow gets turned around, they have provided the exact blueprint for how to imprison as many of them as possible. They have provided the blueprint. So it, you just need the political will and you need people in power that are willing to do what's needed. Will that happen? I have no idea. Uh, I, I, I think it's possible Trump gets in there, but I think these people are going to do everything that they possibly can to prevent it, and I think there's a good chance that they'll succeed. I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope I'm wrong about that. Now, this, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I say this all the time about Elon Musk. He is Jekyll and Hyde. So, you know, the day before this, he's, uh, you know, filming uh, Rabbi Bukaki number 69, and then the next day just comes out with a, a fantastic moment. I mean, this was a fantastic moment. So I would say, you know, less Rabbi Bukaki 69. We've already had 69 of them. We don't need number 70. So could you just please stop it. Okay, that's enough. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, so coming off filming Rabbi Bukaki number 69, uh, he then has this, uh, this um, uh, 
discussion with this, uh, I don't know, some homosexual from the New York CNBC or something, I don't know, whatever. And um, he, he sits like a person that you know he's sitting down to piss. And I've said this before. If you're taking a shit and you're pissing, if you're a man, you, obviously women have to sit down, <clears throat> as far as I understand at least. If you're a man, uh, sitting down to pee is effeminate and gay. However, if you're taking a shit, that's the exception. You don't have to, like, get up. That's fine, okay? But, you know, what are you doing? Anyway, that guy obviously sits down to pee. Um, and, and so we have this one. Uh, don't advertise. This is what Elon Musk said. Don't advertise. Go fuck yourself. I love go fuck yourself. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Elon Musk, the wealthiest man in the world and the owner of Twitter, has lashed out at advertisers who withdrew their spending from his social network. Musk claims that companies are trying to blackmail him with money, telling former advertisers to go fuck yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. And then he did a real good, memeable hand signal, go fuck yourself. It's phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. Variety reports that Elon Musk's recent outburst at the New York Times Dealbook Summit has once again made headlines as Musk attacked advertisers for pulling their ads from his social media network following Musk's alleged endorsement of an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. First of all, understand something. Um, they were, they're going to do this anyway. You have an election coming up. Elon Musk could have said nothing. They still are going to come up with some bullshit that they're going to label any of the bullshit anti-Semitic, hate speech, homophobic, transphobic, whatever the fuck phobic that they want to use at that particular time. It's all bullshit. It's all a cudgel. None of it is real. None of it is real. Racism is like the spoon in the matrix. There is no spoon. Anyway, so um, I'm glad that this is the, the, the approach. Look, you're going to have to figure this out without these advertisers. You're going, if you want to survive, you, you cannot rely, these people, first of all, they're pedophiles. Why would you even take their money? Fuck all of these corporations. You're going to have to figure out how to do this without them. I do think it's possible. It's just going to take uh, a, a few years of like, you know, having a, a lot of losses. Although this guy has a lot of money, it seems like he could probably weather the storm. Already you're seeing that they're, they're actually opening up advertising to actual small businesses, which is a good idea. Also, an easy, easy thing to do is have some sort of, um, and I think this is probably what they're going to do because this is what they do in China. From what I understand, in China, there was it called We, We We, whatever the fuck it's called in China. It does everything. So like in America, right? You have Twitter, and then you have eBay, and then you have PayPal, right? In in China, it's all in one thing. So if you can figure out how to. Uh, uh, allow people to conduct business and then take a percentage off every transaction, you will be able to figure this out. Uh, and there's a lot of other shit you could do as well. So uh, ho hopefully that's, that's uh, what they end up doing. Now, it has to be said, though, even though this is fantastic, I do not believe Elon Musk is a savior in any way, and I still don't trust him. But I can't not like him telling these people to go fuck themselves. Uh, actually, let's. why don't we go to the uh, video? Let me uh, put the speakers on. I mean, this was really, I really, I did enjoy this, I must say. It's, uh, it's, it's, no one's ever done this. Other than Trump, no one, 
a, a person of this stature? I've never seen this before. It's really a hell of a thing. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I, I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't about- advertise. So the homosexual interviewing him had no idea how to handle that. And, and I've said this before, I don't care who you are. I don't care if I like you, don't like you. I wanna see abject rebellion from everyone. That is abject rebellion, telling these people who are trying to destroy your company, who whose goal it is, is to get you to get on your knees. And it's weird, it's like, it's, it's, it's all so interesting that even though he did Rabbi Bukaki the day before, he didn't do Rabbi Bukaki with the with with. There's like different groups of rabbis. There's like the left wing rabbis and then the right wing rabbis. So he he did Rabbi Bukaki with the right wing rabbis, but but a lot of the people involved in this, um, it's not this. It's like I don't I don't know what to tell you. It's just uh, it's. There's a here's the thing. There's just a lot of people when you get to a certain stature. There's a lot of people out there that'll hurt you and try to destroy you unless you constantly do what they want and constantly say what they want and just fucking let them jizz all over your face. That's that's my impression of what it's like to kind of become powerful. I'm not powerful, so I'm an outside observer, but that seems to be it's like if you reach a certain stature, there's going to be people giving you a call. And they're like, hey, we want you to do this or that. And if you don't, we're going to fucking destroy you. Well, it seems like Elon Musk has had enough, at least with one group, and has said, go fuck yourself. And and what I liked about this, he also talked about how, um, like, he basically was like, you're going, like, we're going to hurt you. He didn't say it like that, but he was basically like, you know, the public's going to decide and these people are going to be responsible for destroying Twitter, which is a company everybody wants to use. And so that'll be on them. Um, and, you know, it would be nice. You look at like the, the, the power. There is some power in boycotts and Disney is, is getting crushed. Target's getting crushed. Bud Light got crushed. There is power in this type of thing where you could possibly do it back to them. So I do like the fact that it seemed like he's thinking about going on the offensive, which would be fantastic. I would love to be on the, the offensive. Uh, uh, our side never goes on the offensive. Uh, I mean, almost never. But uh, anyway, it's very interesting. It was an interesting moment. The whole thing, it was about a 90-minute uh, speech uh, or a discussion. It, it was it was pretty interesting. Um, and uh, it looks like uh, Elon Musk is saying, if you don't want to advertise with our company, don't advertise. Go fuck yourself. We'll figure it out. Okay, great. So now, next step. You got to make your, sh- your site actually a free speech site. And you got to bring back everybody that has been banned for legal speech. That still is not happening. There are still people being banned. But it is better than it was. And so I have no idea. You know, what is this going to mean? I have no idea. Um, but... If you look at, I, I think this, uh, Mike Benz breaks all this down, I think the most uh, um, easy way to understand. And uh, it's just that the, 
Twitter is not doing what the global homos want, and they are trying to figure out a way to get control of Twitter or get Elon Musk under control. And up to this point, he's really not under control. Um, because these people, if you obey them in 90% of the things, they're not happy with that. They want 100% obedience. Uh, and so even though he does play the game to some degree, it's just not at an acceptable level, and these people are still upset and pissed off. So we'll see what happens. It's very interesting. Now this, I was pleasantly surprised at this. I'm glad to see it. I hope it it, it um, does something. The Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, sues Pfizer for vaccine effic uh, efficacy misrepresentation, conspiring to censor vaccine critics. Uh, there's also, I think, is that next? The, there's a new, uh, yeah. I mean, it's nothing, it, it's, I'm not going to say it's nothing new. It is new, but, the, but it just kind of uh, confirms that the censorship is way worse than many of us thought. And it's almost all from the government. It's almost all from the Biden regime. And I mean, there's other governments through the EU or whatever. But uh, yeah, they're really just trying to take over the Internet and uh, censor anyone that uh, is against their bullshit. Anyway, uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit Thursday against Pfizer for unlawfully misrepresenting the effectiveness of the company's Ching Chong AIDS vaccine and attempting to censor public discussion of the product. In a press release, the Attorney General's office alleged that Pfizer had, in violation of the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act engaged in false deceptive and misleading acts and practices by making unsupported claims regarding the company's Ching Chong AIDS vaccine. Pfizer stated the vaccine had possessed a 95% efficacy rate. Yeah, in maybe 95% efficacy in fucking up people's hearts and giving them turbo cancer. Um, that was a highly misleading statistic, 95% uh, efficacy. Pfizer's widespread representation that its vaccine possessed 95% efficacy against infection was highly misleading from day one. That number was only ever legitimate in a solitary, highly technical, and artificial way. It represented a calculation of the so-called relative risk reduction for vaccinated individuals in Pfizer's then-unfinished pivotal clinical trial. But FDA publications indicate relative risk reduction is a misleading statistic that unduly influences consumer choice. Pfizer relied on clinical trial data from a span of two months in which 17,000 placebo patients, only 162 got the vaccine. Based on those numbers, vaccination status had a negligible um, impact on whether a trial participant contracted COVID-19. The risk of acquiring COVID-19 was so small in the first instance during the short window that Pfizer's vaccine only fractionally improved the person's risk of infection. The lawsuit noted that some places in late 2021 reported negative vaccine efficacy, meaning a greater number of vaccinated people contracted the virus than those who did not, and other places noted increasing uh, COVID rates despite more people being vaccinated. How did Pfizer respond when it became apparent that its vaccine was uh, failing and the viability of its cash cow under threat by intimidating those spreading the truth and by conspiring to censor the vaccine's critics? Pfizer labeled as criminals those who spread facts about the vaccine. It accused them of spreading misinformation and it coerced social media platforms to silence 
prominent truth tellers. Indeed, Pfizer even went so far as to request the social media platforms silent a former FDA director because his comments could drive news coverage critical of the vaccine. So again, all of the people involved in the social media censorship have to be buried under a jail or at least maybe some prominent ones bury them under the jail and then people go, holy shit, obviously. So if the time comes to do it again, people will go, yeah, I'm not doing that because of how harsh they were to the last group of people that tried to do it. But, you know, that's a that's a long road to hoe. I don't know if uh, if there's going to be the political will. Speaking of that. Biden administration praised YouTube censorship, used it to pressure Facebook to intensify suppression of vaccine stories. As the Biden administration pressured big tech companies to censor American speech during the Ching Chong AIDS vaccine rollout, Google's YouTube went along with the White House request before Facebook was pressured to follow suit, according to documents shared by Jim Jordan. In an April 18, 2021 email, Facebook president for Global Affairs, Nick Clegg expressed concern after pedophile Andy Slavitt, at least he looks like a pedophile, senior White House advisor told him that Facebook was lagging behind as YouTube made significant advances to remove content leading to vaccine hesitancy. Uh, Clegg says, just got off a, an hour-long call with Andy Slavitt. There are some pretty serious and sensitive issues we need to address. He was appreciative of the data we sent through on Friday as confirmed that Rob F. had said that they had never received so much data from us before. Clegg, who appears to be referring to Rob Flaherty, Biden's censorship czar, said it was the White House view that Facebook was lagging behind the other tech companies. Andy attended a meeting of misinfo researchers organized by Rob F. on Friday in which the consensus was that Facebook is a disinformation factory and that YouTube has made significant advances to remove content leading to vaccine hesitancy while we have lagged behind. Earlier this year, Jordan began releasing the Facebook files showing that the Biden administration pressured the social media giant to stifle speech the White House didn't like, including limiting outlets such as the Daily Wire's reach on the platform and boosting the reach of legacy media outlets. Flaherty and emails released by Jordan earlier this year suggested that Facebook should change the algorithm so people were more likely to see uh, the New York Times and Wall Street Journal, uh, any authoritative news source over the Daily Wire. The latest batch of emails exhibits how closely the White House was working with big tech companies and how concerned the companies were with satisfying demands from administration officials. The Biden administration set specific goals for Facebook to reach and its censorship of anti-vaccine content in the coming weeks, such as reaching the hardest to reach people who have a propensity to consume vaccine hesitant related content and who are not swayed by official authoritative sources of content. Our systems, he believes, as confirmed by the researchers, feed vaccine hesitant related content to pockets of populations. And that's the problem he wants to uh, help to resolve. So, yeah, they want to make sure they poisoned as many people as possible. Clegg adds that Slavitt became enraged that Facebook didn't remove a post critical of the COVID vaccine that was the third most highly ranked post in the data set provided to him by Facebook. Clegg said he told the White House advisor that removing such posts would put Facebook in a tough spot because of First Amendment protections of speech. Slavitt shot down Clegg's concern, saying the post demonstrably inhibits confidence in COVID vaccines amongst those in the Biden administration is trying to reach. So obviously Andy Slavitt should be buried under a jail. This is outrageous. You, you, you should be put in prison for trying to violate 
American citizens' constitutional rights. There can be no tolerance for this. Absolutely no tolerance for this. Andy Slavitt for prison. Uh, add him to the list. I mean, of course, he was on the list. He's been on. First of all, I'm telling you, I'm not saying. That, well, no, I am saying. People, it's just weird. You know how pedophiles, they just have a look? You look at Andy Slavitt. Tell me that guy's not a fucking pedophile. Tell me he's not a pedophile. Anyway, all he needs is, he needs is a fucking members-only jacket. Anyway, Slavitt went on to say that YouTube would never allow such content, the email shows. That's because YouTube is a censorious platform run by ridiculous fuckers. Around 10 days later, Google appeared to confirm it was following the Biden administration's requests closely. Following the release of the Twitter files and the Judiciary Committee's findings on Facebook, the American public has seen firsthand how the Biden administration colluded with big tech companies to censor speech and silence voices it didn't approve of. The Facebook file, of course, and then no matter what they release, the regime propagandists are going to go, oh, there's just no evidence at all. There's just, it's just not happening. The Facebook files were modeled after the Twitter files, a series of reports from investigative journalists who were given access to internal communications at Twitter. After Elon Musk took over, the Twitter files revealed how the tech giant communicated directly with the Biden administration and the FBI, discussing tweets and even accounts of people who expressed concern about the vaccine. Crazy. Absolutely fucking crazy. Now, this is great news. It does look like that there is a slight move to the offensive position by our side. I hope that continues. It's not nearly enough, but, you know, hey, it's something. Rumble. So we went over all the court cases before. Now we have this one. Rumble files a defamation suit against the co-founders of a watchdog group. Check my ads. These are not watch watchdog groups. These are filthy, censorious AIDS commie groups that need to be dismantled and the people involved need to be arrested. And I want, I want to be clear. You don't have to agree with me on... Uh, I try to be reasonable. You, if you say I wouldn't arrest any of these people, no problem. I'm just telling you I would. And now that we're in the world of novel legal theories, I think that we could come up with whatever we need to to get the job done. So we'll see. We'll see. On Wednesday, Rumble filed a federal defamation lawsuit in Florida against the co-founders of Check My Ads, Nadini Jammy and Claire Atkin. The lawsuit lists as defendants John Doe 1 through 10 who helped prepare and publish the defamatory information on their website, Rumble wrote in a press release. Check My Ads is a tax-exempt corporation that routinely targets news outlets and platforms that do not adhere to lunatic AIDS commie political worldviews. As, um, as an unapologetically free speech platform in most cases, Rumble's mission is to provide all content creators and users a place to speak, listen, and debate freely, regardless of their political perspective. When anti-free speech zealots, whose self-declared mission is to shut Rumble down, lie to inflict uh, intentional economic harm on our company, we have no choice but to hold them accountable, said Rumble chairman and CEO Chris Powalski. Defamation is not free speech. We have filed this lawsuit because we have a responsibility to our shareholders, creators, users, and advertisers to act and not sit idly by when someone attacks our company's reputation solely to silence differencing, differencing uh, political views. Our mission requires it. 
The lawsuit alleges that Jammy and Atkin accused Rumble of lying to its shareholders as well as the Securities and Exchange Commission about the company's financial health and the source of the company's revenue. <clears throat> the defendants have repeatedly peddled the false narrative that Rumble is primarily monetized by and wholly dependent upon revenue from Google Ads, when in reality Google Ads now represents less than 1% of the company's revenue. This narrative is particularly damaging to Rumble. The notion that Rumble is heavily dependent on ad revenue from Google is wholly inconsistent with Rumble's publicly stated mission to be free from the political and economic pressures of big tech. And it is equally damaging to Rumble because it falsely attributes a material and existential financial risk to the company that defended stated mission to eliminate Rumble's Google ad revenue will cause Rumble's financial collapse. The lawsuit also notes the defendants had known that their claim about Rumble's reliance on Google ad revenue was false and the defendants refused to issue a correction when Rumble demanded that they retract the false statements. Rumble is seeking damages as well as costs and fees associated with the case and is urging the judge to prohibit the defendants from repeating false statements about the company. Um, Jamie, Rumble noted, has a record of launching pressure campaigns against advertisers on the outlets, including Breitbart and Fox News, and has worked alongside the left-wing organization Media Matters to get advertisers to stop spending on conservative outlets. I think this is the street shitter that tried to fuck with Revolver, if I'm correct. Uh, in a post titled, Eight Things to Know About Rumble, the toxic platform that will stream the GOP debate from October, check my ads, claim the platform is heavily monetized by Google Ads. The Watchdog Group also claimed that violent conspiracy theories are free to spread on Rumble. And the platform actively courts toxic creators, citing Joe Rogan being approached by the platform and figures like Alex Jones, Steve Bannon, and Dan Bongino being hosted there. Now, compared to Twitter, Rumble is way better. Twitter is still censoring. There are still a lot of people whose accounts have been banned um, for legal speech. Rumble has one strike against it. As far as I am aware, they, uh, they did censor a hyperbolic metaphor from Nick Fuentes about Jewish people. And uh, it was clearly, if you take, take it to the Brandenburg test, which in my opinion, my, my stance is legality. My position is legality about speech. I don't care what the speech is. Legality should be the standard. Because if it's not legality, then it's just masturbation. Then it's whoever's in whatever your personal opinion is. Okay, And by the way, now, now look, if we're going to go by that, that's fine. But then people like us have to be in control. And then commies have to be completely annihilated. Now, if you want to go by, you know, like normal standards, then legality should be the standard. But anyway, if legality is your standard, the Brandenburg test is a great way to figure out whether or not something is protected speech. Uh, when it came to that instance, I don't even remember what it was. It doesn't it really it doesn't matter what it was. It wasn't even close to any of the things the Brandenburg uh, test uh, indicated was free speech. So it is what it is. But compared to Twitter, Rumble is way better uh, on free speech. We'll see what happens in the future. I do think also if BitChute rolls out live streaming, which they've been working on for years, but I do believe... It's on its way, at least based on what the uh, Ray Vahi was saying. He, there's this uh, podcast that he does with this uh, woman that also works at BitChute, and like they they did a test stream. This was a few months ago. They did a test stream. It seemed to work out. So I think it is something they're actively working on. If they can, ha and they're also working on a payment platform. If they add that to the mix, that's going to be fantastic. 
Um, if now now again, each each platform has its problems because uh, BitChute, while very good, um, if you're in another country though, and you like to watch spicy Hitler videos, you're probably going to get you're probably going to need a VPN. So that's not optimal, but it is what it is. Every, you know, you got to pick and choose. Everyone. I try to use as many of the platforms as I can, but I will say, as an American streamer, um, BitChute getting into the game, especially providing another payment platform, it, it, it does look... You know, it's interesting. I've always... I, I've used to use this analogy of, like, it was going to be very dark. It was going to be a very dark time when it came to censorship on the Internet. But then eventually we would get through it, uh, and there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Now we're we're probably like 80 to 85% through the tunnel. But what's interesting, and what I didn't foresee, is when we get out of the tunnel, there's going to be a lot more options for uh, political commentary and free speech on the internet, which is fantastic. On the other hand, though, there's a very good chance that we are going to face world conditions the likes of which we haven't seen in almost 100 years. So it's still going to be, you know what it is? It's like when you get out of the tunnel, uh, it's, it's like really raining. It's really dark and rainy when you get out of that tunnel. It's not the big, bright, like, utopia, like, holy shit, it's finally over. Now it's like, okay, we're probably going to be able to do this on the internet. And we will probably be able to survive, uh, at least getting through the tunnel. But now we're going to be facing whatever, I don't know what it's going to be, World War Three, whatever the fucking Democrats do to stop this election in 2024 it is going to be so you know then you got to get through that and then maybe somehow by some miracle it gets turned around i don't know or we just um we just uh you know narrate the uh the end of the world and and just uh, do commentary on it i don't know we, it's going to be one of those things maybe not that drastic but uh you know it's uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be very good anyway let's get into this now this is a hell of a thing uh, I, I've said this before. I will. It, I'm not saying this doesn't matter. I'm saying that don't fall for the argument that if this falls apart, that somehow it means J6 was on the up and up. Revolver has already demonstrated how it was a FBI gay op. That's already been established and demonstrated, and Revolver did great work. Now, this guy's coming in, though, with some new information, and uh, it sounds interesting. Over 200 FBI agents were embedded with the crowd on January 6th, according to this GOP representative named Clay Higgins. Clay Higgins spoke to Newsmax on Tuesday and shared his belief that the FBI was deeply involved in the Capitol protest on January 6th. He's questioned Christopher Wray about it before Congress, and Wray has denied the charge completely. Well, Christopher uh, Ray is a known liar. Um, let's see. Higgins told Newsmax, the FBI was not only involved in the actions on January 6th from within, they had, I suspect, over 200 agents embedded within the crowd, including agents, or as they would call them, human assets, inside the Capitol, dressed as Trump supporters, before the doors were open. So I, I think Higgins is getting, he's falling for the agent's um, I don't think human assets are agents. They, they See, they, they love to do this thing where if you're talking about FBI informants, they say, well, he's not an agent. Yeah, I, who's, no one's saying he's an agent. I mean, Higgins might be saying that. I've never said that. I'm, I, I draw the distinction. There's a difference between an FBI agent and an FBI informant. It was informant heavy. 
Uh, now, could there have been some agents? Sure, but you know, the guys pulling the the gates away, those were obviously uh, people working with the FBI. I don't think any of them were agents. But with that said, perhaps Clay Higgins has seen some shit. And uh, maybe it will turn out that there were a lot of agents, but I would think human assets are different than agents, but whatever. Beyond that, the FBI had embedded themselves and infiltrated online chat groups and websites and social media accounts across the country with any group that was discussing, discussing objections to COVID oppression. The FBI effectively infiltrated those groups. And when you track the text threads and the communications within those groups and find the origins of suggestions of potential violence or an act of occupation of the Capitol on January 6th, you'll find that those messages were led by members of the groups and ended up to be FBI agents that had infiltrated the group. Now that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Okay, so the FBI's involvement was deep, not just on J6, but on the days and weeks uh, and months prior. Recently released surveillance footage from that day shows protesters entering the Capitol after being led in by Capitol Police and shows further police violence against the protesters. Capitol Police beat the protesters with batons, sprayed them with tear gas, and in one instance shot an unarmed woman killing her. And in another instance, which is not talked about uh, uh, as much as it should be, and by the way, I used to, because I didn't know until, um, I think it was... Uh, Epic Times. Who showed me the Epic Times thing? It was, uh, oh man, um, Riesler. Riesler. Yeah. Um, this was like, I don't know, two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. So we had um, the Epic Times uh, broke down and covered how the, the police murdered Roseanne Boyland because uh, they had, the, the initial uh, narrative was that she died of a drug overdose, but I don't believe that is the case. So yeah, Roseanne Boyland and Ashley Babbitt are two citizens that the cops murdered that day. And of course, they got away with it. Um, anyway, so there you go. Interesting. So hopefully Clay Higgins continues with this. Um, but, you know, like sometimes some of this shit, like uh, what was the one last week? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So there was a picture that some people were saying showed a J6 protester flashing a badge. And I couldn't tell from the picture whether it was a badge. And there was a, also an argument that it was a vape. And since it, since it was unclear, I just, I had said, you know what, this could be like a deliberate trap to kind of get someone like a Mike Lee to make a big deal out of it. And then if it falls apart, they can go, see, now everything about J6 was totally organic. And uh, so, unfortunately, I think Mike Lee fell for the trap. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think that was a batch. And um, that's the kind of shit. I mean, look, if they're being dishonest, if they, if it, it, look, if someone gets something wrong, they get it wrong, right? So if it was a vape, if it wasn't a batch, no problem. You got it wrong, no problem. The dishonesty is the argument that, therefore... It wasn't a, uh, a gay op. No, what demonstrates that it was a gay op was all the video uh, from Revolver showing clearly that a lot of the people uh, before the entrance into the Capitol, there were a whole bunch of people acting in complete coordination. Now, how the fuck is that organic? That's not organic at all. That's obviously... Uh, uh, whether it, FBI, whoever the fuck you, you, you want to say... But obviously, it's people from the government, people from law enforcement. It's not 
Like, what organic group would do that? Like, who, who is it? Who, who would it be? Okay, anyway, whatever. Um, oh, we, oh, yeah, so, look, I don't think Jim Jordan, like, this is fine, but, like, it's just, you know, he's going to release, and it's good that he's releasing all this shit with YouTube and Facebook and all that, and he should keep doing that, but they're not going to do anything. Everyone's going to get away with it. I hope I'm wrong about that, but they usually get away with it. Uh, Jim Jordan, subpoenist, key ex-Biden administration officials behind censorship efforts. House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan is sending subpoenas to two former Biden administration officials who pressured social media companies into censoring speech online, Rob Flaherty and Andy, who looks like a pedophile slapping. Um, okay, we'll see what happens. I, I imagine if they... If they um, don't go along with the subpoenas, the the media will say, well, that's okay. Because, you know, the media defended, uh, uh, who was the uh, AG under Bathhouse? Uh, what the fuck was that guy's, whatever the fuck that guy's name was. He defied a subpoenas, and they were all like, Holder, Eric Holder. And they were like, oh, that's fine, totally fine. But then Steve Bannon, and this is the thing with the Steve Bannon subpoenas. Um... <clears throat> From what I understand, committees can issue subpoenas if they're legislating. And the January 6th committee did not legislate. They were not legislating. They were not working on legislation. So that was not a valid subpoena. But he still caught charges for it. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, whatever. Okay, so this, this is a hell of a story. Um, and it's because, and I don't know, look, the bottom line is this. This kid looks white. And the AIDS commies, they don't care if this kid is actually a Native American. They want to destroy him, they want to have a society where white people, uh, um, and there, and unfortunately, there's so many things that white people have gone along with, and you and you gotta understand, this is to oppress you and to uh, make it where uh, eventually they can do all sorts of fucked up shit to you. Okay, um, so. There's all these rules that white people have to follow, but that no one else has to follow. The concept of racism is only something that white people can do. Only white people can be racist, okay? So now what they're doing, it's not enough that these fucking pieces of shit have gotten everyone so paranoid that you rarely see blackface, sombreros, whatever the fuck, all this long list of things that they tell you you're not allowed to do, okay? Well... Now, they, they go looking for people who aren't even breaking the rules. For example, there was that white kid in California who was wearing um, football face paint on, like, a part of his face. That's not blackface at all. He got in trouble because of the AIDS commies made a big deal out of it. Now you got this little boy here who had his face painted like the Kansas City Chief colors, half red, half black. And so what happened is these disgusting AIDS commies who belong in prison... They deceptively showed only one angle of the picture and pretended that this kid was in um, uh, blackface. Uh, also, this kid was, re was wearing an Indian headdress. Now, there's one thing that turned out which is, like, funny, and it's a good own, but it's also a little bit of a trap. Turned out this kid actually is a Native American. Now, I would argue, of course, that doesn't matter at all, but it's funny that it just blows up their narrative even more. But don't I, I don't want to see people fall into the trap. It's perfectly acceptable for the whitest motherfucker on earth to do what he did, okay? Like, if you are as... I don't know who's the whitest of them all, the Vikings, if you're a fucking Viking, okay? 
not from the team, like from wh wherever the fuck the whitest people existed. Okay, if you want to put on an Indian headdress and put face paint on, you should be allowed to do that. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, but it did absolutely blow this completely out of the water when it turned out this family belongs to a tribe. So um, they interviewed the this little kid that these pedophile AIDS commies tried to destroy. Uh, and they said, you know, he was a racist and all these things. On Wednesday, the young Native American Kansas City Chiefs fan who became the target of a cancellation campaign by sports blog Deadspin for wearing face paint and a native headdress at a match spoke out about the ordeal. Deadspin had blasted the child for racism and demanded the NFL take action. In an interview with Fox News, Jesse Wooders, nine-year-old Holden Amenta, said that his newfound fame was starting to make him feel a little nervous while his father Bubba slammed reporter Karen Phillips for going after a child for simply supporting his favorite team. How you feeling right now, Waters asked. Uh, Holden replied, it's okay. He explained a lot of kids at school are getting excited. It's starting to get me a little nervous because if they go a little bit overboard, it's a little scary. Adding the response from his community has been okay so far. Now, it's it's been said, and we'll find out uh, Sunday. It's been said that there are people who are going to go to the, or I don't know if the Chiefs are playing uh, at home this Sunday. I don't w watch sports anymore, so I have no idea. Um, but it's been, I've heard it rumored that people are going to dress like Holden at the next Chief home game. I would love to see that, but I will believe it when I see it. Because I, you know, we're in such a cucked society. The idea that, like, there's going to be a whole lot of people wearing Indian headdresses with their faces painted red and black. I'll believe it when I see it, but I would love to see it. That would be fantastic. We obviously need more white people in headdresses and more white people in sombreros, but that has really no context to the Chiefs. I don't even know where you would wear a sombrero to an NFL game. I don't even get you Halloween. Wear it on Halloween. Just whatever they tell you you can't do, you should do because they have no authority, and all they're trying to do is control you. Uh, and ultimately, a lot of this is to ultimately make white people second-class citizens. Um, yes, some of it seems stupid, like a sombrero. Like, who fucking cares if you can wear a sombrero? I'm telling you, though. You, you've, you've, these people, they, they have already taken the mask completely off. You can't give them one thing. Don't give them one thing. Because then they'll come for something else. So you just give them nothing. Do what would deliberately piss them off. Just piss these people off on purpose in whatever way your personal style dictates. Um, the father told Jesse Waters that when his son first appeared on the Jumbotron, uh, he was excited but lamented that since then it's been a little bit of a spiral. It's been a lot. It's been a crazy couple of days. I was mad, upset for him. Uh, uh, I'm mad that he's upset. He's pretty devastated. I mean, he's seen the videos and everything posted. When asked about whether he'd like an apology from Phillips, he said it was a little too late for that. Good. I hope you sue the fucking shit out of these people. He says the damage is already done. It's, you know, worldwide. Now there's comments all over. There's, you know, disrespect towards Native Americans and towards my family. We never in any way, shape or form meant to disrespect any Native Americans or any tribes. 
In the days since Deadspin published its hit piece on Holden, in which the AIDS commie not only falsely accused the boy of anti-black racism, but anti-Native racism, it was revealed that he is actually Native American himself. His grandfather even sits on the board of the Shumas tribe in Santa Ynez. In 2020, the Chiefs banned wearing headdresses and any face paint that is styled in a way that references or appropriates American Indian culture and traditions. That's gay. The Chiefs are gay as an organization. So how about get rid of that rule and let people dress however the fuck they want? Yeah, it's just... Uh, now, we'll see. And, and this is the problem. The NFL is the most probably... Well, let's see. Are they the most cucked sport? Yeah, I think they are the most cucked sport because they still have the end racism shit in their end zones, I think. It is absolutely ridiculous. I don't think MLB, NHL, or NBA still has any of that shit. But the NFL does, so I guess they're the most cucked one. Here is... Um, they got this shit going on in Ireland um, where you have a Zerg that stabbed children and then the, the government... Ireland is run by a government that is so anti-Irish. They hate their citizens so much that they are now persecuting the citizens for complaining that a Zerg killed uh, Irish children. So now you got this guy. How a guy like this gets into politics in, in a country... It's just insane. This guy should be deported immediately. You should not... You should not allow people like this to have any sort of position of power in your country. It's total madness. Anyway, a Bangladeshi Irish politician calls on Dublin protesters to be shot in the head. An elected official in Ireland is facing calls to resign after stating during a council meeting that he wanted to see those who participated in the mostly peaceful protests in Dublin shot in the head. Abul Kalazam Azad Talakur was Ireland's first Bangladeshi politician, having been elected to Limerick Council while still a citizen of his home country. Like, what? You just, you can't, you can't have this. Uh, is it too late? I don't know. I mean, we're going to find out. Each country, you know, they have their own thing going. I don't know a lot about Ireland, but um, it's, uh, it's not good. You have people in power that want to destroy the native people of Ireland. That's not good. Last Thursday. Uh, and again, so I'm going to... I don't know what the public is talking about here when it says last Thursday a violent riot erupted. I saw mostly peaceful protesting personally. Last Thursday, mostly peaceful protests erupted in Dublin following a stabbing that left three children and one woman seriously injured after the perpetrator of the stabbing was identified as an Algerian migrant who had once been subject to a deportation order. Citizens took to the streets with demands for immigration reform. Yesterday at a Limerick City Council meeting condemning the mostly peaceful protests, Talakador called for severe public punishments to deal with those who participated in the protest. The lunatic uh, said, I strongly believe that this is not the face of Ireland. This is some criminals looting the shops. I don't think they follow any ideological purpose. They come to the streets and just rob. They should get punishment. Not even an animal does this kind of thing. Hey, bitch, where were you during the uh, Black Lives Matter protests? It's very shameful. They should get public punishment. I'd like to see them shot in the head or bring the public in and beat them until they die. Amazing. In response to Talakador's shocking statements, a petition was launched by Stephen O'Neill, a concerned citizen, expressing his concern over the incitement of violence towards Irish people. Now, this guy, Stephen O'Neill, they'll probably arrest him. 
they'll probably arrest him. That's kind of how it's going right now. You got that UFC fighter, Colin McGregor or Conor McGregor. He's uh, he's under investigation. I don't believe he's been arrested. There was a, a, a nice little trick out there with a picture of him being arrested in, I think, in New York, where they said he's been arrested in Ireland. I don't believe that's confirmed, though. Uh, but uh, but he is under investigation for his speech, which is insane. Um, so, according to Ireland Live, Talcador was initially elected in a civic leadership role in Limerick last June and was the first immigrant from the community to hold leadership position in the city. Before being elected, elected he uh, was a businessman and a taxicab driver. Talcador moved to Limerick in 2000 and has been working with Fianna Fáil, Ireland's Conservative Party, since 2004 focusing primarily on aiding the migrant community. On social media, many have noted Conor McGregor is facing a police investigation for far less incendiary remarks and called Takador's seemingly preferential treatment hypocritical. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's... Look, you, you, you have um, people who want to kill you in office. You have no rights. They have Uber rights, and they will defend their side no matter what they do. So, yeah, you got a big problem. You got to get these people out. And uh, hopefully you can. Because it's hard, because they rig elections. They know how to stay in. Um, and now this, and, and they're probably already doing this in America, but this is in Dublin. Authorities demand access to private social media conversations to spy on anti-mass migration sentiments. So what they're doing in Ireland, they're trying to arrest you if you in any way are against zergs stabbing your children if you're if you're against zergs stabbing if you're against them raping if you're against any of that okay uh they want you arrested after a zerg stabbed three children outside of a primary school um fiery but mostly peaceful protests broke out in the irish capital all right zero hedge see i see what you're doing there shout out to zero hedge Authorities reacted by being more outraged at the protesters than the actual would-be child murderer who should have been deported 20 years ago and was previously released after being arrested for carrying a knife. Now Irish people who share spicy memes in WhatsApp chat groups are going to be under government surveillance should this new hate speech legislation pass. Guardia will be able to access and intercept private conversations on social media under new legislation, as the Justice Minister promised to crack down on crime uh, uh, following the mostly peaceful protests. The new legislation will empower authorities to demand cell site location data from cell phone companies to help them locate dissidents. According to critics, the new law would create de facto mass surveillance of the entire population. The new law would fulfill Elon Musk's warning that Irish citizens could be arrested and imprisoned for having a meme on their phone. As we previously highlighted, Conor McGregor's Twitter posts are already under official investigation after he expressed anger at the Zurich stabbings, despite him condemning violence in the aftermath. Meanwhile, in an extraordinary clip, barrister Joe Brawley described the Algerian migrant who stabbed three children as a gentleman and noted how three women took it upon themselves to protect him and probably save his life from the anger of the mob. So again, again, understand. Um, this guy, Joe Brawley, hates his citizens. He wants them dead. And he referred to a Zerg who stabbed children as a gentleman. 
Okay, this is what they want. This is what they want. It's the sickest shit I've ever seen. It's really, it's, uh, it's not something I ever thought I would see. It is crazy, completely crazy. This is also something that, you know, 20 years ago, I never thought I would see. Just total insanity. Victoria's Secret issues an apology to a lunatic trainee who was prevented from changing around female customers. So again, this is one of these uh, uh, pedophile trannies, or it may be if they're not a pedophile trannie, they're a pervert tranny who uh, deliberately want to, you know, pull their cocks out in front of women and put a smirk on their face, and they demand access to women's changing areas, and it's ridiculous, and they should be buried under a jail, but instead, our society puts them up on a pedestal and says, you must worship the predator trannies. Oh, and you must, you also have to find them attractive. You must find them, and they're, again, they're not putting fucking Blair White up there. They're not putting whoever that passing tranny that went to war with uh, Matt Walsh a while ago on TikTok. They're not putting those trannies up there, and I'm still passing. If you have a cock, there's nothing I can do, and an axe wound is not a pussy. So, me personally, I'm passing. You can do whatever you want. I don't care if you're a tranny fucker. Fuck whoever you want. But that's not even what we're talking about. They're not bringing over ladyboys from Thailand, Okay. They're not doing that. They are putting people out of a Rob Zombie movie up there. They're putting people like the, the one, the Admiral Tranny that looks like Bobcat Goldthwait. That's who they're putting up there. Remember the freak from the movie, The Fun House? That, that guy I would rather look at than fucking, look at this guy. Look at this guy. This guy fucking looks like Ben Carollo. Ever see that motherfucker? That guy is creepy as hell. Holy shit. Anyway. Victoria's Secret is facing a potential boycott after apologizing to a lunatic tranny who complained that he was not allowed to change around women. The man took to Twitter yesterday to complain about the mistreatment, prompting backlash from women's rights advocates. In a thread on Twitter, now limited to his followers, the tranny wrote, <clears throat> see, on this show, shows on the internet and as we all know the internet is serious business and say I have to make sure that I get the tone and tenor of the quote correct so you got to do the tranny voice correctly so here we go <clears throat> I went through a truly dehumanizing experience at Victoria's Secret today due to my status as a trans woman I was trying to find a cute broad Victoria's Secret and they made me wait until every cis woman left the dressing room before I could go into just one of them. They even made other cis women wait until I'd had my turn so no cis woman could be in any of the five other rooms. I don't expect any meaningful change to come of this tweet. I just need to put my experience into the public sphere as a warning to other trans people, men and women. Please spread this in hopes of being of some use to somebody. So this fucking predator wanted to be in the dressing room with other women, and they wouldn't let him. Oh, how dare you. How dare you. Although, many initially praised Victoria's Secret staff for setting healthy boundaries in its fitting room. Support quickly faded after the infamous lingerie brand's official social media account issued an apology and invited the predator tranny to reach out to their corporate service line. The apology by Victoria's Secret resulted in a firestorm of rage from women's rights advocates who were shocked that the company would prioritize a predator tranny over their primary customer base. Good. I hope women <clears throat> uh, boycott Victoria's Secret into bankruptcy. That would be fantastic. 
one Twitter user who goes by the uh, by the uh, what well, doesn't matter what the handles. I hope you will not make the mistake of prioritizing the demands of a paraphilic man over the safety, privacy, and dignity of women. Uh, another uh, link disturbingly links disturbingly pornographic photos the complainant shared of himself and then it was just again a freak show from a rob zombie movie it is a rob zombie freak show uh in addition to getting thousands of negative comments on its post commentator uh, Catherine uh, koronowski pointed out that victoria's secret has a long history of prioritizing the fetishes of men over the safety and comfort of women. According to interviews with over 30 current and former executives, employees, contractors, and models, Victoria's Secret had a culture of misogyny, harassment, and bullying. See, I don't know if I buy that. Okay, so uh, I'm with you. Look, when it comes to obvious shit, like um, men should not be in women's dressing rooms, I'm with you on that. Misogyny, again, just like hate speech, racism there is no spoon it is a cudgel it is bullshit i'm calling bullshit if a person treated you in a way that was against the rules of the job or illegal then either whatever the the violation whatever penalty the violation uh, requires put that in place or whatever law was broken prosecute okay uh fuck all of this goddamn bullshit of hate speech, misogyny, fuck all of that. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Um, but obviously, predators should not be allowed in fucking women's dressing rooms. Okay, so it's a hell of a thing right there. Okay. All right, what else do we have here? Um, yeah, I. you know, I, I think this is going to be redacted to hell, but I do like how it's bringing Seth Rich up again uh, I, because they don't want you to talk about Seth Rich because Seth Rich is, it is highly likely. I think it's frankly, if it really depends on how much credibility do you assign to Julian Assange and and, and how how much do you assign to the interview he did with, with was it Dutch television? It was like a Dutch news outlet. I put uh, the credibility factor on Assange as very high. And I think that he confirmed using body language that Seth Rich was his source because he couldn't verbally say it. He can't reveal his sources. But I think it's obvious if you watch that interview, he is confirming through body language, which is another way to communicate. Uh, he is he is communicating that Seth Rich was in fact a leaker. Um, and so it's based on that and the forensics of the documents that were leaked that show that uh, the transfer speed was akin to a thumb drive and not a hack from Russia. So anyway, uh, the whole Russian hacking the DNC completely made up. It was actually Seth Rich being the leaker. So judge orders the FBI to turn over evidence about the hit on former DNC staffer Seth Rich. They're probably going to redact the shit out of it but good i i hope people need to keep fi filing these fire requests you know make them turn over what they have uh but i i don't have high hopes that we're going to find out i think this is one of those things that they're going to finally release like they did with kennedy when they kind of were like hey by the way the cia killed kennedy um you know 40 years from now they'll be like yeah seth rich was the leaker and, and hillary clinton you know they, they they had him killed you know whatever 
but I don't think we're going to get that for a long time. A federal judge has ordered the government and law enforcement to disclose to the court information about suspected DNC leaker Seth Rich's murder. The release is to include Rich's laptops, DVD, and the tape drive associated with the case. Before the order, information that's been provided about the case through fire requests has been heavily redacted and offered little with which independent investigators and journalists could lose could use. I mean, I I would I would imagine it's going to be a similar situation, but we will have to see. Um, but it is it was amusing it was amusing to watch the reaction anytime someone talked about Seth Rich, the media. You know, they'd freak out, like, how dare you? It's just like, you're giving it away, you dumb idiots. You're giving it away. If you had any intelligence, you'd go, yeah, talk about Seth Rich. I don't care. But no, they didn't do that. They're, they, I'm surprised they didn't put it into the terms of service. But anyway, I, I don't think at the time... Um, um, who is the guy uh, who fucked the uh, uh, homosexual pedophile from Comet Ping Pong? Brock. David Brock. David Brock, because, you know, a lot of this uh, uh, was from the Brock memo. David Brock is, is one of the, 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 the big brains behind the whole censorship thing. You know, the Brock memo, I think, I remember Sargon, I think, was the first one, at least, that I saw cover it. This was many years ago, right after Trump won, about how they were going to censor the Internet. They have been very successful. At a level that's just not even, I mean, really, it's just, uh, it, on the one hand, I think they've been very successful. On the other hand, they haven't, it's weird. It's like they've censored a lot and they have their people all over the place, but they still can't control the narrative. So it's weird. It's like, what do they call that? A pyrrhic victory? It's like they they did all this stuff and they took, I mean, they're, they've infested like every aspect of society and, and and they're all through the social media companies they were using the social media companies as like basically government surveillance and censoring whatever they wanted i mean they got in there they 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 achieved as far as influence and and positions that achieved more than they ever probably could have imagined but they still can't control the narrative <laughs> They still can't control it. And now we're kind of, we're not on the other side of it, but, you know, as as much as there's valid criticisms to levy at Elon Musk, Twitter is not going along with a lot of this shit. And you got an election coming up. They're in some trouble. They have a problem on their hands. And now they've pissed off Elon Musk. And he might go completely in the other direction. We'll have to see. I hope so. All right. So the other aspect of AIDS commie infestation is the public schools and how they put child predators and pedophiles in positions of power. So here we have a predator. A convicted prostitute has been booted from the Texas School Sex Ed Council. How a person like this could end up on a sex ed council for a school is beyond me. Crazy. <clears throat> and I mean, obviously she's a smash, but I don't care. Smash, smash goes to prison. I don't, I don't fucking care how I, look I don't care if you're a brunette with angry eyebrows because that's you know that's my number one thing I don't care you go to jail fuck you you go to jail a Texas woman who is involved in the decision regarding a curriculum in godly ISD is a convicted prostitute a fact that has alarmed the community leaders have since removed the woman identified as Ashley Ketcherside from several positions she held with the district and Fox 4 reported Monday she offered her own escort services on the internet well you got to you got to go to jail the woman was reportedly on a council that discusses sex education school health advisory councils are required by Texas law 
She can be seen in one of the district's videos during a meeting in October. And the outlet said her name was found as a committee member in the minutes taken at the event. Parents began investigating after uh, Ketcherside claimed she owned several businesses, but uh, no one knew anything about them. A public record search showed her email address matches one of the escort sites for a person named Lola Bria. According to Doug Murphy Law Firm, escorts are usually paid for their time with a client while prostitutes get paid for sexual activity. Okay, come on, come on. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Holy shit. There you go. So that's ridiculous. I'm not surprised. Um, so, yeah, this is interesting. Um, Republicans accused Senate Judiciary Chairman Dick Durbin Thursday of breaking committee rules by refusing to allow them to speak on two judicial nominees. So it just, it, it, again, Democrats are out of control. And um, so, they're, so they're now just not letting Republicans speak during hearings. And ultimately, what has to happen is Republicans have to have the political will to do the same thing to them. I would argue do things even more vicious. You have to, you know, take for every one of ours they take, we have to take two two of theirs. But that's not who. That's not, and I can't shouldn't even say ours because Republicans are not on our side. They are not our side. They are there to hold our heads still while the Democrats get ready to chop them off. It's uniparty. It's total bullshit. And um, so they're not going to, nothing's going to happen, but it is crazy how the Democrats, they're just not allowing, they're breaking the rules and they're like, we're just not going to let you, we're not going to let you speak. We're going to put these seven IQ retards in positions of power and you're not going to be able to talk about it. It's crazy. Um, MSNBC canceled Mehdi Hassan's show. Good. Fuck him. He's a fucking bitch. Uh, MSNBC is reportedly canceling. The AIDS commie Mehdi Hassan show, uh, the far left network announced the move on Thursday, adding that Hassan will now be an on-camera analyst and fill-in host. Um, you, you know, people were like, uh, um, some some of the progressives were defending Mehdi Hassan, I guess, because he sucks the Palestinians' dick. I don't know. But um, first of all, no one watched his show, and he fucking sucks. But, you know, do what you want. I don't care. I mean, you support who you want. I, I'm not, All of these people belong in prison. So, uh, many Hassan. I think it's funny. Good, fuck him. I'm glad your show's over, you bitch. Anyway, moving on here. Oh. <laughs> An FBI agent was carjacked in Washington, D.C. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> An FBI agent was carjacked in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, according to authorities, adding another high-profile incident in the nation's capital this year, in which rampant crime has impacted federal officials and their families. Law enforcement sources told ABC News that the victim, identified as a special agent, was driving a Chevy Malibu that contained the agent's body armor and radio when the vehicle was stolen at gunpoint in the afternoon on the 1200 block of Constitution Avenue. And he... Oh, <laughs> I can't help it. Oh, mm. oh, well, that's a shame. That's a real... Hey, people, people would be like, he was... I, hey, my exact quote is, that's a shame, okay? So... I mean, if 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 we ever get to the point where hit, hit pieces are written about this show, 
my exact quote is going to be, that's a shame. So I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what the fuck you want from me. That's a shame. Moving on here, uh, what do we have? Um, oh, this, man, it, this is shit I just never thought I would see. Jews are taking massive L's. I mean, not, uh, not maybe not massive L's, but they're taking L's that I've never seen them take before. Look at this. British City Council caves to escalating tensions cancels plan to exhibit a menorah for Hanukkah. Holy shit. Wow. That's some shit right there. That's crazy. Yielding the pressures exerted by lunatic muzzies, let's be real, um, a London council canceled plans to exhibit a Hanukkah menorah outside its town hall during the Jewish holiday. Wow. Wow. Now, now here's the thing. This is, I've, I always say this. First of all, I don't know how much you give, like, I'm the wrong person to ask about holidays. Like, I celebrate Christmas. I used to not be allowed to celebrate Christmas most of my life, being in the Jehovah's Witnesses, especially as a kid. It fucking sucked. But I didn't, like, make up for lost time or anything. We just kind of, like, started celebrating Christmas. Nothing crazy, though. I'm just very casual about all of it. I still kind of don't give a fuck about the holidays. So it really depends on how serious you take this. So if I had, so, like, I think for order... We have to have Christmas shit in, in, in public places. Now, if you're a person uh, who, if you, let's say you're Jewish, right? And you were like, okay, we want our shit too. So we would like, so in public places, right? So you're, if you were cool with having a Christmas tree and then you're like, can we have our fucking whatever the hell menorah as well? No problem. So you want it with it? No problem. We're cool. We're cool. If you are one of these motherfuckers, though, that was like, we have to take down the Christmas tree. Oh, you! I, I hope you're one of these fucking people. Uh, you deserve this. Oh, it's so satisfying. So like I said, if you were cool with Christmas trees and you're like, hey, can we put our thing up too? Great. Yeah, no problem. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. You want to put your thing up? No problem. Okay. Look, we're in America. And it's going to be a big fucking Christmas tree. It's going to be huge, okay? But if you want to put, if you want a spot, you can have a spot, no problem. But again, if you were one of these people who tried to take down the Christmas trees, oh, I'm glad this is happening. <laughs> fucking, because this is what you deserve. This is what you deserve. So it really depends on which side of the aisle. It does seem like it's more like left-wing Jews or more of the replacement Jews than the right-wing Jews, but I don't know. It's just, like I said before, like with Elon Musk, there seems to be this thing where, like, he was he was doing Rabbi Bukaki, and then the next day, there's, like, another group of Jews uh, uh, who are with a different agenda. And, like, the ADL has a different agenda than other Jews, and it's like, can, can everyone calm the fuck down? How about this? How about we suck no one's dick? How about, can we just stop sucking people's dicks? How about you you just let people run companies? How about you just let people run companies and they can, you know, it, as long as what they're doing is legal and if it's a social media company, how about we just go with the First Amendment? All of these, I mean, how, Elon Musk, does he keep, how do you do this? 
Remember back in the day you have Rolodexes. Remember the Rolodex? So now you can just put it on your phone. Is there like the equivalent to a phone Rolodex where he keeps all the people that he has to uh, constantly suck their cock? Like, is it a is it a daily thing? You got to give handies and blowjobs to all these different people. Oh, I gotta I gotta suck uh, uh, Rabbi Shmuley's cock on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday I'm gonna go the whatever the other guy. Remember the phone call? It was excuse me, it wasn't a phone call. It was a, what do they call it? The Twitter Spaces. It sounds like a phone call. It's very shitty quality. It's just audio where they had all those guys who were like, oh, anti-Semitism. You have to stop the anti-Semitism on the platform. Now, those guys are, I don't, they are, they don't like the ADL. They don't like, and then whatever happened to the motherfuckers, whatever happened to the, was it the Jewish Defense League when they went on the Morton Downey Jr. show and they were fighting people? What happened to those guys? I don't know. I just, uh, I think we, we need to just have zero tolerance for people demanding that we suck their cocks. How about that? I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Jewish. I don't care if you're homosexual, black, illegal, legal. It doesn't matter. Stop demanding people suck your dick. Okay, that's enough. Or, you know what? It's not even just groups demanding that we suck their dicks. It's also Democrats holding groups up and saying, you have to suck this group's dick, even though there's plenty of people in the group that are like, hey, we didn't say you have to suck our dick. Boy, Democrats, why are you telling them that they have to suck our dicks? And then what are you going to give us? Are you going to give us anything? No, of course they're not. They're not going to give you anything. They're going to fucking replace you like they're replacing all of us. Like in Chicago, they, they have illegals coming into Chicago and taking the resources from black voters, black Democrat voters. And that's something, while crazy, it makes me think like they're going to do something crazy because, first of all, it's one thing to do your strategy from 2020 where you hide and you don't campaign, okay? But it's something else entirely to piss off every contingent of voter, of Democrat voter, except for like the white wine moms, okay? But everyone else they've pissed off and they've isolated and alienated. They've got to have, they're going to do something crazy. That really makes me think they're going to do something crazy. This is, this is not just refusing to compete. This is like counterproductive. You're like sabotaging your group. You're sabotaging the Democrats' chances. The only type of people that I think would do something like that are people that are not planning on having an election. I hope I'm wrong about this. We're going to find out. But man, it's a hell of a thing to watch. But anyway, in Britain, um, the, the, back to this, the, the Jews are taking an L because the Muslims, uh, they don't, Muslim, you know, the Muslims don't like the Jews. And uh, so, wow. So they're canceling Jews menorahs. It's a hell of a thing right there. Anyway, well, it's, uh, it's a hell of a thing. That's a hell of a thing. Anyway, um, former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, dead at 100. Good. That's great news. Fuck him. Moving on. Uh, Texas man claimed his house burned down due to a hate crime. Now he's charged with arson. I imagine this will end up on uh, the Matt and Blonde show's Hoax Hate. That's a great segment. Great show. Highly recommended. A Huntsville, Texas man has been charged with arson after initially claiming that his house burned down as part of a hate crime. Mario Robertson owns the home that burned black, uh, back in June and told the police at the time that racist graffiti had been spray-painted on the property. Now, this motherfucker's name is Mario, but I have a feeling that he's not Italian because no one gives a fucking shit 
about if you're, what are you going to write, greasy WAP? No one cares about that, frankly, and no one should, because none of this, sh like, look, if someone vandalizes your house, then you, you, you try to prosecute the person for vandalism. Don't vandalize people's houses. But that's all, that's all that's taking place. You were vandalized, okay? Stop with this, oh, it's extra, because you're just, just going to blame white people. And in this instance, Mario Robertson is the one that did it. Robertson claimed he was nearly shot in the same neighborhood two weeks after the graffiti was painted on the property. Robertson owned the home as a rental property, but told police it was not being rented at the time of the blaze. The bodies of two men were found inside the burnt property, one of whom was a member of his family. Wow. Oh, this motherfucker needs to go to jail. A grand jury issued a true bill for Robertson, allowing him to be charged with first-degree felony arson. Wow, this motherfucker killed people. Holy shit. The man who survived the, uh, the fire told deputies he had stepped in some gas and he was burned up. He was seen by neighbors covered in flames as he ran from the burning building and drove a truck away from the blaze before crash crashing into a ditch where he was found by deputies. That's a hell of a night. When a deputy asked the man what happened, he said, I'm telling you, I'm from Houston. This dude, he told me to bring him out here to Huntsville. He said someone wants to do a numbers job on a house. A numbers job refers to insurance fraud. Whoever's doing it, he knows the man with the house. The burned man told police. The outlet also discovered that Roberson had multiple civil lawsuits against him in Oklahoma and Texas. Excuse me. And that law, uh, a judge dismissed the case without prejudice to Roberson. Uh, this was like a, a civil suit that he had before. After the fire, Roberson told news outlets he was the victim of a hate crime, saying people are being terrible because of the hatred in their heart. At the time, he blamed the Homeowners Association due, due to an ongoing dispute over rental properties. Following Robertson, Roberson's claim, Care Houston and the ADL Southwest called for the FBI to investigate. If Oh, you know what? I think uh, Matt and Blonde already covered this. I think. Because I remember Care being brought up and they were pointing out that Care did not give a shit. That's the Muslim Brotherhood terrorist group that is allowed to you know, be, have a uh, group in America where they're pretending that they're not terrorists. That's, that's fun. That's fucking fun. That's great. That's great. Yep. Okay. Um, Democrats blasted for claiming there's no evidence of big tech government censorship. Yeah, this is this is what they do. Republicans called out Democrats for continuing to deny that the Biden administration colluded with tech platforms to censor speech during a hearing today, despite lawsuits, subpoenas, and other releases uncovering huge troves of evidence documenting the Biden administration's relentless censorship demands. Democrats claim there is no evidence of censorship collusion, branded the notion that social media companies are, con are colluding with the government to censor conservative voices unfounded and called it a conspiracy theory. But Republicans shot back and called them out for ignoring the huge banks of evidence that showcase Biden administration officials leaning on big tech to censor speech they disapprove of. Three of the witnesses, Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberger, and Rupa uh, Submarana, also challenged Democrats' attempt to dismiss evidence of Biden's big tech censorship collusion during the hearing. Horseface 7IQ Stacey Plaskett claimed that there's no evidence of tech companies colluding with government to censor uh, conservatives. Let's uh, go to see what she had to say here. In preparation for the 2024 presidential election, 
Republicans on this, this committee want to entrench their theory of social media censorship, their unfounded accusation that social media companies are colluding with the government to censor conservative voices. There's no evidence of this collusion, and in fact, this committee has heard closed-door testimony from 29 witnesses who have said on the record, government, as well as social media individuals, that the alleged collusion and supposed censorship claimed by the committee Republicans has not taken place. But Republicans won't release that testimony, and they are not being honest with the American people because as they ramp up their own misinformation campaign before the 2024 election, they need free reign to elevate hate, to engage in voter suppression online, in addition to their normal in-person voter suppression tactics. This hearing suits political purposes. Republicans are holding the same hearing all over again for one simple reason. They want to distract from the actual threat of the weaponization of government on the American people. That is Donald Trump. So this retarded horse, uh, if you notice that uh, this dude, this fucking uh, retarded horse tranny, uh, it brought up the concept that you're suppressing people's votes online. So that's a whole new thing. And they already got a guy facing prison for this. If you give an opinion on the internet that they don't like, they're going to say you're violating someone's voting rights. And that's how they got uh, Douglas Mackey. They put Douglas Mackey in jail. He's facing, oh, I think he got sentenced to seven months in prison. It's completely insane. Um, let's see. Ireland's educator minister says Ireland will introduce legally binding online code for disinformation removal. Simon Harris, Ireland's homosexual education minister, has raised alarms about what he suggests is a, the rampant spread of disinformation on social media, describing it as a significant threat to democracy. His concerns mirror those of other uh, rabid homosexuals in office in, in Ireland uh, because of the uh, recent Zurg stabbing and the citizens uh, not liking their children being stabbed by the Zurg. The riots characterized, uh, well, this they're saying it's characterized by violence and destruction. I didn't see that. I saw mostly peaceful protests. Anyway, <laughs> this is nothing new in Ireland. They want to uh, criminalize all dissent. So uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully the people rise up and take their country back. Of course, humanely, legally, and politically. Um, let's see here. A whistleblower has come out with information pertaining to a group known as the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, made up of a number of government officials, including at least a dozen from the FBI and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, also known as CISA. The whistleblower allowed Schellenberger Alex Gutentag and Matt Taibbi access to documents corroborating his claims, and the three presented it to the public in a detailed report. The significance of CTIL is that some observers believed it turned out to be the censorship ground zero that grew to unprecedented size on both sides of the Atlantic, spawning an entire industry dealing with suppressing free speech on anything from Brexit to COVID and the 2020 election. 
According to the whistleblower, CTIL was essentially prompted into existence with Donald Trump's 2016 election as president and involved representatives of both U.S. and U.K. authorities and private military contractors. The same source claims that co-leader of CTIL is former U.K. defense researcher contractor Sarah Jane Turp and that the group's goal was to be preventing a repeat of 2016 under the guise of fighting disinformation. Meanwhile, the overall ambition was to incorporate CTIL into the federal government, uh, thus formalizing and cementing its role. This is why some see this particular set of documented evidence of the early days of the now notorious online censorship era, principally in the U.S., but also in Europe, as even more important than the Twitter and Facebook files. If CTIL was the original disease, then those files can be seen as the symptoms. One of the key and most scandalous points is at the same time, not surprising at all to anyone who's been keeping a close eye on how the censorship is being carried out, although the government, military, and intelligence agencies were the co-founders of CTIL, they quickly realized private entities would have, have to be brought in. As one document reads, spies and soldiers can act against foreigners abroad unchecked, but when it comes to suppressing the rights of Americans, the government doesn't have the legal authority. Meaning, for example, to directly trample on the First Amendment, so the tech and legacy media industry got involved. CTIL, billing itself as an anti-disinformation group, started out as an outfit gathering defense and intelligence veterans as well as data scientists on a voluntary basis. But the way it operated was quickly noted as something positive to include in the work of government agencies, notably the DHS. The large amount of leaked documents and training videos, the report authors say, serves to fill in some of the blanks from the Twitter and Facebook files and provide a big and clearer than ever before picture than of what's been happening behind the scenes during the past seven years of the dark censorship ages on both sides of the Atlantic. Picking some documented points from the data trove provided by the whistleblower, Taibbi wrote a series of, of tweets detailing the techniques that wound up being held in such high regard by the authorities they felt that they needed to incorporate them in official, if secretive, policies. Taibbi says one of the recurring themes is that those involved in CTIL are either heard saying or had written down is the admission that they're using many of the same techniques as the bad guys. But citizens in democratic countries should apparently not at all be worried about these scandalous turn of events because the CTIL people seemed assured that their bad actions were motivated by good reasons. Some of these things included infiltrating disinformation spaces to then flood them with, with what is referred to in documents as obviously fake content. Further, in the effort to dilute core messages found there, the group was creating honeypots with coordinated inauthentics infiltrating or making false claims of infiltration of groups to discredit leaders. Next, the CTIL was creating fake websites to issue counter-narrative and counter-narrative through physical merchandise, as well as to use bots and flag legitimate speech and memes. But if any of the group was trying to counter was in fact illegal, wouldn't there be an easier way to deal with it than to go through this trouble? At one point, CTIL bigwig Pablo Bruner said it is expressly forbidden for the U.S. Defense Department to operate against U.S. citizens. Right. So they figured out a way to operate against U.S. citizens by using these quote unquote researchers. That's why, again, all of these people belong in prison. How the U.K. government surveilled its critics and fun oh, they're going to make you pay. All right. So I'll just point out the U.K. government did surveillance on its critics. Um, I mean, this is 
nothing new. But it's just more more of the same when it comes to censorship. All right, let's get to some videos here. Uh, we'll start out with uh, Rachel Maddow's sister pretending that Trump is an existential threat to the country. SNBC is uh, different. Don't go away. Last night, you might be shocked to learn, shows here on this network, MSNBC covered the many legal threats Donald Trump faces and the dangers that he poses to democracy. We on this show... Oh, hold on a second. I guess I have to refresh here one second. All right, let's see. All right. Here we go. One moment. One second. Okay. Hopefully it saved the We on this show yeah. covered both those topics across three segments. Now, it's hard to say what exactly triggered the ex-president last night, but clearly something he saw or heard prompted Trump to do what he always does, rant angrily on social media. This was his post in which he attacks MSNBC. He misunderstands the difference between broadcast and cable, attacks the CEO of our parent company, and then veers into this, quote, our so-called government should come down hard on them and make them pay for their illegal political activity. Much more to come. Watch. Now, these attacks are not new territory for Trump. <clears throat> I love how these people are getting nervous that Trump is simply suggesting that they get a taste of their own medicine. It's fantastic. Easy to get bored with his whining. I certainly am. <laughs> but I will say this, this again, in the theme of our coverage. I mean, what Trump said there is no different than what Chris Hayes has said about Fox News. Uh, they, it, it, no different than what Chris Hayes and the rest of them have said about Newsmax and OAN. Remember when they tried to get Fox, Newsmax, and OAN removed from the cable packages and the DirecTV packages? It's beautiful. This is beautiful because I say this all the time. They have provided the blueprint for how to fully politically marginalize them. And I hope Trump does that if by some miracle he gets in there. So far, as we head towards the election, this take this seriously. I mean, he's telling you what he wants to do. It's a man who wants to take power back, telling you what his policy on news organizations he doesn't like is. He is very clear with his intent. Our so-called government should come down on them hard and make them pay for their illegal political activity. And here's the thing. Yes, we have a First Amendment. Yes, we got checks and balances. But with a determined enough government and the right henchmen in place, do you think for a moment that Trump's whining cannot turn into real punitive action? Brian Stelzer is a media reporter and special <laughs> correspondent for Vanity Fair. He's off the Hi, new Brian. book, Network of Lies, the epic saga of Fox News, Donald Trump and the Battle for American Democracy, which is out now. And he joins me now. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Part of, part of the thing that jumped out to me about this is that the idea of using the power of the state against your uh, against a media outlet that you uh, that's covering you in mm -hmm. a way that you don't like is not an abstract idea. In fact, there's some precedent here with uh, CNN when there was a, an AT&T merger on the table right. with Time Warner that the Department of Justice intervened in. Yes, I worked at CNN at the time. Before Election Day 2016, Donald Trump said... I mean, again, this is no different than anything they've done when Joe Biden said Facebook was killing people. They just don't like it when it's done to them.
said on the campaign trail <clears throat> that he would try to stop the deal from happening, try to stop AT&T from buying Time Warner. And then once he was elected and once the deal was progressing through the, the process, through the government regulatory system, the Trump DOJ tried to block it, went to federal court, giant lawsuit, delayed the deal by more than a year. AT&T stood up to the president, stood up to the DOJ, actually was willing to fight, and they won in court. They were able to win in court, and the merger happened, but at great cost. It delayed AT&T's battle against Netflix in the streaming wars. And the broader <coughs> point is that there is a, a significant amount of evidence that Donald Trump, behind the scenes, was trying to punish AT&T for owning CNN. Again, this is like, this isn't the like, oh, what if? This is this is a thing that happened. Here's, yes. here's the yeah. New York. This is no different than what the Biden regime has done with Elon Musk and sending the uh, FTC against them. So this, the, again, this is simply a taste of your own medicine. Worker reporting on this, Jane Mayer, talking about Gary Cohn being in a meeting. Um, who is the Department of National Economic Council. According to a well-enforced source, Trump called Cohn to the office, and he said in exasperation, John Kelly, then chief of staff, I've been telling Cohn to get this lawsuit filed. Nothing's happened. I've mentioned it 50 times, and nothing's happened. I want to make sure it's filed. I want that deal blocked. Right. I want that deal blocked. He was also on the phone at the time, Trump, with Rupert Murdoch, talking with Murdoch about this. Rupert Murdoch then calls the AT&T CEO, Randall Stevenson, and says, hey, you want to get CNN off your back? Want to get CNN? I'll buy I'll CNN buy from you, which I interpreted and wrote at the time was a favor to Trump to try to take CNN and put it in cozy Trump hands. Now, here's the thing I think that's so key about this story and, and the key about understanding democratic decline, because we've seen this in other countries. Right. The people at AT&T were like, we're not going to roll over. That's right. Basically, for whatever reason, they stood up to Trump. They stood up to him, whether it's their principles, the, the, the dollars, the play, whatever, business. They said no. The thing that we've seen in other countries is an erosion of that, whereby you start to see people at the highest echelons of a society start to play ball and start to be capped. Right. Now, I've covered this parent network, Comcast, for nearly 20 years. I know the executives at Comcast in Philly, they don't get rattled by a true social post. No. They yeah. have defended <laughs> yeah, true. this news Maybe operation. seven views. They've defended NBC for as yeah. long as they've owned NBC. But we are seeing this with other media companies, and we are, as, as you've said, seeing it in other countries, in Hungary, in Turkey, when the state comes in and takes regulatory action, takes legal action, uh, uses a, an IRS, uses a branch of the government to punish a media company, and sometimes you take that media company off the playing field. It is a very real thing. Yeah, that, that kind of squeeze, and again, to be clear, it's like, yes, the First Amendment's here, but the way the squeeze has worked in places like Hungary and Turkey, and I don't think there is sort of robust democracies in America, but um, even when they started, is, oh, the IRS now has opened a case on your back taxes, or there's new legislation that regulates entities that deliver an item to more than 10 million households every day. Yes. And it's like, yes. oh, those are the newspapers. And then lo and behold, you're paying fines and fees. And then someone comes along and says, why don't I buy that from you, a la Rupert Murdoch? Yeah. Why don't I take it off your hands? We'll fix this and that person you. is a buddy of the president. That's right. And Comcast, of course, is an infrastructure company. They provide broadband to my home and tens of millions of others. So you could imagine the ways Trump could try to turn the screws. And it's not just Comcast. It's no, not it's just MSNBC. Large... It's still CNN. It's still all of these players. Uh, look, on one level, Trump's post is just the weather, right? It's stormy today. 100%. It'll be sunny tomorrow. Yes. He'll rant about someone else tomorrow. Yeah. On another level, though, it's a severe thunderstorm warning. It's a warning about what he will do if he regains power. And that's why I think it's more. Yeah, he'll do, uh, first of all, what you deserve. And uh, he'll do shit that's no different uh, than what Joe Biden's doing right now. Than when he was in power and tried to punish AT&T. Or when he was in power and tried to punish the Washington Post. Oh, they're punishing Twitter right now. 
Jeff Bezos. Because back then, he would tweet and say, boycott AT&T, and nobody would care. The stock would go up that right. day. It was, it was meaningless. But this time, it's a campaign promise he's making to his voters. And he made one the last time on CNN, and, and, and that merger, and he, he tried to, to hold to it. Brian Stelter, always good to have you here. Thanks, Thanks. so much. Okay, that's uh, what a bitch Brian Stelter is. All right, now the aging, the rapidly aging Asian man is going to do propaganda about how the economy, guys, is really actually good. Headquartered in South Korea, and it's used, it used to make all of its wind, wind towers abroad. But incentives from Biden's Inflation Reduction Act reportedly convinced this company to make a $200 million investment in that plant in Colorado and thereby... Oh, you motherfucker. I think because these have been sitting here since yesterday. I had to, uh, something's come up. I've got to, uh, had to change the scheduling a little. So we're, this is Friday, right? Yeah, so we're doing Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, till about 11.30. Then I got to, uh, then I got to uh, do something. But, and thereby uh, creating okay, I think we actually, is reset again 50 here? new jobs in the state. By all the standard metrics, the economy under President okay. Biden is doing great. Inflation is slowing. The GDP is hey guys, growing. By, by all the metrics, the economy is great. The unemployment rate is just 3.9%. But when Americans are asked about how they... By the way, uh, eggs are going back up. And again, I know it's an anecdote uh, and it could be based on location. Milk and eggs are... Uh, I mean, everything's been ridiculous, but I have pointed out that for some reason, eggs and chicken around here have been cheaper so for a while well for a while eggs were like five six dollars a dozen which was crazy then they came down to 199 which was like wild not sale price just regular price that was like holy shit and um but now they're they're going back up they're they're at three now uh a dozen and then and a chicken thighs i have not seen a chicken thigh for weeks i don't know what the hell's going on i don't know why there's a shortage at least around you know, I don't know. Is it a widespread shortage? I don't know if it's even a shortage. I just, uh, those real cheap ones, they're gone. They are nowhere to be found. And uh, eggs are going up. Everything else is completely still insane. So I, I don't know, like, where, where is the relief? Where is the relief? Everything is ridiculous. Uh, bread's ridiculous. Uh, meat is insane. Meat is, ground meat is fucking crazy feel about the state of the economy, things do not seem so bright. A New York Times Siena poll from earlier this month found that in six key battleground states, 81% of registered voters described the state of the economy as either only fair or poor. A whopping 93% of registered voters under 30 felt the same. For this White House, that is particularly concerning. Yeah, guys, but it's just your feelings. It's just feelings. Biden voters in 2020 skewed younger, and this poll was specifically looking at younger voters in battleground states. So what explains the disconnect? The odds are low that many people under 30 were watching today as President Biden spent more than 20 minutes listing all the ways his administration has improved the economy. <laughs> But surveys show that the odds are high that young voters are getting their economic news from social media videos like these. I heard a new term on TikTok today that made me stop in my tracks. We are living in the silent depression and I'm gonna explain what I mean. To buy a new car in 1930. So this is interesting. They're gonna go after these TikTok people. If you end up on one of these highlight reels 
it might not be today it might not be tomorrow it might not be in six months it might not even be in a year but eventually they're going to come for you uh if you end up on a compilation on corporate media they're going to fuck with you in some way and i've never seen them fuck with tiktok people before that's a hell of a thing would have been about $860, worth about 15 grand. The average cost of a new car today is $48,000. New cars are unaffordable. New houses are unaffordable. To That's all true. If this is amazing. Move to a new place and rent somewhere else is unaffordable. How could we be living through worse cost of living and wages than 1930? And no politician, no media outlet, no one is talking about it. And now they're going to try to stop you from talking about it that's bidenomics now those TikToks failed to mention that in 19 in the 1930s you would probably not have had a job to pay for one of those 860 dollars cars because unemployment yeah, guys the jobs where you have to like have three of them to to not even survive to still run run a deficit uh and then hope to god you have a credit card line yeah th that's that makes it completely fine okay it's completely fine mint literally peaked in 1933 at almost 25 percent and now it is at just 3.9 percent and wages are finally outpacing inflation bullshit bullshit but as one economic analyst analyst put it to the new york times earlier this month we are in a vibe session that's the word vibe session that's total bullshit all the normal yeah, guys you it's just your feelings Economic metrics show a strong economy, but the vibes are off. So what does that mean about the lived economic? <laughs> so when you go to the grocery store and you take it up the fucking ass, it's just that's not actually happening. That's not I was at the grocery store today. No matter what I do, it's a hundred bucks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm like, all right, I'm only gonna get this this few things i'm going to keep it as simple as 100 bucks every time it just doesn't matter it's always 100 bucks it's fucking insane totally insane reality for american voters and how can president biden convince the american public that his plans are actually working chris hayes joins me here next to discuss yeah we're going to discuss how could we lie and censor so people believe the economy is good Today, former President Trump published this op-ed in Newsweek. I will make America great again for young people. It is filled with a lot of amazing claims, but my favorite is Trump touting his credentials by saying that under his leadership, the price of gasoline went down to $1.87 a gallon. That is amazing because the only time the national average gas price dropped that low under President Trump was in March of 2020. What else was happening in March of 2020 dumb bitch you can you can look at the price of gas throughout whatever his first year second year third year it was way lower than it is now Twenty. One place you can expect to find a bit of relief during this pandemic is at the pump. The coronavirus has been driving down gas prices. The good news is gas is incredibly cheap right now. 223 at this station just outside of Chicago. The bad news is many Americans aren't able to take advantage of it, especially in states like Illinois where shelter in place orders have been implemented. You might be paying attention to the gas prices falling, but we wanted to know if coronavirus could spread onto the gas pumps that you are touching. Turns out it sure can. 
Joining me now is my friend and on-air neighbor and colleague, Chris Hayes, host of All In with Chris Hayes right here on MSNBC and host of the Why Is This Happening with Pod. Correct. That I have yet to be invited onto, but we'll talk about that later off camera. It's one way to lower gas prices, right? I mean, you may mismanage a global pandemic and... What's great about that is that it perf there's perfect continuity between that and the TikTok you played where she's talking about how, how cheap everything is in 1930. And it's like, yeah, stuff was cheap <laughs> yes. in 1930, like for sure. Everything else it was, was kind of falling apart. cheap in 1930. But this, this sort of gets at the point, I think, a, a number of points. One is... People don't act, don't like rising prices, and and pr prices have been rising. So it's some, some level like it's not super rocket science, right? Like that level of frustration. And even when you say, look, the prices have been, you know, inflation's been coming down. You know, inflation is the rate of growth. The yes. rate of growth has been coming down. So like, people are not noticing rates of growth. They're noticing levels. But at the same time, when you're thinking about like the question of has this person done a good job in macroeconomic policy? The comparison set, which is every OECD country and every pure country, we are doing so much Amazing better than everyone. Well. And the oh, reason we're doing better than the shithole countries, guys. That's that'll help you next time you're at the grocery store. And again, this gets back to the coronavirus point. The reason things have been hard to manage is because we had a once-in-a-century disruption. That thing that happened in March in 2020, which is, I think, for a variety of reasons been underappreciated in its after effects. Yeah, I mean, people don't yeah, want to hear about you're it. They're just like underappreciating Joe Biden's economic greatness. Tired of hearing about it, and they are not looking at it as a causal sort of... That's exactly right. It's like, oh, it's, 19, it's 2023. What do you mean, like, that, like, houses are expensive now because of coronavirus? It's like, right, houses are expensive now because we had huge inflation, so the Fed hiked rates... And the rates are going to come down, and that will create a seller's market. And right. then but it's, it's like, also the housing stock still is not going to get. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But I also think it speaks to a larger, weirder, more intractable dynamic between Republicans and Democrats, right? Biden is shepherding through this economy that is actually incredibly good on its face. <laughs> yes. And yet he has to deal with the vibe session, yeah. or this kind of ephemeral, unspoken, but the very. The level of desperation here is absolutely incredible. This is fucking incredible. A real narrative that things are not good. Trump is literally lying about his accomplishments. Yes, no, he's not. In the pages of Newsweek. No, he's not. And has the confidence of the party. Like, what? Well, first is of all, we saw this a little bit in the polling where there's a huge partisan split. So there were Democrats who in 2019 would be like, yeah, the economy's good under Trump. Whereas the day that Biden became president, it was like, it, so your Republicans are just going to answer in a purely partisan terms. You've already got this weird waiting that's happening in the polling. Yes, but then why don't Democrats answer in a purely partisan term? Right, because, because they're the different, right? Because sucks. there's a huge asymmetry. And I think also it, it gets this point about, when you talk about 2020 and Trump, I do think that one of the weirdest dynamics that's set in that is that is creating the vibe session is like Donald Trump was president in 2020, right? Like people, do people know that? You know that, right? Like it's like everyone, because it was so traumatic, everyone like is just cut off 2020 from their memory and put it in some lock box. vault. Yeah, some box. And so it's like people are like 2019, things are pretty good under Donald Trump in 2019. Right. They, but it's, it's like a lacuna. It's it like... is a complete lacuna. And so there's this weird effect that set in because the, the macro economy in 2019 was doing pretty well. It finally dug out from ten, a decade, yes. you know, that had been lost. It had been set on its path by Barack Obama. It had sort of yeah. gone up. Donald Trump had done things to mess with it that didn't successfully mess with it. And so you've got this very weird situation, which because of the, the, the intensity of the trauma of COVID. Yeah. 
I really think people have this strange attenuated sense of it and, and whether it existed or not and who was responsible for what. Well, and I also just think when you are punching at shadows, like something that's call, being called in the pages of the New York Times a vibe yeah. session, it makes it incredibly difficult to combat that narrative. Yes, and you particularly see this in the coverage where there is this constant focus on whatever the next negative thing is. So it's like, you know, you'll see people be like, eggs, 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 eggs. Eggs are so expensive. Eggs and bacon are so expensive. They Turkeys were. is the first, you're going to pay you through the... This year, turkeys were lower than their 2019 price. Again, eggs are total, it had, can some, I'm going to do, I'm going to pull a David Pakman here. Could someone please help me find a single $10 turkey? <clears throat> I was told by David Pakman and people like Rachel Maddow's sister that turkey was incredibly cheap this year. I was told that you could get turkeys for $10. I've not seen anything close to that. The cheapest I saw a turkey was $43. Okay, so I don't know. And I'm not talking about if you get a deeply discounted one from the points on your card. Like I got, uh, I, I didn't take advantage of it because I want free ham. So I'm waiting for the ham, which I think it's ham time. Ham is the shit. Oh my God, that's good. Anyway, I'm sorry, <clears throat> I'm getting off track. So yeah, um, but the, yeah, the turkeys. Is there a tur? I I looked uh, locally. I looked online. Now online, you could get one for eighteen. However, there's all sorts of fees because it's you know delivery that'll get it up to about forty. So it's not really eighteen. So after fees and everything, can someone show me a ten dollar turkey? I've not seen it. I've not seen it. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. And yeah, eggs were expensive. Eggs were like $6 a dozen. Now, I said before, then something happened. I don't know what it was, but I remember it's one of the few times I went to the grocery store and something was cheaper. And I was like, what the, f and not just cheaper, drastically cheaper. And I was like, why are the eggs $2 now? I'm like, that's awesome. Okay, now they're three though. So now they're going back up. And so who knows what they're going to be next week? Maybe they'll be four. I don't know why they're going up, but I... If I, first of all, it, it's not, I admit, it's not that helpful on one person and, and it is what it is. Um, there are people that, uh, um, go around to their local area. They have YouTube channels and they just keep track of how everything's going up. And I watch some of these channels and there hasn't been any sort of like, Hey guys, you know, it's finally over. Look, look at, and it's not like they're faking the prices at the grocery store. You can, you can put line up a bunch of their videos over the last year. And you can look every time they go into the bread section, every time they go, they're not faking that. They're not like printing out fake, um, price tags and then lining up the whole shelf with them. I mean, that's ridiculous. But anyway, all of those prices, they've still, they're still going up. There's now, are they going up as rapidly as they were? No, but they're still high as hell. Good, by the way, good luck with this strategy. They are losing people in every demographic, young people. How about the Black Lives Matter thing? That, that shit from the DeSantis campaign was cracking me up. Okay, now look, yeah, Black Lives Matter are filthy AIDS commies. The idea that Donald Trump should have uh, told voters to fuck off, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You cannot like what Trump said. I have no problem with that. But the idea, and this was mainly from DeSantis Shills, that Trump should have told voters 
that he didn't want their vote, you're insane. That's insane. Okay, no politician would ever do. Well, I'm, actually, Democrats do that all the time with with conservatives. But no normal politician would decline a vote from anybody. Okay, so yeah, our BLM AIDS commies, yeah, fuck them. On the other hand, if there's people that uh, are like, you know what, I'm realizing this is all bullshit. I'm going to be pro-Trump now. Yeah, good. The more the merrier. You need as many people to vote for you as possible. I'm not going to associate with BLM. BLM can suck my cock. But would I decline votes? No, I'm not going to decline votes. That's crazy. And by the way, Ron DeSantis wouldn't decline votes either. So anyway, that whole thing was fucking... That made me laugh. Uh, But you just look at the amount of people that are pissed off right now. That's why I just think that it's highly likely. You know, you you got Lionel. You know Lionel? Lionel Media? I like Lionel. I think he's, he seems like a reasonable person. Lionel is convinced that... Uh, now, I, I don't think I've seen him argue that there's... I, I, I don't think I've seen him argue that there's not going to be an election. He's arguing that Gavin Newsom is locked in. He's going to be the guy. He doesn't like Gavin Newsom. He's not doing it from the standpoint of being pro-Gavin Newsom. He's like, they are going to, no matter what, they are not going to let Trump in and it's going to be Gavin Newsom. We'll see. We'll see. I hope he's wrong. I hope he's wrong, but I don't think it's an unreasonable prediction. Um, but I, I'm just beginning to wonder, like, you know, I, I mean, I guess it makes more sense to cheat your ass off to get Newsom in rather than canceling the election, because that's going to be something that, like, people are just not going to tolerate. So maybe maybe that's hyperbolic, but I just, they're not acting like, oh, maybe, you know what, maybe if they replace Biden with Newsom, maybe Newsom will campaign. I tell you this, if that happens, if which I think it's very possible, if Newsom replaces Biden and then starts campaigning, then, then I think th- there will be an election. Um, if you see campaigning from Gavin Newsom then I think there will be an election. And then I think it will also uh, tell you that they are, they are going to cheat their ass off. I hope they are not successful, but they're definitely going to fucking cheat at crazy levels like they always do. Down in real terms. I mean, not like they've gone up less, like they're actually down. No one does the local news story about, look how cheap eggs are, yeah. right? So you've got this one-way ratchet. And, you know, we say in the business we don't cover the planes that land. Like, there is a disposition towards negative news. Yes. Right? I mean, I haven't covered the price of eggs, the, uh, cheap eggs, exactly. ever. Exactly. You haven't done... Right, because who's going to lead their segment? Like, eggs are cheap. But it's I mean, like, you. I've you done... Have. I have done eggs are cheap You segments. are doing the yeoman's work of the Biden administration, but it makes this campaign remarkable. Yeah, that's because you're disgusting propagandist. Remarkably complicated for this, this president. It is except for this. I mean, you saw this in some of the New York Times reporting on this, where they, they went and they talked to voters who are Biden voters and, and are disapproving the economy. There actually is a pretty good story to tell. Yeah. I mean, I really <laughs> said... No, there isn't. No, there... This is insane... This is insane what's happening right now. This is someone who's very invested in domestic and macroeconomic policy, who's had very strong views on them for more than a decade. I've been working in journalism and have watched mistakes made at the highest level in the wake of the Great Recession, the Obama administration. There is a very good story to tell about navigating an impossible set of challenges, basically better than any other leadership in the world (laughs) over the last three and a half. Yeah, that's the key. It's compared to everybody else, too. And, well, I mean, if there's always the Republican Party that's quite good at shooting itself in the foot. I mean, if they they knew what was good for them in 2024, it'd be all economy all the time. But instead, they have to keep going back to social issues and abortion. And Donald Trump was just like, hey, we're also going to get rid of Obamacare, which is just like the most 
incredible gift yes. to the Democratic Party. So there's always that. Oh yeah, people are real Chris pleased Hayes, with Obamacare. Friend, thank you for staying late this I Wednesday. Bullshit. All right, let's see here. Then we this was a, another the. Uh, here is the uh, rapidly aging Asian man talking about Elon Musk. Although I think this was before the go fuck yourself. Mass exodus of advertisers from the platform, which then appears to have led to this very public Musk apology tour yesterday. This was the Rabbi Bukaki. And you might think, given that he had just flown halfway around the world and toured the site of a massacre to clean up the mess he had made. God damn it. Yeah, that, that's because these were sitting here. Let me uh, refresh here one moment. All right. Here we go. Okay. All right. He had made for publicly endorsed. Fuckers. All right. Now we're good. Here we go. He had made for publicly endorsing a conspiracy theory. You might think Elon Musk would think twice before endorsing another conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah, this but is about, he talked about Pizzagate. How dare you? Apparently not. Because today, Elon Musk posted a meme pushing a conspiracy theory that is literally the most clear-cut textbook example of why pushing a conspiracy theory is dangerous. It's not dangerous at all. It is righteous. It's totally righteous. Pizzagate. In December of 2016, a 28-year-old man... Who cares, okay? Uh, this is... So what's the tactic here? The tactic is to pretend that Pizzagate was only about this one place and this one event, when in reality it was about high-level child trafficking among elites. So part of the Pizzagate story is completely verifiable. What's part of the Pizzagate story that's verifiable? Uh, Hillary Clinton helping a trafficker uh, get a lesser sentence, Bill and Hillary Clinton, helping Laura Silsby as she was caught, I believe, for the third time, stealing children from Haiti. The third time. This was the third time that she was caught. Okay, this is verified trafficking. This isn't like, oh, we made a mistake. We thought some of them were orphans. This was the third time. Okay, the Clintons helped her get off. Why would the Clintons help a literal child trafficker try to get off with a lighter sentence? Because they're obviously involved. They're in on it. Okay, th 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 that's what I think. You can view it however you want. But that's part of Pizzagate. Now, did every part of Pizzagate turn out to be real? No. But some of it did. And they ignore that, of course. Now, if because there was supposedly not a basement technically under Comet Ping Pong, but there was at the next door business, what does that mean? None of this happened? I mean, it's, that's ridiculous. That's completely ridiculous. So, um, like, does it change James Alephantis being a literal pedophile? Have you seen the guy's Instagram? These people were obvious pedophiles. It's, is it, I mean, does it change what was in what they called the dungeon at the Podesta home? I mean, what could that be? This, these people already had artwork that was like bizarre. Okay, no problem. I, and, and what's wild is a lot of this shit is, is it's just out in plain view. It's out in plain view. Um, there was a magazine called like Washington Life or something that wrote an expose on the Podesta's fucked up uh, art collection. And their art collection that they showed people was already like fucked up. Okay. But apparently connoisseurs of fucked up art 
of art that's you already saw if if you've if you've looked at, at uh, uh, anything related to Pizzagate, you've seen some of the art, right? Um, that's what they showed people. So people who collected that kind of art, which is already fucked up, would say, "Oh, but the shit that they had in their dungeon, we won't even go in there. We won't even look at it." What is in there other than CP? What could it be other than CP? When you look at the art that's legal, okay, that they showed people that they possessed, if there are people that are like, but what they had in their dungeon was too much for me and I won't go in there, what could it, what, there's nothing else that it could be. There's nothing else that it could be. And then you look at the obvious, obvious code words that they were using. Could that be more obvious? Okay, the, the amazing thing during that time was when WikiLeaks releases these emails and the internet gets a hold of them and they are starting to look at all the shit that like John Podesta would say. And then it wasn't one code word. It was like all of the code words that they were using all coincided with common vernacular and words used by pedophiles when they talk about raping and trafficking children. Okay, so so these are the parts that are verifiable that they, they, they don't want you to talk about. But instead, what do they focus on? They focus on the one time a guy went into Comet Ping Pong and just happened to fire around right at the hard drive, right through the hard drive of James Alephantis' computer. Oh, isn't that a coincidence? Boy, yeah, I guess we can't see what's on that hard drive now. Oh, boy, that, that's convenient. That's convenient. Anyway. It's, I'm so glad, like I said, it's, 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 it's like uh, Jekyll and Hyde on the one day, he's doing Rabbi Bukaki on the next day, Elon Musk is posting memes about Pizzagate and telling advertisers to go fuck themselves. It's, uh, he's an interesting guy. He is an interesting guy. Entered the Comet Pizza Parlor in Northwest Washington, D.C. and pulled out a semi-automatic AR-15 style rifle. The staff and patrons at Comet, including children, all fled. But the man, Edgar Welch, who had driven six hours through multiple states to get to this particular pizza place, he stayed inside. He shot the lock off a closet and he moved all the furniture. Edgar Welch was looking for proof that the pizza parley, parlor was actually the, let me check my notes here, the, the home base of a child sex trafficking ring run by Hillary Clinton. That conspiracy known- that's a, that's a straw man. Colloquially is Pizzagate, was spread online primarily through fabricated news articles with headlines like FBI insider, Clinton emails linked to political pedophile sex ring, and it's over, NYPD just raided Hillary's property. What they found will ruin her life. All of that was fake. It has been debunked over and over again. Uh, I've n where's the debunking of any of the Pizzagate stuff that I listed? I've not seen that. But it's still... I would love to see someone uh, run through the court documents with Laura Silsby and, uh, and uh, tell me what, what was, was... Some of that was fake? No one's done that. Convinced a man to storm a pizza parlor with an AR-15-style rifle. And that history here of fake news leading to a real-world attack that makes it all the more astounding that the particular Pizzagate conspiracy theory that Elon Musk pushed today was also based on a fake news story. 
It came from a literally doctored New York Post headline that read, award-winning journalist who debunked Pizzagate pleads guilty in horrific child porn case. Reuters fact-checked this months ago. That headline did not actually ever exist. That, that, well, that, that's fine, but that is what happened. Uh, we covered the story, the, the ABC guy. Pizzagate has been, again, debunked over and over again, but still. Right, some of the people that debunked it turned out to be kid fuckers. Elon. And it wasn't really a debunk, they just label it debunked. Musk bought into it. A few hours ago, Mr. Musk deleted the Pizzagate post. Maybe this time he's learned his lesson. Fuck you, bitch. Or maybe not. Coming up. Go make some firecrackers. All right. Let's get to, uh, let's see. What do we have next here? This is, uh, here's TYT demonizing Trump supporters. I just think they're, they're ganging up on Trump as a way to try to disqualify him. And yeah. I just don't think that's right. How dare you? And what about what they've done? to Hunter Biden with indicting him for felonious gun ownership and tax evasion? I think they need to go after Hunter Biden however they can. But not Donald Trump? No. So there's the double standard. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, no, the, there's, there's not a double standard because the one guy, his crimes are verified. The other guy, his crimes are made up. Me. Right. The joblessness rate is down. People say inflation is now yeah. down and the In, economy... Inflation is not down. It's just going up at a slower rate. He's coming back, albeit slowly. Do you credit President Biden with any of that? No. It's not even real. No, Do you I'm... blame President Biden for the economy? Yes, I mean, I would say it started from petroleum when he first got in there, shutting the pipeline down. But if the economy is now recovering, uh, does he not then get credit for that? I would say why, why aren't you giving Biden credit for the lies that we're telling you? They know, because when you make it completely then you just bring it back to shit. You don't get credit for the positive side of that. So he inherited, like, what you were referred to as a shit economy from Trump, and then he made it worse? I wouldn't say it was shit, but I would say Trump really got blindsided by COVID, which is a conspiracy itself, but yeah, I don't know. Would you say it's a conspiracy? You mean? Well, I mean, it was impeccable timing when it, when it happened, when COVID happened. Uh, so you think it was intentional? Oh, yeah. Yep. In what, in what way? Well, I would say with the China, with the trade with China, yeah. or just the way everything was great. Yeah. The best thing you have to do is bankrupt the country and shut Trump's economy down, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it was, a, it was brilliant. But you think it was intentional? Yeah. If Donald Trump comes back into office, what's the first thing you'd like to see him do as president? Open up the pipeline. Because? Lower the fuel and, and all this and that, like we did before, the groceries were crazy. You know, the, the price of gas is only a little higher now than it was. <laughs> it's like more than double, retard. On the last day that President Trump was in office. Oh uh, do you think presidents have much to do with the price of oil, price of gas? I think, I think the, the, when they shut the pipeline down, I think he did. Yeah. And that, that changed it all there? I think so. And what about the pandemic? Did that have any effect? It may be a little, but like you said, it's. I think there's something more fishy about that pandemic. I think uh, uh, China. I mean, they they intentionally did it. 
thinking so. What what makes you think that? Because I I I, I don't know. I just think so. All right. Do you think support for Israel is important right now? Yes. And Ukraine? Uh, I, I think there are two different there are two different stories there. Well, I think there's uh, some reasons why the administration and the political class is um, so much in favor of of support there. Uh, you, Ukraine is oh, known for years to be a corrupt country. And um, so much of the world is supporting Ukraine and doesn't have. Well, they can suck a dick. Any idea who Hunter Biden is, right? So much of the world thought that COVID was was uh, going to kill everybody. So it killed a lot I, of I'm people, not, right? I'm not sure that uh, the fact that so much of the world thinks something means it's correct. That's true. All right, let's get to some breaking news here. news from the internet from Gunfox here. Let's have a look to see what's going on. Uh, should Venezuela invade its oil-rich neighbor? Maduro will put it to a vote on Sunday. Really? Are they going to uh, pass us some of that oil? <clears throat> what's... I don't... Th I, oh, you know what? I wouldn't put it past Biden to do that because at least if you have a temporary situation where if you can somehow get the price of oil to, to go down or a, 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 the price of gas in America to go down, you might be able to uh, kind of run on that. Like he did that for the midterms. Of course, he released the uh, what do they call that? The reserve, the uh, oil oil reserve or whatever. He like. Um, he used so much of it, we're at like the lowest level ever, so you better hope there's not like an emergency, otherwise we're f fucked in the ass. But uh, yeah, he did that to, uh, and it didn't really go down like to a crazy level, it just was like, I remember it was hitting, it was starting around here to hit like closer to five a gallon, which is like total insanity. That's like, that's like Katrina prices, that's like Obama 2008 prices like crazy and i remember yeah the midterms and diesel there was like a, a diesel shortage in the east the northeast or whatever and that was like six completely insane and he started releasing the uh oil reserves and it got down i think to less than four but it was still fucking expensive anyway we'll see um Venezuelans going to the polls on Sunday will be asked an unusually provocative question. The government of Nicolas Maduro is putting the quarry before the voters, part of a century-old territorial dispute between Venezuela and Guyana that is raising tensions in the region and threatening to escalate into a shooting war. The question will be on the ballot in a five-part referendum that, among other things, would grant Maduro special powers to invade Guyana, 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 I don't know, and create a new Venezuelan state encompassing 74% of English-speaking Guyana's current landmass. The new area will be called Guyana Escuiba. <clears throat> Some experts see the whole thing as a political ploy. Many... 
Though many Guyanese see the threat as real and fear, among other things, the loss of their citizenship. Clearly, Maduro has uh, domestic constituencies in mind, but I think when you weigh the number of negatives of annexation, Maduro would be crazy to risk all of those negatives to take 74% of Guyana. The growing tensions became evident this week when Brazil, a close ally of both nations that shares its borders with both, sent top foreign advisor Kelso Amornin to mediate while announcing it was increasing its military presence along its northern border amid fears that the long-standing dispute could turn into a war. The Ministry of Defense has been monitoring the situation. Defensive actions have been intensified in the northern border region of the country, promoting a greater military presence. The border dispute uh, stretches back to the second half of the 19th century. The border dispute is currently before the United Nations International Court of Justice. Guyana's government wants the International Court to look at the questions on the referendum as well as the comments made by the Maduro regime, including its national electorate. Uh, experts say that Maduro's efforts to fan the flames of nationalism are an attempt to boost his faltering popularity that could easily get out of hand and create a situation where he is forced to use the powers he's invoking. <clears throat> The regime has already launched an aggressive propaganda campaign over the news outlets it controls, with TV and radio stations every few minutes broadcasting jingles promoting uh, the message saying that the Essequibo is ours. While there is widespread mistrust about the Caracas regime's ability to hold fair elections, an overwhelming yes vote is expected given that even Maduro's opponents have either refrained from criticizing the referendum or have actually supported it. Guyana's government says the border claims are baseless and have warned Maduro not to underestimate the country's right to defend itself. The government also said the referendum would usurp the jurisdiction of the international court before it has any chance to rule on the claim of sovereignty over the territory. Um, experts say an armed conflict with Guyana which shoulders the north coast of South America would lead to greater international isolation for Maduro, given that Guyana is a member of GARICOM, the 15-member Caribbean trade bloc, whose support has been essential for Caracas in international forums, such as the UN and the Organization of uh, American States. CARICOM has not been as forceful in its objections as in years past, a sign, some observers say, of the divisions that exist within the bloc, although in a press release last month, the group said Venezuelan threats to stop Guyana from developing Esquilibo's natural resources is contrary to international law. Washington has also been sending signals of its objections, leading Griffith to believe that even if the vote were to take place Sunday, little will come of it. He admits the potential for a forced annexation is creating fear not just for the Guyanese, but for the country's neighbors, some of whom base their own borders on the same 1899 arbitration decision. The resolution to put the question to Venezuelan voters was approved in September by the Maduro-controlled National Assembly, which said it's intended to allow the Venezuelan people to express their views about a significant territorial uh, dispute. Um, San Miguel said Maduro's uh, 
Saber rattling follows a long tradition in Latin America where governments fan the flames of nationalism to gather political support, but he warned this has led to war in the past, such as the 100-hour conflict of 1969 between Honduras and El Salvador, which was dubbed the Football War, because it happened the same time as qualifying games for the 1970 Soccer World Cup. I believe Maduro has entered a dead-end street, and he may be forced to go to war, a hundred-hour war like the football war, he said. All right, well, we'll see. <clears throat> That's a hell of a thing right there. All right, uh, we have more breaking news here. All right, Breaking news from the internet from GunFox. Appreciate the support, sir. <clears throat> we have uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, so so it looks like they're trying to do COVID again. Um, so they first said there was this pneumonia, mysterious pneumonia in China. And then they were like, well, it's actually not like mysterious. It's just pneumonia. There's a lot of pneumonia. Because, you know, they lock people down. They fucked with people's immune systems. You know, you, you, you jab all these kids and people and you lock them down. Their immune systems get weak. And now there's a lot of pneumonia. Well, apparently it's starting to hit America. Uh, Massachusetts is saying to be hit by a wave of pneumonia in children. And Ohio County issues a white lung warning. So... Um, we will see. And now, of course, I've seen some media outlets going, oh, the hospitals are filled. First of all, fucker, it's goddamn cold and flu season. Of course the hospitals are filled. And the other thing, this was the trick. I remember, because, uh, you know, you do this long enough, even if you don't know for sure how they're lying, you know that it's 99.9% that they're somehow lying. And I remember thinking that when they were like, oh, the ICU capacity is at 99%. And I was like, there's got to be, there's a lie here somewhere. There's a lie. There's somewhere there's a lie. Because there's no fucking way that, you know, there's been hospitals for years. There's no way that this is like unprecedented. There's got to be a lie somewhere. Anyway, then we found the, um, it was kind of like, there are these magazines. You know, if you're in different industries, right, there's like magazines um, that they print for your industry. So like if you're an auto parts salesman, there's probably a magazine called, you know, auto. actually this is probably dated. They probably don't do this anymore. It's probably a newsletter you get in your, your email. But like auto parts salesman monthly, blah, 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 for whatever. Well, anyway, there are these um, these magazines for people who are in the hospital administration business. It's a whole field, hospital administration. So these people, what their job is, is to figure out how to fucking run the goddamn hospital. Okay, they go to school for this, and they're very good at their jobs for the most part. You know, I imagine that's very complicated. You got a lot of fucking people and the doctors, and everything's got to run smoothly, otherwise people die. That's a pretty important job. Okay, anyway, so... The hospital administrators also have to turn a profit. And so the way I remember reading about how the ICU capacity has to be at 
the the if it's not full or almost full the hospital loses money so they deliberately make it so an icu is running at 98 99% capacity so it's not a bad thing when a hospital is almost at capacity it's how they're run now in most places like cities you have situations where like in new york where during a particularly bad cold and flu season uh, you have to divert patients to different hospitals, okay? So so th there's a whole system. There's a whole contingency in place for when things get busy. Might not even be cold and flu season. Might be a active weekend of Jamal's in Detroit. And there might be a lot of motherfuckers in the emergency room that are shot. There's all these different things that can happen. Anyway, so... That was the lie when they said, if you remember Gavin Newsom, he was like, if the hospitals reach 95%, we're doing another lockdown. Well, that's guaranteed because 95%, of course, it's going to surpass 95%. 95, I think 93, 95% capacity was considered like a problem. That was like low, not a problem like it's too much. It's like, why aren't we filled more? We're losing money. So anyway, I, that was that was hilarious. So now they're doing the hospital capacity thing again. Now, can you show me perhaps in like a rural, rural, a rural, rural, that's a hard word to say, at least for me, in a area out in the fucking country, can you show me where the, maybe there's a hospital, it's too far away. And if you have too many people, there could be a problem. Sure, you could, you could always show a problem. But the narrative was a lie. The narrative of hospital capacity was a lie. Uh, they also just sometimes lied about who was in the hospital. Remember, they were like, there's all these people overdosing on ivermectin in the hospital. That was totally made up. They just totally made shit up. Anyway, now they're doing it again with pneumonia. Now, I'm sure there are kids with pneumonia, but that happens. And, uh, you know, you, if you're going to try to lock people in their house, you're out of your mind. Anyway, doctors in parts of Massachusetts and Ohio are reporting a spike in child pneumonia cases similar to the outbreak spreading in China and parts of Europe. In Warren County, just 30 miles outside Cincinnati, there have been 142 pediatric cases of the condition, dubbed white lung syndrome, since August to figure health officials then described as extremely high. Not only is the above is it above the county average it also meets the the ohio department of health definition of an outbreak meanwhile in western mass physicians are seeing a whole lot of walking pneumonia a milder form of the lung condition which is being caused by a mixture of bacterial and viral infections neither outbreak is being caused by a novel pathogen see that's what they try to lie about and not all of the pneumonia cases are being caused by the same infection. Experts say a mixture of several seasonal bacterial and viral bugs are hitting at once, putting pressure on hospitals, it, also known as cold and flu season. It has raised fears that the outbreak that has overwhelmed hospitals in China could hit the U.S. this winter. Several European countries are battle, battling similar situations. But a source... Oh, is this the... Uh, okay, so this right here... Um, someone oh, oh yeah 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 they tried to oh hey look good for you daily mail they tried to pass this picture off this is a 57 year old man um who is um yeah this was not kids this was not kids they tried to pretend that was a kid's uh lung x-ray and people and but the daily mail is being honest about it which is nice but a source at the CDC um, said nothing is out of the ordinary. Uh, oh, really interesting. 
patients in the county, which is home to around 200,000 people, have tested positive for pneumonia, a bacterial lung infection for which, for which some antibiotics are useless. Uh, the average age of the patients is eight, though some are as young as three. Um, most infections are mild, but those who have recently recovered are at higher risk. Um, in a release from uh, Warren County uh, Health, they said, we don't think this is a novel or new respiratory disease, but rather a large uptick in the number of pneumonia cases normally seen at one time. Um, we approach, as we approach the holiday, many of us will be gathering together. Please remember to take necessary precautions. Wash your hands, cover your cough, stay home when ill, and stay up to date on vaccines. Um, doctors say patients are mostly suffering from fever, cough, and fatigue. It's unclear if any deaths have resulted from the illness. Um, in Massachusetts, doctors say the main issue is RSV. Um, let's see here. Uh, he said China may be getting hit by a double whammy of uh, viral and bacterial infections. China is entering its first winter without the pandemic restrictions and is reporting surges in COVID flu and RSV. Yes, we have to, we have to lock down. We have to double down and lock down. And they're bringing out, they're bringing out these uh, guys in the hazmat suits in China. So I think China is trying to uh, do some propaganda like they did before. Hopefully people don't fall for it. Um, speaking to local reporters, the medical director said our school districts have called in uh, uh, starting in August, but really picking up mid to late October, and they've noticed a lot of kids are absent. Um, Dr. Scott Roberts, an infectious disease expert, said the uptick in cases was likely still being driven by weakened immunity in children. Yeah, and that COVID policies are responsible for that. Um, he suggested children's immune system could still be suffering from the effects of COVID restrictions. Yeah, crazy. Uh, CDC Director Mandy Cohen said while testifying that the uptick in China was not down to a novel pathogen. The CDC has been coming under pressure to reveal everything it knows about the China outbreak with members of Congress sending a letter to the agency today. China has been recording a surge in childhood cases since May, which only came to light last month. Yeah, just uh, so I think they're trying to use anything they can. They they want to do another COVID, especially with the election coming up, and hopefully they won't be able to do that. All right, let's get to some more breaking news here. <laughs> from the internet from Gun Fox. Appreciate your generosity, sir. We have January doesn't have, or excuse me, Trump doesn't have immunity from lawsuits over January 6th appeals court rules. Yeah, so Cenk Uger was gloating about this. He wants them to do to Donald Trump what they did to Alex Jones. And I responded and I said, I, I hope the families of the cops that Gavin Long killed or Kyle Rittenhouse bankrupt you. So hopefully uh, this kind of shit is used against people like Cenk Uger, because that's exactly what he would deserve. Um, <clears throat> former President Trump can be sued in civil lawsuits related to the January 6th 
riot in a long-awaited consequential decision from the Federal Appeals Court in Washington, D.C. The opinion, written by Chief Judge Sri Servinson, uh, states that not everything a president does or said while in office is protected from liability. The president does not spend every minute of every day exercising official responsibilities, and when he acts outside the functions of his office, he does not enjoy immunity. When he acts in an unofficial private capacity, he is subject to civil suits like any private citizen. Uh, The decision allows three lawsuits against Trump from Capitol Police officers and members of Congress who are seeking recovery for emotional distress and physical injury from the attack. Yeah, much of the injuries that these uh, Capitol Police officers are claiming have been proven to be lies with the newly released footage. Uh, But whatever, they don't care. And at least half a dozen other lawsuits against Trump may be able to emerge. From dormancy, the complaints rely on a federal law prohibiting individuals from conspiring to prevent someone from holding federal office. Well, hopefully people sue the shit out of Biden, Clinton, and Obama now. Uh, The appeals court decision may shape how judges look at arguments of immunity that Trump is making in his federal criminal cases around the 2020 election. Two of the lawsuits were brought by Democrat House members, while a third was filed by pussy-ass bitch Capitol Police officers. The lawmakers allege that they were threatened by Trump and others as part of a conspiracy to stop the congressional session. That's totally made up. These lawsuits are completely without merit. They argue Trump should bear responsibility for directing the assaults. That's made up, though. He didn't direct any assaults. Trump moved to dismiss the lawsuits against him on several grounds, including immunity. The district court did find that Trump was protected by presidential immunity from the claim that he failed to stop the riot, saying that it, he would be acting in his official presidential powers in that instance. The appeals court opinion on Friday distinguished between campaign speech a president seeking re-election might make and official actions of the presidency. Trump argued in the court that he was immune for anything he said while being president, but the court found that's not the case, specifying that the January 6th Trump rally that preceded the riot at the Capitol is potentially part of his campaign. Trump still will be able to contest the facts in the case as the lawsuits move forward. The court's decision is flexible enough to accommodate rare cases where even speech made during a campaign event might be official. The opinion stated the president running for a second term was acting as an office seeker, not an office holder. Stephen Chung, a spokesperson for Trump, said um, the opinion was limited, narrow, and procedural. The facts fully show that on January 6th, President Trump was acting on behalf of the American people, carrying out his duties as the President of the United States. Lawyers for pussy-ass bitch Capitol Police officers and AIDS commie Democrat members of Congress who were suing Trump cheered the decision on Friday. Mongoloid Kendall, Eric Swalwell, who got fucked in the ass by a Chinese spy literally named Fang Fang, said this is the right result and an important step forward in holding former President Trump accountable for the insurrection. Um, Today's ruling makes clear that those who endanger our democracy and the lives of those sworn to defend it will be held accountable, said another bitch-ass fucker named Patrick Malone. We're moving one step closer to justice and one step closer to accountability and one step closer to healing some of the wounds suffered by bitch-ass pussy officers James Blassingame and Sidney Hemby, said uh, some dumb whore named Christy Parker. Counsel at Protect Democracy. 
<laughs> AIDS commie are hilarious. Uh, commies. As the case shows, our constitutional order does not grant for former President Trump immunity from his attempt to subvert our democracy. Oh, I hope these people get what they deserve one day. I will be here in all my glory, watching it as it happens. Oh, it will be fantastic. But we'll see. You know, you gotta, gotta give it time. We'll see what happens. And again, I'm talking legally, politically, and humanely, of course. All right, let's get to some more breaking news. Is this uh, LGBT breaking news? Breaking LGBTQ plus <laughs> news. All right, we got more breaking news oh, from the Jesus internet. Christ. I, I, let's see if this is LGBT news, because Gun Fox wrote Eat Into the Sun news. And yes, here, we, here it is. Correct read. All right. More breaking news from the internet from Gun Fox. A transgender 18-year-old showering with girls at school sparks an investigation. Oh, yes. Got another predator tranny. Got a predator tranny alert here. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. The Department of Education has opened an investigation into an incident at a Wisconsin school involving a predator tranny. In a locker room with female students. Yeah. Um, let's see. The Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty, a conservative law firm, announced this week that it received a letter from the DOE saying that the department's Office of Civil Rights was opening an investigation into a complaint it filed earlier this year involving a tranny who undressed in front of female students at the Sun Prairie Area School District uh, following the school's failure to address the incident, disregard for parents' concerns and their stonewalling of an open records request, Will worked alongside parents of the school district to seek an investigation and remedies from the Department of Education and the Biden administration. The Biden administration is going to tell these parents and these children to suck the tranny's cock, and they're probably going to arrest the parents and, and the, the victims. Will's deputy counsel, Daniel Lennington, said the opening of a formal civil rights investigation is tremendously significant, not only for this case, but as a warning to other schools nationwide that embrace new and untested tranny policies without considering the impact on female students. According to uh, uh, Will, in June, it filed a complaint with the DOE after learning that an 18-year-old predator tranny undressed in front of four female high school students in a locker room. As the girls began to shower, the male student approached them, entered the shower area, announced, I'm trans, by the way, and then fully undressed and showered next to the girls. He was initially turned towards the wall, but turned and fully exposed his body to the four girls. He had not transitioned medically and had the physio physiological appearance of an adult male. He pulled his cock out, and that's what's going on here. Understandably, the girls closed their eyes and tried to hurry up and leave the showers. And I imagine they were told by the school staff that what they did was bigoted, that it, you have to look at the tranny cock. You're not allowed to close your eyes. You must look at the cock and say, this is fine. What a stunning and brave feminine penis you have, Joseph, or whatever this tranny's name is. Conservatives had continued to slam 
LGBTQ and transgender community this year after Bud Light partnered with lunatic tranny Dylan Mulvaney. What's the over-under on, bef- uh, on when that motherfucker kills himself? Like six months? <clears throat> with many calling for boycotts and an end to the inclusion of transgender women in female sports. Many Democrats have shown support for the lunatic trannies, with Joe Biden recently calling for an end to discrimination against trans individuals by saying, my administration ended the ban on transgender Americans serving our country, and I signed a historic executive action to strengthen civil rights protections for all LGBTQI plus Americans. In the complaint to the DOE, Will said that the locker room incident is a violation of Title Title IX law involving the prohibition of discrimination based on sex. I'm telling you, look, you you gotta file these lawsuits. You gotta keep fighting. There's no question. But I'm telling you, the Biden administration uh, or whoever the fuck is going to be involved here, they're they're gonna tell them that you have to you have to suck the tranny cock. There's no way they win this. Although you still gotta try. You gotta keep trying. Um, look, five years ago, if a conservative came out and said, oh, we're going to boycott Target because of this fucking gay shit, they would have been laughed at. People would have laughed at him and nothing would have happened and that boycott would have been nothing. Now we're in a totally different ballgame. Our side is actually getting wins and, um, and I think it's a very good thing. So you got to keep fighting, even though, you know, it's an uphill battle. You just got to keep fighting. You, you just have to be realistic. You know, you're going to lose and then you're going to win. You just, you just got to keep trying. They said, uh, under the law, sex discrimination encompasses sexual harassment, which includes unwelcome conduct so severe that it effectively denies a person equal access to the education program, like the incident that occurred. Will claims on the complaint, that the SPASD discriminated against the four freshman girls on the basis of sex, not only did the district fail to comply with the requirements under Title IX, but its policies failed to protect all female students in the district. The law firm said it previously listened to complaints from parents following the incident and that the female students initially informed an assistant principal who was required to notify the Title IX coordinator but failed to do so. Over a month after the incident, a principal emailed our client and apologized for the incident that occurred and attached a copy of the restroom and locker room accessibility guidance document, which by all accounts was never adopted by the school board. No one at the SPASD contacted the girls to offer supportive measures or an opportunity to file a formal complaint. Yeah, they probably were called bigots. They probably were called bigots. A spokesman spokesman for the school district confirmed to WMSN-TV in Wisconsin Receipt of the letter from the DOE, but didn't comment further. The letter uh, announcing the investigation by the DOE said the department will remain neutral and will collect and analyze the evidence it needs in order to make a decision. We applaud the Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights for investigating the allegations made in our complaint, but we all need to wait and see if they take this as seriously as they should. Uh, We hope the results in, in answers for parents and families at the Sun Prairie Area School District, but we won't know until we see the results of the investigation. All right, yeah, we'll see. Again, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta keep, you gotta keep um, trying. But uh, what a time! What a time! You know, it's kind of like it's interesting. I think that there's different areas where you're seeing rebellion from normies against leftists. This is one area. This area is more slow going, though. Whereas, like, the economy, because that affects everybody, 
That's happening rapidly. That is happening rapidly. People are just on TikTok complaining about the economy. You know, they're just going to the grocery store. They're like, what the fuck is going on here? Whereas this is more like not every girl is facing, you know, a feminine penis. But as this continues, uh, it, more and more girls are going to. Um, you know, the, the level of people who have been exposed to uh, feminine penises in dressing rooms, I, I, I wish there was some sort of study on the percentage. It's got to be an exponential percentage gain on a yearly basis. Because uh, more and more perverts and predators are emboldened to pull their cocks out in front of women because they know they're going to get away with it. Um, I, I, I wish there was a, a way to have a, a study on something like that. But this is just another um, way that people are rebelling uh, uh, against leftist ideology. Um, and so it, it, the, the, the momentum is definitely against them and in our favor. And it's because of shit like this. Um, the quickest way to reverse a lot of this shit would be, you know, uh, some sort of uh, uh, red wave and normies voting for Trump over Biden. Uh, that would help, provided that Trump does what he says he's going to do, you know, and, and that you got to see. You know, I believe it when I see it. I hold him to the same standard as everyone else. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'll take I'll take it. I'll take it. However, they can. Uh, they can deliver it. OK. All right, that was breaking news from the internet from Gunfox. Sincerely appreciate the support and generosity, sir. Um, I think there was a... Where? Oh, yeah, I think there was uh, also Mojack had one. Let me double check here. This was breaking. Um, faggots are a specially protected class news. All right, so this is breaking news. Oh, here. Oh, hold on a second. Faggots are a specially protected class news from the internet from Mojack420. Iowa court affirms hate crime conviction of a man who left anti-gay notes at homes with rainbow flags. Yeah, there's a lot of this kind of shit happening. Um, and you might remember, I think like 2017, right? A guy got prison time for burning a, a LGBT flag. Um, but there's a lot of these types of uh, either laws or they're making new laws like in Florida where there's people who are catching jail time over what normally would be protected speech sometimes like in florida and this is under desantis this is all desantis which is unfortunate um they are declaring certain things litter so messages particularly critical of jews or hyperbolic towards jews they are uh, putting people in jail uh, under like littering uh, or ordinances and they're like nailing them they're trying to get them like the the maximum penalty so a year in jail something like that um for passing out uh flyers or you know hyperbolic um documents with things about jews on them and uh so 
yeah, this is this is another way that they're that they're uh, fucking with people. Now, I would I would say I wouldn't personally engage in this. I think it's counterproductive. Uh, you know, uh, writing notes on a some on someone's house, and maybe there's some circumstances here that I'm not aware of, but like you know, passing out pamphlets. First of all, I have an aversion. Is it what's the word aversion? An aversion. I think that's the right word. Uh, I am not a fan of passing out pamphlets because I was forced to many years of my life as a Jehovah's Witness. So I'm not rolling up to people's houses. Fuck that shit. Okay. Uh, with that said, you know, I, well, let's let's see what this story is, but. Um, it's just not a good situation to be jailing people over uh, words. Well, let's see. The Iowa Supreme Court affirmed the hate crime conviction Friday of a man who posted handwritten notes at homes with rainbow flags and emblems, urging them to burn that gay flag. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. Uh, certainly, look, if you are a homeowner, Right. Like, certainly, if you're a homeowner, I would understand it if you have a flag. I, I mean, actually, I'm, I'm in a much different space now than I used to be. Um, yeah, I want any commie shit removed from my neighborhood. So I'm not going to, you know, defend people who fly this particular flag. But let's say it was a different flag. Let's say um, it was a different circumstance. I can understand it if you... Uh, you know, you don't like someone leaving notes. But I believe the proper thing to do is either... Go after them civilly if you can, or I believe you can have people trespassed from your private property. So then if you have the guy trespassed and then he returns, then you can arrest him for trespassing, which I have no problem with because I'm, I'm a very staunch advocate of private property. Don't go on people's private property if they don't want you on there. And I don't care who the person is, okay? Don't do that. But that's the proper way to handle it. Just like this piece of shit in New York, right? This guy looked like a total fucking ridiculous homo. This guy, remember the, the, the silvered haired guy that used to work for Bathhouse Barry? And he rolls up to this guy, this guy and starts talking all this shit. It's ridiculous bullshit. And, and, you know, doing it for a minute, I don't necessarily have an issue with. You know, maybe he got your order wrong and you decided to just start going off about some political shit that you think he might be involved in, no problem. But the fact that this guy, he kept coming back to his stand and he, and he would stand there for like five minutes, 10 minutes, like ridiculous. So, but the, the proper thing to do is not to arrest him because he had the wrong opinion about the Israeli-Palestine conflict. Arrest him for trespassing, follow the proper procedures, have him trespassed, and then if he comes back, then arrest him. But anything that people do or go along with that's like, well, this guy was arrested for his mean notes or for what he said, that is no good. That is no good. So this is no good. Certainly, if I had a flag up, because I'm if, if I move to the South, I've said this before, you know, I try to be consistent and I don't want to be a hypocrite. And it depends on where and because I'm going to have multiple places that I'm going to I'm going to do the nomad thing. Um, and so it, some of these places, uh, if there are a reasonable amount of people that have Confederate flags up, I think uh, it would be hypocritical of me not to put one up because I believe in assimilating. And if that's how things are being done down there, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, now, if there's not a lot of them, then I'm not going to because it's kind of like, you know, I've always said I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a Southerner. But if that is how they're going to roll, then I'm on board. I, I, I don't want any trouble. Uh, I'm fleeing communism. And if the way to get along is to fly, what is it called? Old glory? Well, no, pro you don't have a problem for me.
Okay. Um, but if someone rolled up with a, with a note, was like, blah, 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 you know, I would, if they kept doing it, I would have them trespassed if I could. But I, what I would not do is try to have them arrested for speech. But anyway, that's not going to happen in that scenario because there's no AIDS in an area. There's no commie AIDS in an area where people are flying the Confederate flag. <clears throat> anyway, as far as I'm aware, maybe there is and I'll be shocked. And I'll be like, I can't believe it. But I, I doubt it. Uh, as the court noted, the rainbow flag has come to symbolize support for LGBT. Oh, actually, excuse me. There's a paragraph uh, explaining the logic from these judges. The majority rejected the claim by Robert Clark Geddes that his conviction for trespassing as a hate crime violated his free speech rights. Yeah, but did you trespass him because of anti-gay sentiment? Or did you trespass him because he keeps coming on someone's property? There's a, there's a, I, to me, there's a big difference. Because they're trying... Th did you see the charges of the guy I was talking about that was working for Obama? They had hate crime plus stalking. See, stalking is possible in this scenario, but you've got to get rid of this hate crime shit. By the way, I didn't know this, um, but apparently... Do you know who like got the first hate crime on the books? The ADL. I think, if, unless the person who said that is incorrect, that doesn't surprise me. Further reason that you have to do away with all this shit. This is no good. Anyway, but a dissenting justice said a hate crime conviction wasn't appropriate since it wasn't clear if the people displaying the symbols were actually associated with the LGBTQ community. As the court noted, the rainbow flag has come to symbolize support for LGBTQ plus people. Um... The majority said the state statute in question does not criminalize speech, but rather conduct with a specific intent, trespassing because the property owners or residents had associated themselves with a protected class. The individual's display of the LGBTQ flag or flag decal on their own property was an exercise of First Amendment rights. The defendant surretit... Well, that's good luck on that one. Surretipicis? No, that's not right. It's like surretitious... That's as good as it's going to get. Entry onto the properties to post his harassing notes was not. Handwritten notes turned up in June of 21, taped to the front doors of five renters and homeowners in the town of Boone who displayed rainbow flags or decals. All said, burn that gay flag. One contained additional anti-gay slurs. What would that be? Faggot? Are you talking about faggot? The recipients told police they found the notes alarming, annoying, or threatening, according to the decision. Based on surveillance video from some of the homes, police identified Geddes as the man who left the notes, and he acknowledged posting them. He was charged with five counts of trespassing as a hate crime. See, that's no good. If you want to trespass a person, no problem. But trespassing as a hate crime? So if he would have wrote pro-gay messages, it wouldn't be trespassing? See, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. He was later convicted and was sentenced to up to two years probation. Well, it's, he, I guess he got off easy compared to the guy that... I think that guy is serving a lengthy jail sentence for the LGBT flag burning. Crazy. On appeals, Geddes argued prosecutors failed to prove he targeted persons who were LGBTQ plus or had a connection with them. He said his conviction, therefore, violated his free speech rights. 
Iowa's hate crime law requires that the victim was targeted because of their race, color, religion, ancestry, national origin, political affiliation, sex, sexual orientation, age, or disability, or because of their association with people in these categories. In his dissent, Justice Matthew McDermott said there was no evidence in the record that the recipients of Geddes notes were members of the LGBTQ plus community, or whether he believed they were, nor whether any of the residents had an association with or an actual person in those protected classes. He noted the legislature chose the words association with rather than solidarity with when it wrote the hate crime law. As a symbol, a flag doesn't independently create or express actual association with particular persons. Not everyone who displays a pirate flag is associated with actual pirates. Geddes' attorney said they were disappointed in the decision. We should all be concerned with protecting the free marketplace of ideas under the First Amendment, even if the ideas are minority opinions. Iowa's hate crime statutes require the victims be associated with a targeted group. We agree with the dissent that the mere display of a flag on a home does not meet the criteria. Jane Kirtley, a First Amendment expert, said the dissenting justice may have a valid point. When the hate crimes are so tied to expression, the particular facts of the case matter. She agreed that there might not be enough facts in the record to establish whether Geddes' actions violated the hate crimes law, given its use of the vague term associated with. Words matter, Kirtley said. Legislatures can write with greater precision. Judges are reluctant to read things into ambiguous language, and rightly so. But it looks like they convicted him anyway. Yeah, this is no good. This is no good. But uh, that's what they're going to do. That is what they're going to do. Amazing. All right, very good. That was uh, breaking news from the internet from Mojack420. Appreciate the support, sir. If you have an article that you want read on stream, 10 and up, details in the description. Let's uh, do a video and then we'll read some of these uh, super chats. Here is uh, TYT covering Trump getting support from a local BLM leader. You know, we've been used and abused for so long at that party. They don't value our vote. Their policies are basically um, racist policies, and I believe it's a racist party. Donald Trump, is, he's the opposite. He's, he's going to tell you how, how it is. He's going to give it to you straight. Trump has done more for the black community than I can, any president I can think of in my lifetime. You just heard from the co-founder of the Black Lives Matter chapter in Rhode Island. His name is Mark Fisher and he has obviously come out in support of Donald Trump. Now he explained more of his reasoning behind this switch in political loyalties during an interview on Fox and Friends. Let's take a look. Um, you know, This is my favorite story of the day because it identifies with what I've seen in the barbershop, all the brothers, for some reason right now, are turning tides right now. And I just wonder, what is the big reason? I think personally, it's the duplicity of the Democrats, mm. the hypocrisy. Um, we're not stupid, the brothers are not stupid. We, we understand when someone's for us and when someone is not. And it's obvious that the Democratic Party is not for us. Yeah, I, I can't. Their, their, their policies actually strike at the heart of the black family and the nuclear family. You're saying Donald Trump. So, what is it about Donald Trump? Is it the economics? Uh, you noted the black family. What is it going to take for him to sure up this support amongst uh, black voters? 
Well, I just, I just think that it's going to take information. A lot of people are misinformed. They don't really understand because they don't educate themselves on, on Donald Trump as a person and his history. Personally, I love the man. I mean, how could you not like if, if a real man? How could you not relate to someone like that? Now, of course, Trump has already gotten word that a co-founder of a Black Lives Matter chapter is supportive of him. And he has posted about it on Truth Social saying, spoke with Mark Fisher yesterday, a great guy, very honored to have his and BLM support. Okay, let's pause. One co-founder <laughs> of one BLM chapter has now endorsed you. That's, like to say BLM supports wait, you. Wait, BLM, BLM endorsed Trump? All of it? All of it? I would venture to say the entirety of BLM very unlikely to be supportive of Donald Trump. I could be wrong. I don't have the data in front of me, mm -hmm. but I'm just gonna speculate that's the case. Okay. So I don't entirely understand why he's like, yes, I have their support, and that's a good thing. Fox, like, that's a good thing. You, you guys have been calling BLM a terrorist organization for years. I know. So why do you want their? I mean, they're not. That's insane and racist. But that's what they've been saying. And all of a sudden, they all the stuff that happened in 2020 happened. Listen. But they like you now, so they're cool. Listen, that doesn't make any sense. Trump likes anyone. Who likes him? That clearly. And, and so, I floated this to to Jenk once, and he's like, "No, we're not going to do that. This is like, oh god, number one, immoral, but also might not work and could backfire." So let me tell you, I floated this very briefly. I wasn't actually serious about it, but I thought to myself, okay, if fighting Trump didn't work, what if we try to get into his good graces? And and push him in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I the guy is so easy to manipulate. You just have to be super complimentary. Mm -hmm. Like talk about his rugged good looks, whatever, whatever, Ugh. whatever will make him happy. He went from like literally wanting to shoot BLM protesters in their legs mm -hmm. to now like I am honored to be endorsed by BLM. <laughs> like it is amazing. Yeah. And I'm not kidding about that, by the way. Like, let's let's take a little trip to the recent past, okay? So um in June of 2020, Trump himself attacked BLM, calling a plan to paint a BLM uh, sign in New York City a symbol of hate that would further antagonize police. Uh, in an interview with Fox News later that year, Trump called the group discriminatory. And muse that it's bad for black people, it's bad for everybody. Now, Mark Fisher, who served as secretary, I'm sorry, Mark Esper, not Fisher. Mark Esper, who served as the Secretary of Defense in Trump's administration, also alleged in his book that Trump suggested that authorities shoot protesters amassed outside of the White House during the summer of 2020. Quote, can't you just shoot them? Just shoot them in the legs or something. Ask Trump, according to Esper. Please fill in the or something. What's the or something? What part of the body is the or something there? So my point is, John, he wanted to shoot them in the legs or something hmm. because they were protesting him mm -hmm. as he was in the White House. Okay. Yeah. That makes them persona non grata, enemies of the state, whatever. He hates them. But the second just one of them, mm -hmm. one of the co-founders of one of the chapters says, I, I like Trump, I endorse Trump. Trump's like, I am honored, mm -hmm. I am honored. And who knows what, what he could, what you can 
maybe get out of that. Maybe, maybe. I, look, I, I wanna, because you're very critical of Trump, I wanna stand up in support of Trump's consistency a little bit in that. I am sure, given the opportunity, he would still advocate for shooting protesters in the leg. I'm going to give him that credit. It depends. If they're protesting one of his opponents, <laughs> they're very good people. That's true. If they're protesting him, yeah, I mean. Yeah. But again, it always goes back to Trump, that's my point. Right, if you're nice to him, if you're supportive of him, I mean, think about it. Kim Kardashian, of all people, was like friendly with him in an effort to secure some criminal justice reform. Yeah. I would have never pegged Trump as the guy who would actually accomplish some criminal justice reform and release, you know, people from prison who honestly should should have been released. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so. Who knows? Who knows what you can accomplish if you're a little nicer to Trump? But I do agree with Jenk. I mean, it is risky. It could backfire. But at least I'm thinking about different strategies, mm -hmm. right? Thinking outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. Elon Musk. In, um, oh yeah, he, they don't like that he posts about uh, PizzaGate. They're very upset with him. It doesn't matter. Still, nearly half of Trump voters are like, oh, obviously she ran a sex ring out of a pizza store. Oh my God, have you no goddamn rationality at all? No, they don't. We get into these debates about whether or not we have hope for the country. And I'm pessimistic because after something like this gets debunked, people still- Well, you didn't debunk it though. That's the problem. Decide that they wanna believe it because if- is, Am I crazy or does she, is she, she looks really masculine in this clip. She looks so different and, but in the, in the, more recent clips, she looks much more feminine. Am I crazy? It goes toward their narrative and again, what they wanna believe. It reinforces this notion that Hillary is this crazy maniac who's out there running pedophilia rings. It's insane. Wow. What the hell? I was right because <laughs> today there's a story in the news about Elon Musk perpetuating this Pizzagate conspiracy theory on- I will, I will say that, look, I, I wanna be clear. I don't like her at all. I don't like, I will not buy any aspect of the pivot. She does seem happier and not as tightly wound as she used to be. And I say that as, as a negative, because I want her to be as angry as possible, because that's very entertaining. Um, she seems like she's a little bit uh, more laid back than she used to be his platform X, formerly known as Twitter. So let's get into the details on that because he posted this meme and then later took it down probably after he realized what he was communicating was bunk and was embarrassing. But nonetheless, Musk tweeted and then deleted a meme promoting the Pizzagate conspiracy theory. So it uses you know, the characters from The Office. You've got Michael Scott saying to Pam, Pizzagate is real, she says, no it isn't, we have experts. Then he says, they traffic children, she says, but we have experts. And then he says, your expert just went to jail for child porn. And then she makes like a confused shock. It is true that some of the people that they claim debunked Pizzagate, and all they did is say, oh, it's been debunked, that's it. Um, they have actually been found to be kid fuckers, that is true. Face, right? Okay, so let's get into what the claim is here. So the meme itself is based on a fabricated headline that suggests that Pizzagate was debunked by one person. Um, so it was uh, James Gordon Meek who um, actually ended up being a disgraced ABC reporter. 
Why was he disgraced? Well, he pleaded guilty last year to possessing child sexual abuse images and he was sentenced to six years in federal prison as a result of that. Okay, so let's take a look at the fabricated headline that this entire thing is based on. New York Post fabricated headline, award-winning ABC journalist who debunked Pizzagate pleads guilty in horrific child porn case. All right, so the New York Post did coverage of Meek's case, but it never included any mention of Pizzagate, never. Fake. It's fake, it's fabricated. According to an AP report, Meek joined the outlet ABC in 2013 as an investigative reporter and covered national issues for the network until he resigned last year. Meek did not publish, he never published an investigation about or even debunk Pizzagate. Meek appeared to have mentioned Pizzagate only once in a 2017 report about Russian disinformation, according to a Reuters fact check article in August. And a different James Meek, a British journalist, briefly discussed Pizzagate in a London Review of Books article in 2020. So, for those of you who need a refresher, the whole Pizzagate conspiracy theory was that the Clintons and the Democratic Party leaders ran some secret satanic. It's, it's part of it. It's not the whole thing. It's part of it. Anic child sex ring, out of a DC pizzeria known as Comet Ping Pong. The theory also led to a man literally showing up to this pizzeria with a rifle. This was in 2016, someone could have gotten hurt, someone could have gotten killed, luckily that didn't happen. In December of 2016, Edgar Madison Welch, a 28 year old man from North Carolina, walked into Comet Ping Pong with a loaded AR-15, a revolver and 29 rounds of ammunition across his chest while attempting to self-investigate the Pizzagate theory. As he later told police, he pointed his rifle at an employee and fired multiple rounds to destroy the lock on a storage cabinet. No one was injured, he surrendered to police after finding no evidence of hidden rooms or child trafficking. So look, this theory has been debunked forever. Like the fact that it's even coming up again because of Elon Musk is incredibly frustrating. But Musk oh, you must be so frustrated. Last week also responded to an ex-user's post alleging that the founder of Media Matters, a liberal advocacy group, was connected to the owner of the Pizzagate restaurant, which by there's no evidence of that. Musk uh, What are you talking about? There's literal pictures of them together. They were fucking each other. What are you talking about? David Brock absolutely was in a relationship with James Alephant. Is you just making shit up? Responded weird, boosting the message to his 164 million followers. So he later took it down, but before he took that post down, it had already accumulated 15 million views. So this is how stuff gets, you know, propagated in social media. All this, all this nonsense ends up getting all propagated. All these unauthorized opinions. It. Yeah, and over the last two weeks in total, he replied to five, well, that, that was one, so four other tweets yeah. having to do with pizza game. Replying to tweets that you don't approve of? How dare he? Yeah, this is just a thing that all of a sudden, I guess, is his whole personality. He's obsessive and he has a lot of time on his hands, and why wouldn't he? He's the CEO of six company and has a thousand children, and yet he has 18 hours a day to be on his phone responding to people with 12 followers. It's weird how that works out. I cannot believe that people still think that this guy is intelligent because he just demonstrated in that two ways that his brain isn't worth a damn. One, 
that he just spreads the he just says weird. Some random person says, "Hey, how here's dare you write weird connection that I'm not establishing or proving." And he says weird. It's, that's absolutely proved. He says weird because he's not checking proven. it. He just accepts it, okay? And then the meme, which is based on nothing, that's a lie. He doesn't check. He doesn't do any research. Yeah, guys, why aren't you fact-checking your memes? whatsoever and that is a very common thing for Elon Musk. He just accepts something that comports with what he wants to believe is true and doesn't actually look into it because he doesn't have any intellectual curiosity. But that actually isn't the part of it that bothers me the most. It's that even if like that was true, what was in the image, mm -hmm. that wouldn't matter at all because that's not how anything works. Yeah, guys, if, even if Pizzagate was true, it wouldn't matter at all. Like, so the, stop thinking about it. The guy who debunked unicorns turned out to have molested a horse. That doesn't mean unicorns exist. You have to prove that it exists. You don't need to debunk Pizzagate. They need to bunk it first. They need well, to. They, they did that in many ways. Um, not everything panned out, certainly, but some of it absolutely. There's plenty of evidence for, and again, I will mention Laura Silsby. Establish that there's something there. They didn't. They just say it. That's it. There's no evidence. The dude literally went in with a gun looking for it and couldn't find anything. And Elon Musk doesn't understand that that's how you prove things. It is not on the other person to prove that an insane claim is not true. It is the onus is on you to prove that your insane claim has something to it. And they have been unable to do that because it's based on nothing. And he doesn't understand anything that I just explained because he's not a genius. He's not Tony Stark. He's just an idiot who was born with millions of dollars and was able to fall into more. I agree with everything you just said in that rant. <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm so fatigued though from being outraged by Elon Musk because we know who he is at this point, right? Like, this is what he does. And honestly, he has taken a platform that was already pretty unbearable and just riddled with bots and misinformation and took all of the negative qualities and put it on overdrive, like yeah, fed it steroids. And so whenever I go on Twitter, I know I'm gonna get outrageous, you know, specious claims. And so I've just mentally prepare myself for it. What I think needs to happen is, you know, I really do think there needs to be curriculum in high schools in regard to media literacy. And I so this is this is um, going to be the new thing. They they already uh, I think passed legislation in California. They're calling it media literacy. It's the complete opposite of that. Uh, you might recall a long time ago, we actually went over uh, one of the ways that they teach kids. It's something called SIFT, S-I-F-T. And what it does is it basically uh, teaches kids to only read approved authoritative sources. So if someone says some wrong thing, you just look them up on Wikipedia, and if Wikipedia says that they're a right-wing conspiracy theorist, bigot, terrorist, whatever they call you, then you just completely dismiss what the person said, case closed. So they're calling that critical thinking. That's not in any way critical thinking. And now this is a way for the uh, people who were doing the censorship um, the experts, the researchers, this is another way for people like that to keep their jobs and to, um, you know, if, if you got all these blue states that pass legislation putting these programs into place, 
then this censorship industry is able to stay afloat and have a reason to exist. So hopefully Republicans realize what's going on, but it is definitely uh, not in any way media literacy or critical thinking at all. I think that curriculum should continue into college as part of like the general ed you know, requirements. Um, so people know how to suss out BS. Cuz like look, for the people who actually bought into the Pizzagate conspiracy theory, right? I know that there's like this there's part of me that gets frustrated that people would believe that, but then also, okay, accept the fact that they believe it. If you genuinely believe that politicians are running a satanic child sex ring out of a pizzeria, that's going to make you really angry, mm-hmm. right? And that's why one guy felt inspired enough to show up with all those weapons and he could have he could have killed someone he could have ended up in prison for the rest of his life like it would have been an absolute disaster so people who have these massive platforms do have a responsibility i know they uh, want to protect yes you have a responsibility to obey us and say the things that we want you to say sound like they don't but they do and unfortunately, we've seen from Elon Musk time and time again that he doesn't take that responsibility seriously. Well, it's a made-up responsibility. It's a cheap tactic to try to get your political opponents to help you. That's all that is. At all. He thinks it's all a joke. He thinks it's all fun and games. Mm-hmm. He didn't think it was fun and games well, when he the internet, dummy. thought one of his kids was being followed by like leftists who wanted to harm his child, right? So why don't you put yourself in the shoes of people who work at that pizzeria and, and dealt with that kind of massive threat from a heavily armed guy who thought they were running a child sex ring out of that pizzeria. Okay, why don't you put yourselves in the shoes of uh, uh, Gavin Long's family? That's a TYT viewer, Gavin Long, that murdered police officers. These are like human lives. Yeah. So like, well, that, those were human lives. Like, can yep. we just act like adults for a second and not spread BS that's going to get people hurt? That's all I'm saying. No, I think we could just tell you to shut the fuck up. You can be as critical of Democrats as you want. That doesn't upset me. You can be as critical of whoever, even people that I love deeply. You can be critical. Who cares? This is America. It's free speech, whatever. But when you start spreading claims like this, it's not a joke. It's not funny. And I think he took it down because he realized it was also embarrassing for him to, to spread nonsense like that. I think we're going to talk about the exact things that you don't want us to talk about. That's, that's what I would suggest. All right, let me read some of these super chats. We're taking them through Streamlabs, link in the description. We're also taking them through Entropy, link in the description. And we are also taking them on Rumble. Uh, Also, uh, I have the date wrong. I said uh, that eight weeks would be December 2nd for the Soft Gentleman's book to uh, basically, it's like a soft deadline uh, that this company said it just in the terms of service or whatever that it generally takes six to eight weeks for it to get into the store it's actually um i believe the sixth not the second so the sixth will be eight weeks exactly um so we'll see anyway i'm talking about this book that my homosexual brother who is a leftist wrote called what a bigot would say you can download it for free you don't have to wait for it to be in amazon or anything you can download it for free it is in the description of rumble or youtube and um, but we are waiting to see if it will make it into any of the stores. So uh, December 6th, if it's not there, not that like if it's not there by the 6th, maybe it'll it'll go there uh, later than that. But if it's not there by the 6th, I'll assume that it's probably not going to happen. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. And I'll also like keep trying and you know, hopefully we can get it in there 
you know, uh, for the memes, so to speak. If, if you know, obviously the book's very serious because it is on the Internet and the Internet is serious business. But anyway, so that came about. A viewer uh, suggested the idea and I said, all right, well, if we hit a certain amount of memberships in Subscribestar and all the other ones, then we'll do it. And we did hit that. So thank you for everybody that supported that. And now we have another one that we are, uh, we were 100 away. Now we're 24 away. Uh, and uh, we're 24 uh, subscribers away from uh, the next goal. This one, as su suggested by some in the audience, will be a, a book that I write that explains how the corporate media uses the exact same propaganda tactics as the Jehovah's Witnesses did. Also, it was requested that I write about different um ways that you could possibly talk to family members that have been like brainwashed by leftists and um so if that interests you uh you can go to subscribe star link in the description or you can go to rumble click the red subscribe button or you can go to the soft gentleman's bathhouse which is on his youtube channel uh, he will uh, be streaming tomorrow around uh, noon eastern and uh so uh, that is the soft gentleman on youtube uh, Michelle Kincaid says, uh, you're not going to believe what story came up in my true crime feed. I posted a link for you or anyone in the, in the chat. Watch it at their leisure. All right, true crime. Let's see. Uh, yeah, who would... Let's see. I don't know. One second. Let me get this link here. All right, let's... Let me just uh, bring it up in the browser one second what was that oh that's hold on a second okay let's see who this is up oh, links not hold on a second this browser is not cooperating okay one moment here we go okay this should work let's see what this is this is um oh yeah yeah, this is the guy that the Russian Woods, the Russian Woods uh, story. Yeah, I'll have a look to see. Uh, I wonder what this guy had to say about this story. So it's it's an amazing story. Uh, it's what I it, it's the basis of the they should go to the Russian Woods or whatever I say after I cover stories of people who deserve harsh punishment. So it's this uh, Russian guy who his uh, best friend or close friend, they're, I think they're like drinking one night and, um, and they could have made a movie out of this, some sort of like Quentin Tarantino movie, although it's very heavy subject matter, so maybe people wouldn't want to do that. But uh, anyway, he happens to look on his friend's phone and finds disgusting, horrendous um, videos of his friend um, raping his daughter and uh, who was six I think so as the story goes he took his now pedophile friend into the Russian woods and uh, forced him to dig his own grave and then at least as the story goes the pedophile stabbed himself to death Man, that's a hell of a thing. So apparently when you take someone into the Russian woods, they stab themselves to death. Kind of like that story, I think it was also in Russia, where there's this very bizarre story of these like explorers that go into uh, this very cold place and they, they all get 
murdered in a way that seems inhuman like just that no just a completely bizarre you know bizarre eviscerations and people wondered you know what kind of animal did that similar to that maybe not as bizarre but uh yeah you gotta gotta go to the russian woods so pedophiles should be sentenced to the russian woods anyway this story um the guy initially got charged with murder but the 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 based town the based town people came together or the townsmen they came together and they were like hey this guy what are you doing this guy you know obviously the pedophile got what he deserved why are you charging him with murder and they were they were you know i guess in russia it's a little different so they were like yeah you're right uh, so we're only going to like charge him with something minor and then so he basically i think he uh, he didn't get away with it because he didn't. There was nothing to get away from. You, you know, he did the right thing. And, and frankly, as far as I understand, he he didn't really do anything. The guy stabbed himself to death. So what what do you, what do you want from this guy? You know, he just uh, basically uh, had him. And what did that? My question. I always think of the scene from Last House on the Left when the guy was yelling at the slow guy and he was screaming at him to kill himself. And the guy got so intimidated he did. That that's a hell of a thing. Is that kind of what it was like? That he was just screaming at the guy so much that he just stabbed himself to death? Or maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe he didn't actually stab himself to death. I don't know. I don't know, but it's a hell of a story. Okay, let's see here. Uh, Bazinski says, from what I understand, assets can be anything from personal to tangible tools and intangible things like agency proprietary software. Don't quote me on that, but personnel personnel are assets like operators to collaborators. Pac-Man is a CIA Mockingbird asset. Interesting. So, yeah. So, oh, I got you. So that's in relation to January 6th. Um, yeah, I guess he would be the YouTube. What would it be? It would be Mockingbird YouTubers. Would that be? Someone coined that phrase the other day. Or at least they repeated it. Maybe someone else coined it. I like that. Um yeah, so assets, but but not necessarily agents. Gotcha. All right. Uh, there. Okay. Let's. Uh, I'll do that. Breaking news on the next breaking news block. Uh, Farron and Cousins. Oh, Farron Cousins says it's science, folks. This is huge news. The Journal of Nature has reported that for the first time ever, scrotum tissue has been successfully grown in a lab. Do you know what this means for me and my people? As you may know, me and my ancestors were born with scrotum tissue on our heads. We all look like ball sacks with eyes. That's true. Farron Cousins does look like a testicle. Scientists can't explain it. For some strange reason, God made us this way. For decades, my clan of nutsack-headed people have struggled to get skin grafts when we injure our heads. Doctors say only scrotum tissue will work, but now, thanks to science, we've got all the scrotum tissue we need. Wow. That's an incredible breakthrough. You know, um, they, they, uh, I, I hold them to their own standards, and so uh, the slightest thing that came out about Trump, they quickly believed it. You know, if this was someone else, I might go, you know, maybe this is a person pretending to be Farron Cousins, but I'm going to I'm going to enforce the piss dossier standard. And the piss dossier standard was to take it all as gospel. So apparently this really is Farron Cousins. Oh, well, that's good to know. Thank you, Farron. Uh, I appreciate the support. And uh, so breaking news, uh, Farron Cousins, um, 
it isn't that he just looks like a, a scrotum. He is a scrotum. Did you know? I can't even believe that. That's amazing. I didn't even know that was possible. But apparently, according to this, it's a, a scientific breakthrough, and we must trust the science. All right. There we go. Farron Cousins. Appreciate that. Bazinski says, what happened in March of 2020? Faggot named Chris Hayes was the, uh, the instauration of the pandemic at the behest of Fauci, Pfizer, and other vax makers to use the world population as guinea pigs for the poison. Fuck everyone involved. They should get the bullet. Yeah, they have to have tribunals. I, I think they have to have uh, uh, tribunals. And um, it, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable for people to think it was deliberate. It does seem like it was deliberate. Uh, there's definite examples of, of foresight, or you could argue that. Silky Johnser says, Profane bad man, you're a bigot. Remember the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan when they stormed the beach? Well, as a trans Wimixin, that's how I feel every day when I walk into a women's bathroom slash changing room targeted by Nazis looking to harm me. Oh, is that what happens when when you go into the to the um, uh, the the bathroom and you pull out your feminine penis and then people are aghast. It's as traumatic as like when the guy was walking around with his with his arm. <laughs> it was fucked up. That was a hell of a thing. Yeah, okay, there you go. That's uh, that's the trans brother of Silky Johnson. Silky John Zur. That's amazing. Silky Johnson says, HB, you know that fucking subhuman tranny at Victoria's Secret would have been walking around with his bra on, jacking off, asking the real women if that bra complimented his feminine features. Imagine sucking a tranny cock uh, like that chain did. Disgusting. Yeah, it's crazy. You're making your core customers pissed off and uncomfortable. It, 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 it can't, yeah, it's just wild. Like, you would think that companies would care about profit and their bottom line but you've seen it many times you know these makeup companies what's the percentage of a makeup company's male uh, uh, customer base like one percent less than one percent and they'll have these commercials with these men in beards i forget what company that was but you had this lunatic in a beard talking to another lunatic about how, you know, they like to wear makeup and all this girls. It's just so wild. It's just, uh, it's completely insane. All right, let's, uh, let's let me go here. Uh, Ash B, thank you very much. Very generous of you, Ash. Says, Buttercup is the best Powerpuff girl. The other two Powerpuff girls are retarded faggots. Some might even call them faggot retards. Imagine being so developmentally challenged that you think one of those AIDS-written commie fucks can even compare to the base chatette known as Buttercup. Ridiculous. Also, marry me Buttercup. All right, very, very interesting. I am not familiar with the Powerpuff Girls at all. Uh, but very strong words here. Uh, <clears throat> apparently... Uh, the other Powerpuff Girls are faggot retards. Yeah, what is the preference there? Retarded faggots or faggot retards? I like retarded faggots, although faggot retards are pretty good too. I'll take either. I'll take either. Uh, but uh, all right, well, thank you very much. Very generous, and I appreciate that. 
Mojack420 says, I had pneumonia while I was hospitalized for the Joe Biden side effect from my transplant. They gave me another antibiotic and I had no immune system. That was a week ago uh, and I'm just fine now. Well, I'm, I'm glad you recovered from the pneumonia and uh, hopefully you make a full recovery. Uh, and uh, what was it the other day? There was a um, T cells, right? Yeah, so yeah, hopefully the T cells uh commit the largest cancer holocaust against the uh, cancer cells as possible yeah i believe it was t-cells the t-cells killed the cancer cells in that uh, science video i believe it was t-cells so yeah all right so uh uh and again prayers for mojack if you uh if you believe in such a thing and uh and uh wishing you high t-cells uh, in your fight um okay uh, so, okay, the Daily Wire is interesting. So the people that run the Daily Wire are gatekeepers, uh, and they are uh, their goal is to keep independent, particularly dissident right or populist right-wingers kind of out. And so from that standpoint, I'm not a fan. With that said, there are good things that they do. Some of their commentators are decent. I think Matt Walsh, for the most part, does a pretty good job. I don't really like Ben Shapiro at all, but um, I, I a lot of I, I think Matt Walsh does a decent job. So one of the things that they're doing is they're coming out with their own entertainment and and stuff you know for for kids and stuff like that. And I, I don't really have a problem with that. And I think it's it's necessary to counteract the uh, commie aids. Granted, if there was some sort of like super based version of that that took over, I think that would be great. But that's just so far not really happening. Um, so there's pros and cons. Now, one of the things that they're doing is they're making this comedy. Now, I'm not a comedy person, so I, I'm trying to be objective here. I'm not a comedy person um, for the most part. I like stand-up. I like real filthy stand-up. Um, but movies, you know, there's just... Maybe there's some movies where there's, like, some scenes that have made me laugh. There are some movies that I'm nostalgic towards, like Strange Brew. You could argue that's, like, a, a corny movie. Uh, Cannonball Run 1 and 2. Uh, I, I don't know why. Like, I could definitely see a person being like, you're being hypocritical. Those are total cringe and corny. I don't know. I think it's because when I was a kid... And also the cars. The fucking... The, the cars. It's Anyway, it is, it is what it is. Um, what an intro. Those movies. You get, got the Lamborghini with those two girls. That's fantastic. But aside from that, I'm not a comedy person. So this style of movie that The Daily Wire is doing is really not my thing. With that said, though, I do like the fact that they're making fun of trannies. They are slaughtering sacred cows. And I've said it before. I don't care if I like you. I don't care what group you're in. If you're slaughtering sacred cows, I'm for that. And so there's a couple things in this trailer. And, and admittedly, I did laugh out loud at the scene when I forget what happens. I think, what do they do? There's like a black guy in the audience. I guess he's, they're like looking at his dick or something. I don't know. But what happens is a guy wearing an Indian headdress. And this was before the KC chief story. It, it starts like woo-wooing. And that made me, for some reason, I just made me laugh. And, I, and I've always said I want to see more white people in Indian headdresses just because people leftists find that so offensive. So apparently I can't really hate on the Daily Wire if they're like putting Indian white people with Indian headdresses in a movie like that. So I, w I wish them the best. I'm not going to necessarily watch it. 
But I hope it does well, and I hope it leads to more people doing transgressive movies. I wish we were at a time where, I mean, it's just the bar is so low right now that any sort of making fun of trannies is going to be considered edgy. Um, But ultimately, I do think it's a positive, and I want to see more of it. So here is TYT covering the Daily Wire. Um, Hopefully they find it, uh, you know, outrageous and offensive, but you never know. Where women's sports... That seems uh, exceptionally loud. Um, I'm going to lower this a little bit. Um, You know, they're pivoting, so they might actually... And they've pivoted on this issue, so they might not take the stance on it that they would have a few years ago. The Daily Wire calls foul with the most triggering comedy of the year. Well, those are the first few seconds of a trailer for a new Daily Wire feature-length film titled Lady Ballers, which will release will be released uh, this Friday on Daily Wire Plus. Um, so they've really gotten into this film content business. Uh, we've talked about some of the other stuff they've produced in the past. And in case you were wondering, yes, uh, the rest of the trailer is just like that. And if you're thinking the film uh, could maybe be less appealing than what you've already seen, then wait until you see all the cameos, which we'll also get to. And look, the message here is mostly, as you can see from what you already um, experienced, it's it's about dunking on the trans community. It's about triggering the libs. It's, it's not really, look, this is the problem I have with it, right? It takes an issue that I, I personally think there should be honest conversation about, and that has to do with transgender women in in women's sports, okay? And it makes a joke out of it, and it makes it difficult. First of all, that's what comedies do. That's what comedies do. That's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. For honest actors who want to engage in this. Okay, so that's a tactic. That's the good faith tactic. I've seen Sitchin Adam use it. I've seen David Pakman use it. Anna loves it. She's trying to control the conversation and set it up where whatever she says is good faith, whatever her detractors say is bad faith. It's total bullshit. Ultimately, the audience decides who's good faith and who's bad faith. Conversation. Or not who's for- an honest actor or a dishonest actor. From a place of hate, not from a place of you know discrimination. That's not a real thing, a place of hate. That's total bullshit. ...toward the trans community. It makes it harder for them to do it because the second they have concerns and want to talk about these things, you get lumped in with the Daily Wire people who just engage in this rhetoric to dunk on transgender people. You get what I'm saying? And it bothers mm-hmm. me a lot. So Too with bad. that said, um, let's play a bit more of the trailer so you can see the plot of the movie. Um, and we'll get into some more details about what they're doing and what this all means. A guy can become a girl with no physical changes at all. Oh, that's called gender fluid. So I can be a woman on the court and a man in the bedroom. I can't believe it. Nice. You mean when you're sleeping? So uh, that's some strong velour tracksuit game. Yes. Coach. Alex. We could play basketball. We'd have to get the whole team back together. It's time. We're in. I'm in. I'm in. To play. Lady Baldwin. Mount up. Like a girl. Guess what? I'm with her. I mean, some of this has made me laugh. I will give that to them. 
This, this is so ridiculous. This is so ridiculous. This is we could dominate every woman's sport. Running, swimming, soccer. I said sport, Felix. It's ladies basketball, boys. Nobody watches. That's true. It's a comedy, um, so hopefully there's actual comedy in it at some point. But we didn't see it I in thought, the trailer. <laughs> no, it was. I thought the, the the soccer joke was really funny, because like they don't like soccer. Right. Lots of other people like soccer. They don't think that soccer is a real sport, and that's a new point to make. I mean, have you seen those soccer so, players' bodies? It looks like a real sport to me. I'm, I'm sure they have seen those. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was just. Oh God! Like, and like leaving aside all of the political stuff, which I'm sure we're gonna like focus on or whatever. Like the the reason they're doing this, um, either their internal hatred, as you pointed out, they they are small-minded and ignorant and scared. If you don't like feminine penis, you're small-minded. Scared and all of that. Um, but the political motivation of doing this, as we've pointed out many times, the reason they're focusing so much on this is because all of them are being paid by billionaires. They work at the behest of the elites in society. And they want all poor conservatives to vote for politicians that will demonize trans people, try to drive them into the shadows or annihilate them outright, um, while keeping taxes low and passing legislation that benefits people who aren't in that group. Uh, that's why they do it, it's sad. But artistically, as a person who I produce stories, mm -hmm. I understand- What kind of fucking bullshit do you produce? The impulse to want to create things. And as you're going to point out, almost every one of these right wing commentators at one point desperately wanted to be accepted by Hollywood. They all wanted to be artistic. So make your own Hollywood. Types, creative types, and they weren't accepted. And some of you might have been wondering this whole time why that is. Well, you just saw, that's not good. That's not funny, it's not interesting. Well, ultimately, people will decide whether or not it's funny. Um, I, I Look, some of it has made me laugh. It's not, again, my style necessarily, but I hope, I hope it's very successful. Yeah, it's I mean, just look, sad. It's, it's, there's a specific target audience for that content. We're not in that audience, right? But We're do not. you think that audience is gonna watch that trailer and be like, "Ha, yeah, soccer"? Yeah, I do. There's I do. still like there, there is like regressive comedy. Right. That doesn't mean they're all equally talented. Some are way better than others. Like you can just tell a misogynistic joke. That doesn't mean you're gonna be a good comedian. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, look. I just, I'm still stuck on the fact that they were talking about sex in front of a kid. I mean, aren't they like banning books about sexual content? They weren't, when did they talk about sex in front of a kid? What are you talking about? They didn't talk about sex in front of a kid. It's from true. elementary schools because it's inappropriate for kids. Like, I do uh, Either what? the actor or the writer are clearly predators. Oh That's what we've learned. Are they grooming children? Oh my God, it's caught on tape. No, I just, look. You're, I think I think there is something to be said about what these individuals wanted to previously do with their careers, how it didn't work out, and now they're going in this direction. I don't know how successful this film is going to be. I, I have no idea. What I do know is that they've decided to latch on to an issue that we should be able to have honest conversations about. They're not interested in an honest conversation. They're turning this into a comedy. They're turning again. You're trying to control the conversation. And only have it your way. That's not not how any of this works. If you want to have a conversation, you are free to. They are not required to do anything. This into something to trigger people. It's a dunk fest, and that's what annoys me about it. Um, aside from, and I should say, in addition to, 
you know, just like the dehumanizing nature of all of it and <laughs> dehumanizing. I don't know. I've got, I've become more and more of a softy in that even when it comes to people I disagree with, like I see their humanity and I see what motivates and drives them and I think uh, so I, I really wish one of these people interviewing her would ask if she still believes that unvaccinated people should be kicked out of hospitals and ICUs. Overall, most people are good. And uh, you know, when you make a good faith effort to understand people- Use that word again. People, you just have a better view of the world around you. And it just makes you more connected to the environment around you and the people around you. And I just, it's- I just think it's unfair that they don't really seem to have any interest in really understanding the topic that they like to fear monger. They understand it completely. It's fucking ridiculous and they're making fun of it as it should be made fun of. So much about. It's not what they're paid for. I know, it's depressing. Like you, you really fast, you, you mentioned you don't know how, how successful the movie's gonna be. But like at the end of the day, I think it's far more important to point out that it doesn't need to be successful. Mm -hmm. Because they are not creating this art to try to succeed with it. Mm -hmm. They're being paid to try to influence society for political ideological goals. This is not- You have no problem when leftists do that. Hollywood, they're not just trying to like, we gotta make the best thing that lots of people are gonna like. They, that, that could totally fail, it could sell no tickets. I don't even know if it's gonna be in theaters. It could make no money, it doesn't matter. Billionaires are still gonna give them money because it's not about the con, the quality of the art. It's believed that this is in, that this is gonna be successful in pursuing their ideological goals. I think it's hilarious that they decided to cast Ted Cruz in this, right? Like Ted Cruz is in this. In fact, why don't well, we take a look- you need someone with charisma in your movie. <laughs> Obviously. Okay, let's go to the next clip. You'll see what I'm talking about. My lover says you were a great coach back in the day. Excuse me, are these seats open? Ne never mind. <laughs> That's the biggest I've ever seen on a lady. I don't care. Is that, did we edit that or is that actually like how they edited their trailer? What is that? I don't even know what that's supposed to be. It might, it might be spliced together from the trailer overall. Um, yeah, it was. It was spliced together from the trailer overall. It's, um, it's, okay, it's, you got Ben Shapiro and you got Ted Cruz. There's some people that for some reason think that they're interesting, I guess. Look, I, I wanna move on to why I think it is important to have honest conversations about this issue, right? Because again, again, you're trying to control it and be like, oh, everyone that disagrees with me is dishonest. I'm the only honest person. What they're trying to attack is the inclusion of transgender women in women's sports, right? That is what they're trying to attack here. And while we live in a bubble and we're under the assumption that most people are actually totally supportive of the notion that trans women should be included. Nope. That, that's actually not the case according to the polling, which is why I think this is an issue that honest good faith people need to talk about to come up with solutions that are fair to everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Fair to transgender women, fair to women, right? Because there are anatomical differences, let's keep it real. That doesn't mean that you should be hateful or exclude transgender women or treat them poorly. It just means, okay, what's the right solution so everyone feels represented, everyone feels it's fair, right? So let's go to the, the polling. And sorry to turn a story where we're supposed to just dunk on them into something a little more serious, but I think it is a serious issue. We're talking about human beings, okay? I wouldn't worry, they, they dunked on themselves with the trailer. <laughs> True, okay, so um, regardless of whether or not you think it should be legal, this is a poll that was done um, by Gallup uh, and it was in June of this year. 
Regardless of whether or not you think it should be legal, please tell me whether you personally believe that in general, it is morally acceptable or morally wrong to change one's gender. So 55% of Americans still find it morally wrong. Okay. Which I was actually surprised by that. I'm actually gonna go to a previous graphic. Let's go to graphic one. Do you think transgender athletes should be able to play on sports teams that match their current gender identity? Or should only be allowed to play on sports teams that match their birth gender? Only 26% say that they should be able to play on teams that match identity. 69% only on teams that match birth gender. And 5% had no opinion. So like, the reason why I brought up my curiosity in regard to whether that kind of film is gonna be successful is because unfortunately, the majority of Americans have this thought process and they do see it as, as unfair. Like the inclusion of transgender women in women's sports, they see it as unfair. Which is why I think the frank and honest conversation mm -hmm. by good faith actors, honest actors needs to happen without people automatically assuming the worst of the other side or the, or the people engaging in that good faith conversation. My problem with films like this isn't that oh, I'm against them because they're conservatives and you know, no. They serve as an obstacle to that kind of good faith, honest. No, they don't. That's total bullshit. Conversation that needs to be had. Well, it, it seems incredibly likely that I have a different final policy view on this. But um, I would say that if you do want people to be able to play on the teams of their identity, um, first of all, I wouldn't be too worried about that polling. How many years has this even been a thing that people have been thinking about? And for every one of those years, the vast majority of the public conversation has been about how all these trans people are predators and they're gonna come for you. And it's been so overwhelmingly negative from so many people. I think it's honestly amazing that one out of three Americans are already of the position that people should be able to play on teams of their identity. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. The poll about whether it's morally acceptable just means, do you think it's a good idea? And that, that number can change fast. We saw acceptance for same-sex marriage change very rapidly over the course of yeah, about a decade. That's true. Yep. So these are snapshots. Um, I don't I don't find them super surprising or super depressing considering what the conversation about these issues um, has been like. And honestly, if you want people to be able to play on the teams of their identity, having people who are so obviously driven by hatred and fear and just wanting to punch down and mock people. That's another fake commie concept, punching down, total bullshit. They tried that strategy on same-sex marriage and they tried. Yeah, but at the time, the homosexuals weren't going after the kids. You've made a play for the kids. It's a totally different ball game this time. To destroy, you know, now they're now they're on trans people. They try to do that to gay people. Did that really help them? I think a lot of reasonable people are going to be like, I don't want to be on that side because they look really awful. I know, but I think that there is a difference between. Um, I think that there is a difference between same-sex marriage and the issues surrounding the questions and debates surrounding the transgender community. Because it's not just two people who love each other who want to get married and, mm -hmm. and don't want to bother anyone. Or You get what I'm saying? Like that has no impact on any other part of society. But women did fight hard to establish women's sports. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do this in a way that is fair to women, but also- John and leftists like him don't care if it's fair to women, they want women to sacrifice for the trannies. So inclusive and fair to transgender women as well. And that is not an easy question, it's not. I know people would like to think of it as black and white, but it's not. 
Sure, and look, I think that if that conversation is to be had, it should be had with a very large percentage of trans people sure, helping and to women, drive that conversation. Sure, and women too. I mean, women matter too, so well, both, both, okay? And, yes. and that conversation can't just be one-sided where someone who has concerns gets beaten down with allegations of transphobia. No, I think that caring about the rights of two separate groups of people matters, and you have to balance sure. those rights. I would say I would also like if the people who are involved in that conversation actually gave one iota of a damn about women's sports to begin with. It's largely right. been commentators that don't care at all about women's that's, sports and are only true. pretending to because they want to use it as a way to advance their transphobia. I also think that educating people about the current state of women's sports, how many trans athletes there actually are, mm -hmm. I think it'd be great because I think so much of this conversation has been driven by conservatives who are lying about their impact on the sports overall and exaggerating. That's total bullshit. Also a reason for that, because I think a lot of people on the left, and I'm not saying leftists, just broadly speaking on the left, are afraid to engage in that conversation from a good place, a good mm -hmm. faith discussion. I keep repeating that because like that is genuinely what I think needs to happen. Because once they do, once they even try, they immediately get lumped in with conservatives who clearly are not interested in, in engaging in a good faith discussion. You get what sure. I'm saying? Yeah, I would just point out that you can engage from a position of good faith and intellectual honesty in thinking that you should be able to play sports on the team of your identity. Like it's not only people who are critics of the inclusion that are operating from good faith is all I'm saying. No, I'm, no, no, hold on, let me just be abundantly clear. I don't think that the Daily Wire hosts are engaging in good faith at all, mm -hmm. okay? but. I do think that there is a very aggressive effort to shut down anyone who actually is coming at this from a place of empathy, from a place of, of wanting to balance the rights of two separate groups of people. Like they immediately lose their minds about it and immediately lump you in with, you know, Matt Walsh or whatever it is. I think that's unfair mm. and it just serves to shut down conversation and it leads to more resentment. It doesn't solve the problem. Yeah, that might be. Look, it's hard for me to say because the stakes are hypothetical for me. It's not a thing that affects me. I, I, don't I know, know you're a guy. Of course, it doesn't affect 100%, you. 100%. But I'm also yeah. a cis guy, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I don't know the, the people who are reacting very negatively. What a cucked bitch. Might well be trans, and for them, it might be a very important. Like the stakes could not be higher in some of these cases. Yeah, and the stakes are super high for are, like professional female athletes as well, women athletes as well. Mm -hmm. So. I just don't understand why in this particular case, the rights of one group don't matter at all. They just need to shut up and not engage in any of this debate. Mm -hmm. And what the other side, it's like, no, we just need to accept it. They're the only ones who are coming at this from good faith. I just disagree with that. And I think that the conversation needs to be had. And people like Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, all those folks in the Daily Wire are making it more difficult for people to engage in that conversation. Uh, people like Matt Walsh have realized, uh, since you're new to this now, since you're like a decade too late, uh, people like Matt Walsh have realized that you can't talk to commies and there will be no talking and we're going to fucking do whatever the fuck we want to and we're going to mock the goddamn shit out of them. Um, so this is interesting. The Sandy Hook families are, I guess they realize that there's no chance that this judgment holds. They're offering a uh, settlement for 85 million instead of the one and a half billion. Uh, I hope Alex Jones tells them to, to go fuck themselves, but uh, I don't think there's any word yet. But here is TYT 
covering it. And again, if they're holding themselves to the same standard, something like this should happen to them because of Gavin Long. The family should sue. Infowars host Alex Jones has just received a surprising new offer from the Sandy Hook families who he defamed and was found guilty of defaming. They have not only won lawsuits against Alex Jones, they won massive, massive penalties that he's supposed to pay to these families to the tune of $1.5 billion. But he has declared bankruptcy, I believe, in an effort to skirt his responsibility and his legal liability here. And as a result, the families are now opening to settling that debt for just $85 million. So let's get into the details, okay? We'll come back to the settlement offer, but first we actually do need to go through the timeline of this legal back and forth to really fully understand why the families would settle for much less. Now earlier this year, the Sandy Hook families asked a judge to order that Alex Jones be forced to make those payments regardless of his bankruptcy status, which both he and his businesses had already filed for. Last month, the judge ruled that the in the family's favor, but he actually shaved the payment down a little bit from 1.5 billion to 1.1 billion. Now the Sandy Hook families have now presented Alex Jones with two options for how to pay them. Either liquidate his estate and give the proceeds to creditors or pay them at least 8.5 million a year for 10 years plus 50. How about no? percent of any income over 9 million go fuck yourself that he makes per year according there's no way he's accepting that that's insane to Jones's business that latter option still isn't doable so free speech system said it could afford to pay creditor by the way we should take what free speech system says at face we shouldn't take what they say at face value okay you should take it with a grain of salt but they say that it could afford to pay creditors about 4 million a year down from an estimate earlier this year of 7 million to 10 million annually the company said it expected to make about 19.2 million next year from selling the dietary supplements clothing and other merchandise Jones promotes on his shows while operating expenses including salaries would total about 14.3 million. So again, take any number from Alex Jones with a grain of salt because his finances are super sketchy and here's what I mean. As Alex Jones continues telling his Infowars audience about his money problems and pleads for them to buy his products, his own documents show Life is not all that bad. His net worth is around $14 million and his personal spending topped $93,000 in July alone, including thousands of dollars on meals, which I can believe, and, and entertainment. So him. more specifically, Jones spent $7,900 just on housekeeping and dished out more than $6,300 for meals and entertainment, not including groceries, not including groceries, which totaled nearly $3,400 or roughly $850 per week. Now he could be inflating those numbers just a little bit to avoid having to pay the families he victimized after their own children were slaughtered in a mass shooting. But I am curious what you think about all of this was because this is a common tactic that we've seen with corporations, for instance. They'll declare bankruptcy in order to skirt their legal and financial responsibilities and liabilities. Yeah, at this point, it becomes a battle of lawyers and forensic accountants, right? 
that, that that's the point that we're at right now. I think they're smart to dangle a sort of carrot in front of Alex Jones and say, look, dude. There's a number that we think you're more than capable of hitting and we can be out of your hair um, instead of this thing looming over you and your business indefinitely. I think that's smart on their part. But, you know, of course, Alex Jones is just like, oh, OK, so they're willing to do something. We'll try to get them at a lower number than what they've dangled out there. And so, you know, at, the, at now it's just a negotiation. But I, I just really hope that they're able to get some level of recompense because what this guy did was just completely disgusting and horrible and for what right for views on youtube to sell you know dick pills and all kinds of other supplements it's it's kind of ridiculous yeah i mean it is amazing to me how i mean shameless you have to be to victimize families whose kids were killed. Again, he is allowed to have an opinion about a news event. In a mass shooting. And just I could make the same argument about the families of the Young Turks viewer that, that had their family members murdered. For money. Like I get that we live in a country where money is valued over human lives all the time. But how do you do that with a straight face every single day just to, and by the way, the other thing is there was an audience for that. Right, Alex Jones lying about the Sandy Hook families, calling them crisis actors, alleging that what happened at Sandy Hook was nothing more than a false flag operation meant to take guns away from Americans. Okay, well, first of all, uh, Democrats absolutely used Sandy Hook to try to enact uh, a gun grabbing legislation. That is a fact. Like, how do you just say that with a straight face, day in, day out, knowing that members of your audience are literally going out of their way to harass these families? Again, Gavin Long, bitch. I always bring up the Posner family because they had to move seven or eight different times Bullshit. because of the security Bullshit. issues they were dealing with, because of the harassment and threats they were receiving from members of Alex Jones's audience. And that's the other thing. The fact that there is an audience for that kind of content, that there are Americans out there who like eat it up and believe every word that comes out of that guy's mouth. Like what happened in the days of, I wanna get my information from a credible source, right? I mean, anytime I get a little testy on the show, if I get a little heated or passionate, people are like, oh, Anna lost her temper, can't take her seriously, gotta stay calm, <laughs> gotta stay calm. You look at Alex Jones, he's about to like pop a blood vessel any moment and they're like, nope. That you're not Alex Jones. Guy knows what he's talking about, totally, 100%, totally believe him. It's amazing to me. Well, you're dealing with different groups of people, dummy. Yeah, you know what, I, I, I've become, because one, I do know a fair deal of conspiracy theorists in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, I'm not one myself, but where back when I was a little bit more, you know, just epic lib in my views, I found them to be completely and wholly um, ridiculous and not credible. But when you really sit back and take stock of the amount of failures and lies and distortions and corruptions of American institutions that have come out essentially since Vietnam, man, like it's pretty freaking staggering. So yeah. it's not hard for our citizens to be like, I don't believe anything 
you know, the news institutions want to tell me, the government institutions want to tell me, look at these financial institutions robbing everybody, look at the damn church letting these priests rape people. It's like mm -hmm. so many of these institutions have failed people and lied and covered it up along the way. I have a little bit more sympathy for the audience of people who just, you know, not that they want to think that families that had their kids killed are liars. It's just like, man, the news and the government be lying to us all the time. Maybe this is another one of those lies. I mean, for me, it's just like, <laughs> to what end, right? Like, where are these mass gun gatherings at? Mm -hmm. Where is it? If that was the case, all right, cool. If that was your theory, show where is it? Where's the momentum for it? Where's the where's like where is it? Where is it happening that people are going to get their guns taken away because people lied about some mass shooting in Connecticut? It's nuts. Yeah, no, and look, you make such a good point, and thank you for bringing me back to reality and helping to ground me in in why Americans would believe a charlatan like Alex Jones over TYT, you're a bunch of charlatans. You know, legacy media outlets, the establishment, they have been lied to many, many times. And they but look this time they're telling the truth back at that. And they're like, I'm not going to believe what, you know, these established media networks uh, that are bought up by uh, corporate conglomerates have to say, I'm not going to believe what our elected lawmakers have to say, they lie to us all the time. And so you're right, that does create a situation in which people still want information, they still want to be informed, they want to know what's happening in the world. And they're going to gravitate toward you know, some sources like Alex Jones, unsavory characters who really have no interest in telling them the truth either. But he has presented himself as this fearless truth teller and that branding has worked, unfortunately. But at some point, after you're watching him like sweaty tooth madman, like having a complete episode live on your screen, you should, I mean, just yeah, take at a, a certain moment. point, the guy's got to <laughs> deliver some damn goods. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, um, all of us who took the vaccine, I say this all the time, we never grew that third ear. Not Retard, abject retard. Have you seen? Of course, he, he, you've not seen the amount of people that have died or had ridiculous health consequences from the vaccine. That's the example you use. The vaccine. That's incredible. Yes. It never happened. It never happened, <laughs> y'all. I'm sorry. You you were wrong. It's at a certain point these conspiracies. That that might be one of the dumbest comments anyone has ever made on the show. Something has to be proven to be right. At a certain point, this guy has to deliver on the government coming and rounding up all your guns and the government's gonna do this and the blah, blah. Like at a certain point, can you deliver on any of this? Do you just never need the truth to, to actually be proven to you people? You know, that that's what I would say to them. Where's the freaking proof? Thanks for watching. Uh, abject retard. Trump, Trump uh, is a classic abuser said the clerk allowed herself to be abused. Is this David Pakman or is, yeah, I think it's David Pakman. Donald Trump and his lawyers are pulling the classic abuser line. She allowed herself to be abused. Donald Look Trump is an abuser. And how she was dressed. Maybe that's why she was raped. This is the equivalent of what Donald Trump is now arguing. Donald Trump through his lawyers now say that the court clerk who has been receiving death threats and violent threats, quote, allowed herself to be exposed to abuse. How? Well, she works in a courthouse as if she has any control 
over the cases that come before that court. This is wild stuff. This is disgusting. Here's a Newsweek article explaining it. The court clerk in Trump's fraud trial exposed herself to vile threats because of her partisan politics and by allowing herself to be photographed in public. This is what Trump's lawyers are arguing in court filings. Here's what's going on. A court security officer told an appellate court that he transcribed 275 pages of death threats and abusive phone calls left for two people, Judge Arthur Engeron and Engeron's law clerk, Allison Greenfield. Now, you will remember that Trump supporters have been targeting Allison Greenfield because Trump targeted Allison Greenfield, saying this is Chuck Schumer's girlfriend and she's from a Democratic family and all this different stuff. Uh, this led to endless death threats, violent threats against her. And the argument that Trump's lawyers are making is she has only herself to blame because she is being voluntarily photographed. Look at this in their filing Monday. Trump's attorneys said Greenfield allowed herself to be voluntarily photographed, videotaped and identified by name in national and international media, despite the prior existence of reported security concerns. She didn't cover her face when a person with a camera showed up. So she is allowing herself to be abused, allowing herself to be abused. This is the equivalent of the rape victim was dressed provocatively victim blaming that we hear so much. And by the way, how is any of it voluntary by working in the courthouse in plain view? Well, that's her job. Should she be also wearing a sheet covering herself while in the courthouse or something along those lines? Now, MAGA logic is this sort of thing. She invited that they could go further. They could go. Should women even be working? I mean, really, this is her fault at the end of the day. To be clear, they haven't said that, but that would be like the next step in this complete and total insanity, making an official court filing that argues the victim is responsible for the endless threats because she put herself in a position to be working in this court. She didn't wear a mask. Anytime there was a camera around as she was arriving at or leaving the courthouse, at the end of the day, it is just her fault. We have not yet gotten a ruling on this, but I hope that no serious judge falls for that absurd argument. The number. All right, next one. Very sick Fox guest blames hate. Oh, so they're so they're pretending that um, there's nothing going on with the gas stoves. It's all a conspiracy theory. We're going to start with a couple of sort of different things today. We have previously spoken a little bit about the obviously untrue allegation that Joe Biden wants to ban gas stoves to it's, force people completely true people into woke. So how they how they do the tactic is so Biden doesn't like outright ban them, but they pass all these rules that make it impossible to manufacture them at a reasonable price thus eliminating them. The goal is to eliminate them. And then they're like, well, that's not banning them. Electric stoves at the top level. Joe Biden doesn't even have the authority to ban gas stoves. I know that sometimes yeah, not how it works. Times, you know, you, you we could skip the entire thing just by starting there. Right. Joe Biden doesn't even have the authority to do that. Why are we even talking about it? But this is an uh, a surprisingly uh, sticky 
conspiracy theory, which I thought we were done with, but is now back in full force. Fox News brought on a guy named Charlie Hurt. He's a Fox News contributor. He also is the uh, he, he runs or is the editor in chief or has some prominent position at The Washington Times. He says not only is it true that Democrats and Joe Biden want to take away your gas stove, but that the reason they want to take away your gas stove is because of hate and it's because they don't like joy and they don't like happy things and on and on and on. Listen to this and then understand you and I see this as a completely transparent attempt to distract from the fact that Republicans have failed on policy. They offer nothing. They're out of step with the American voters on just about every issue. For many people who see this stuff, they see it and they get angry. And that's the point of these segments to make people angry, to direct the anger at Joe Biden, even if Biden has no authority to ban gas stoves. Take a look at this. It's so funny that people they saw that uh, on, on, you know, her, her tweet. They saw her stove. They rightly heckled and mocked her and made fun of her and ridiculed her. And then all of the Democrats get freaked out and went on uh, and, and jumped online and said, oh, no, wait a minute. They don't want to take away the gas stoves. That's misinformation. By the way, could you possibly sound whinier than this guy sounds? No, they do want to take away the gas stoves. And in fact, they are taking away the gas. Why? Stoves why do you think they want the to do it? Where they control things. Is that is that why? Why do you why do they want to ban gas stoves? Yeah. I think because they hate us. They hate humans. <laughs> they hate joyfulness. They hate pies. They, they hate pie. They, I didn't know that without a gas stove, there was no pie. That's really the biggest culinary revelation here. They hate good food. They hate, they want us all to be miserable. They want I mean, some of that's true. They do hate us. us to suffer because By the way, they hate, I now am taking personal offense. The left hates good food. Have you seen the restaurants people go to in these conservative areas? I spent time in rural northern Indiana, couldn't find a more conservative place. It's all gun stores and evangelical churches. The food was a disaster. Fortunately, it's because you're a faggot. You just eat faggot food in Goshen, which is a college town. There was like one hipster coffee shop where I got a so so cappuccino. If you see the food scene in these red areas, the, the liberals hate the good food. This guy's off the wall. When we're not suffering, when, if, if, we're, if we're not suffering, we're uh, in, in uh, you know, we're making things, we're creating things, we're joyful, we're doing wonderful things. Everybody's happy and that drives them crazy because they're all miserable. They want all of America to be as miserable and unhappy and unloved as they are. And we're just not going to go along with it. They're not going to do it courageously taking a stand against induction cooktops. So reminder, Joe Biden does not want to ban gas stoves. Joe Biden does not have the authority to ban gas stoves. Where did this all originate? It's useful to know where it originates. There are studies that have shown that gas stoves release pollutants, nitrogen dioxide, carbon monoxide, particulate matter. It's not particularly good for your health. It may not be acutely bad, but in particular, if there's young kids in the house, if there's a people with with asthma or other breathing issues, it's not great. And earlier this year, the US Consumer Product Safety Commission 
uh, suggested, hey, you know what? We may want to do something to encourage people to switch to healthier alternatives. Maybe there's uh, uh, financial incentives uh, on electric stoves or maybe we figure something out, right? Uh, requirements for better ventilation. Who knows? This was interpreted as Joe Biden wants to take away <laughs> your me. gas stove when in reality it's the idea that, hey, we know that there are some bad things about about gas stoves. We used to cook with with wood. It used to be that you burn wood in your house to cook. It was a disaster. So then when we moved to oil, when we moved to gas, that was an improvement. Well, hey, there are now further improvements that we can find. But it all originated from, hey, this isn't like the healthiest thing. Maybe we should look at how we can incentivize people to move on from gas stoves. The really important point here is that induction is great. Now, in all seriousness, I I saluted when they took away my gas stove last year and brought in my new oven with an induction cooktop. I'm not going back. It's absolutely fantastic. I couldn't even list all of hopefully you'll have to get commissary in jail the benefits here. But re regardless of that, the, the actually important point, not my stove, the really important point is we often talk about these contrived social issues, cultural issues, conspiracy theories as merely distractions, stuff people don't care about, nonsense, not worth discussing. It is true that stuff like gas stoves, it is a distraction. It is nonsense. But the really sick reality of it is that there are a ton of people, poor people who should be worried about economic issues, who get sucked into this stuff, who get sucked in and start focusing on things like gas stoves. So at the same time, the balance, the tension is these are total nonsense issues and it is working to get voters to think about, hey, inflation's not down. No, they're thinking about uh, inflation is down. They're instead thinking about gas stoves. Unemployment inflation is not down down. They're instead thinking about gas stove. GDP is up. Wages are up. Gas prices are down well down from their peak. They're not uh, again. They are still double what they were thinking about those things. They're thinking about how Joe Biden. Oh, I can't believe they're not thinking about the Democrat propaganda supposedly wants to take away your gas stove, despite the fact that he has no authority to do so. So uh, we need to, on the one hand, remind voters, hey, look at all these other things that are going well that these people won't tell you about. But it does also make sense to some degree to take this stuff head on because so many people fall for it. Third, what a crock of shit. Here is. Um, I think this is barely attractive, Emma. Oh, yeah. So uh, the Daily Wire CEO went on the Tim Pool show with some shit. I think they cover it here. This is a little bit interesting. 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Lenny Bruce had a bit. This is the 60s where he was convinced that you could and Lenny Bruce, you know, his whole career ended up essentially ending and he died of an overdose. He was being incredibly harassed by he would go into Chicago. He'd been arrested in Chicago. Arrested uh, for comedy, right? Arrested for for comedy. Saying stuff about Kennedy, saying stuff about like I mean, he was very controversial. He had, you know, he said uh, Jackie Onassis when she got up and she jumped over, you know, or she they were uh, he had a bit about how the, the media 
uh, claimed that Jackie Onassis had like thrown her body on top of uh, Kennedy to protect him from the shooting. He goes, no, that's not true. She was trying to get out of the car. And it's irresponsible for the media to say that, they, that she was trying to cover because I don't want my daughter putting herself in front of a bullet for her husband. I want her to run. Um, and he had a bit about the N-word. And his whole theory was we can demystify the word by... A if Lenny Bruce was alive right now, Sam would be demonizing him just like he demonizes any person that doesn't go... It, it, if there was a comedian right now that did the are there any niggers here routine from Lenny Bruce, um, he, all of the YouTubers, you know, uh, David Pakman, Sam Cedar, the Young Turks, they would be calling him a racist bigot, calling for him to be censored, calling for him to be deplatformed. These people are total hypocrites. A usage. He came out and he was like, you're an N, you're an N, you're an N, you're an N, word, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know, and if Kennedy uh, was to roll out his uh, administration, here's my top N word. And uh, this guy's in charge of, uh, this N word is in charge of this and that. And he said, uh, the, the word would have no salience. And I think it was an argument for it. But the point is not that the word in and of itself in a vacuum has some type of magical power totemic power yeah the point is the context in which you're in here is uh jeremy boring ben shapiro's business partner um explaining his theory to joe uh, to uh, tim pool sorry here's the problem the problem is that anonymity on the internet allows for the ghettoizing of beliefs that are not approved by the regime. So a lot of people will say, well, I have to be, I have to be anonymous on the internet because if my boss finds out that I've got these views, they'll fire me. But you're only in the position where your boss could fire you for finding out about those views because you've allowed those views to be completely ghettoized through anonymity online. Hmm. If, uh, if, now this is one of the dumbest theories I've ever heard. <laughs> So here is the thing. I mean, Sam's a retard, but um, the I am highly suspicious of of the of the uh, painting of internet anonymity as a negative. Internet anonymity is one of the most important things uh, uh, in existence. Uh, it, without it, there's no political dissidence. It's completely insanity it's complete insanity so i don't trust a guy who's basically like hey we'll let you say nigger if you uh if you just uh, give us your id no uh no rabbi i will not be agreeing to that to that now i like the fact that uh, jeremy here is talking about removing the or, or moving the Overton window. He's arguing that people should not be fired for political speech or, or for free speech. That I'm on board with. However, get internet anonymity out of your fucking mouth. You're like, that's obvious bullshit. That's obvious bullshit. Okay. Uh, you must have internet anonymity. Uh, it, it, that, it, you don't have a free internet without that. So, yeah, I, I, you'll never get me to go along with this. I don't care what you promise. It's kind of a funny trick. It made me laugh when I first uh, saw this clip. I was like, oh, that's a nice try. That's a nice try. 
And his argument is that the reason why somebody might get fired. Well, okay, here's what he's arguing. Think about why someone might get fired from their their job. Uh, It could be that uh, you're supportive of Palestinian rights uh, in this day and age. It could also be that you're you're openly saying, you know, we shouldn't be serving black people right uh, in in, uh, in in businesses. You should have the right to deny service to black people. We ghettoize those people. Well, according to Jeremy Boring, you're saying that and not owning it publicly is the reason why people feel comfortable firing you if they find out that you said it. And he finds that to be problematic. Now, his theory that because people aren't saying it, he's saying, if you're going to say stuff like that, be loud and proud, which is exactly what like the Proud Boys are about and what actually white nationalists about and Nazis about. That's why they go out and parade uh, and why they uh, try not to have to wear masks. They know the power of not wearing masks, that we're unashamed to say this. That's the way things get normalized. That's his argument. Now, I, I, I happen to disagree that it works that way. But what's more important is he's saying we need to be able to normalize these things. So understand where he's coming from in terms of the way he's thinking about this. We need to normalize the things that society finds bad. That's true. That I agree with. But the internet anonymity, get that out of here. That's uh, that's a ridiculous argument uh, and it has nothing to do with this. It really has nothing to do with it. The idea that it's internet anonymity's fault. It's not internet anonymity's fault. What are you talking about? So that's, uh, that's a bit of a gay op, I think, from Jeremy Boring. But you're only in the position where your boss could fire you for finding out about those views because you've allowed those views to be completely ghettoized sorry, through anonymity sorry. online. Sorry, you don't need to. Um, you're only in that position because uh, uh, at will employment <laughs> in yeah. this country. Are you for finding out about those views because you've allowed those views to be completely ghettoized through anonymity online? Hmm. If uh, if five million people came out today and said uh, the N word. I'm not recommending it, but no one would ever get fired for saying the N-word again. Pause it, pause it. First of all, that's absurd. That's just simply absurd. Of course they would. And five million people... If everyone said nigger, they wouldn't... Then you have to fire everyone. So that point, he makes a good point there. It's just that you have to remove internet anonymity from the conversation because that's sacred that's untouchable and uh, i'll never go along with removing it are saying the n-word right now too but why aren't you recommending it yeah exactly solve the problem well why aren't you recommending (laughs) it no what he's saying is it's not going to lose its salience it's going to lose its ability to be uh curtailed that's what he's saying He's going to say, now, reminder, in this country, in 1920, there were six million card-carrying members of the KKK, self-identified. That was 6% of the population. It's 100 million people, I think, in 1920 in this country. 6% of the population. Five million now would represent, uh, you know, uh, 
what, 1%, 2%. And the idea that they would say the N-word, it, it would make it impossible for people to be fired by, by saying that. It's just, first of all, it's just wrong. But what he's saying is like, we can take the most offensive things that can attack and marginalize people and we can make, we can normalize them. We can make them great again. And when he says we, like who's saying, who's, who's saying it and who's not saying the N word here? Because black people say it, but it is a kind of a different word when they say it. Of course, like, he, it's he all about like context. Need right. to be able to say yeah, it. I want to know what the context in which they're saying it. I wonder if he feels like the reason why anti-Semitism yeah. to the K word has been, uh, it, it, People should be, you know, can be fired by anti-Semitism. Is that not enough people are saying the K word? Of course not. That's reprehensible. It, that's that would word. be reprehensible. Is there any more? To not that? recommending it. But <laughs> no one would ever get fired for saying the N word again. Like yeah, that, they wouldn't you, be able to. You wouldn't be able to. You yeah, would have brought right. that to. A, you would have brought that to a conclusion. That little absurdity in our culture. Uh, would be brought to an end. The ghettoizing of our beliefs allows for the punishment of anyone who steps outside of the ghetto. Yeah. So if they catch you saying what you believe, they can fire you. But if we all just had our names on and we're saying the things that we believe, yeah. and you might say... No, 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 no. Again, uh, get this names on it shit out the fucking window. It, it, this is a trick. This is, I mean, part of what he's saying I like. The other part is a trick trying to get people what is the plan to like like what what are you up to sir what are you up to sir with the internet anonymity that we would have more cultural cohesion if we didn't have online anonymity too because the online anonymity also allows us to become more radicalized in ways that prob left and right in ways that probably aren't ultimately good so i i, I agree this but is I amazing <laughs> And I think this this uh, this this tiny brain guy realizes he just completely contradicted himself. <laughs> he just what is cultural cohesion, other than standards that are applied to people that may manifest themselves in ways you don't think is appropriate. Like maybe we shouldn't have at will um, uh, employment so that you're not allowed to fire somebody. But what is cultural cohesion? He's basically saying that if we didn't have anonymity, then everybody would be um, part of a... Um, you know, I, I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but it's kind of like this is the first time I've ever heard someone suggest this idea that like, you, like if you give up internet anonymity, we'll let you say nigger. Um, it, it, again, it made me laugh. It kind of reminds me, uh, there are people that are saying that when it comes to like, uh, what they're doing in cities, right? Cities are crime ridden. The cops allow criminals to just do whatever they want. But then when like, you know, ching chong ping pong comes from China, they clean up San Francisco and, the, and they actually crack down on crime. And people have, some people have argued the reason they're doing that is because at some point they're going to say, you know what, we're going to clean it up and make it safe. However, you have to agree to a surveillance system, uh, just like they do in China. And I wonder if the Jeremy Borings of the world and maybe even Elon Musk, I hope not, but maybe Elon Musk, what it's going to be is eventually there's going to be enough of a, the, 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 the right is going to have enough wins where they actually are at a point where they can start kind of swinging their dick around. And then you're going to get the conservative ink people like Jeremy Boring to say, hey guys, 
we've won. Now it's safe. Now we can say nigger, but you're going to have to agree to get rid of internet anonymity. I just wonder. It makes me wonder if that's what's on the horizon. I hope not, but that does make me wonder if that's on the horizon. A ghetto, essentially, that you're not allowed to leave from. It's fascinating. He just contradicted himself in that exact statement. If you didn't have anonymity, you could be shamed more. Which would be good, because then we wouldn't have extremists on both sides. But we shouldn't have, uh, but we shouldn't uh, be uh, shamed for any uh, issues that are outside of the norm. Go ahead. Ways that prob left and right in ways that probably aren't ultimately good. I, I, I agree, but I think it's a cultural issue that you can't solve with policy. You, you can't just be like, okay, no one's allowed to be anonymous on the internet. We're gonna we're, we're gonna require this. My view is, you should you, if you want to be anonymous in your writings and in your interactions, you can be. But I think culturally, we need to say we don't interact with. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you're if you're not a serious person, I can choose not to interact with you. And then some people will choose. Well, what, to. Whenever I've said publicly that I, I don't, just I unbelievable. Think like, I don't it. think it's so. I have no problem with that. I've seen people like Tim Pole make this argument that we are not going to interact with you if you're anonymous. No problem, because the anonymous people eventually are going to completely take over. Uh, and uh, and then it, that's not even going to be an issue. So yeah, for now, if you want to say, well, you have to be in a certain thing to interact. Yeah, no problem. I, I don't care about that. Just, I'm not going to, I don't care. Like people can choose to not interact with people. And if you have a show and you say, I don't, uh, I will not uh, uh, engage with anonymous people. Well, that's your decision. You're allowed to do that. No problem. No problem at all. But um, as long as you're not, going along with some sort of ban on anonymity then you know if you want to be like a if you want to be smug you're allowed to be smug i don't care if tim pulls smug if you if you if you uh you know have a, as a criteria uh, that you have to give your full name and id or something you, you can do that as, as long as you're not requiring it of me then then i don't really care but too stupid like a little gay but you know who cares it's his decision people have talked to each other a long time <laughs> Culturally, <laughs> what do you mean we say? How do you culturally decide that we're going to do anything? <laughs> we're not going to make it policy of these. Uh, I'm not even going to recommend that it become policy of these platforms. I'm just going to say that we magically culturally do this against the other people. Yeah, and it's I. It's so. I don't even think he understands what culture is. No. How do we all decide to do this? Do we all sign a pledge? Yeah, and they're calling like the, the <laughs> that little, what does he call it? That little absurdity, the N-word. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, any slurs uh, for black people in this country have the weight that they do, including the N-word, because of the history of the treatment of it's black all people about in this country. <laughs> it's all about context. Same with any slurs against Native Americans, for instance. Like, And so, like, anonymity, no, I think probably maybe a reparation for, like, the, the uh, sort of violence specifically aimed towards different groups of people is how you deal with, like, why certain words become but ways this way. No, we're not, not doing reparations. The thing is, like, they're both, like... What he's really just saying is that there, he wants to promote his narrow set of views, which he considers not to be extremist, I guess.
even though that people feel like they need to be anonymous or they're going to get fired by the non-powers that be. And of course, he would take issue if it was uh, 5 million people saying the K-word. And I don't think the, the implicate that would be just a little absurdity that would go away. Well, if uh, I would have loved to have seen Tim Pool with that follow-up question, you know, that, okay, I'm with you. Uh, what about the rest of the slurs? Obviously, it would be all, you know, all slurs should be treated equally, right? And, and I don't know what Jeremy Boring would say there. If, if five million people came out and started saying, like, we should gas all the Jews. I don't think Jeremy Boring would be like, eh, an, thank God we got rid of that absurdity where people, you know, felt like they couldn't say that. And then Tim's going, well, because Tim doesn't know how to say that, anything in response right. to this. So he is he pretends there's a way to do what he wants to agree with boring but he wants to make it seem like i'm not agreeing with the idea that we should be able to have five million people say the n-word so i'm not gonna dictate and by he he means the government or the platforms I'm not going to dictate that you can't do this but we as a collective that somehow tim feels he has the ability to organize will decide that we're not going to do it to ostracize the people that do it's just it, it, it just folds in on itself yeah it's that's it's, not what culture means yeah. <laughs> go ahead interact with you and then some people will choose well, what, to. whenever i've said publicly that i don't i think online anonymity is bad one thing that comes up a lot is what about women you women violence against women will increase because men will follow them home and be able to get their home address and all of this but again i think that that's a kind of ghetto mentality the truth is that most of the horrible things that are said to women online aren't said by people who put their names on their accounts i think just outside of that though i'm, oh, I'm more worried about that is also i mean he just, you know, he just like flipped from the victim of this violence. They want the anonymity to protect them from people who would attack them. But then he flips it and says, but the anonymity allows people to be rude online. But I don't think these women are just worried about being rude online. It is the implicit threat that exists in real life. And what does that have to do with a ghetto metaphor, which is like, oh, I'm in the ghetto of uh be misogynistic and anonymously online like what no 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 the the ghetto mentality is of the women who are afraid of they're in the ghetto of there is a violence against women guys uh, gonna by men. Me. exactly that's a ghetto thinking <laughs> and he god this is really fascinating and i it's it's rare you get uh people who um who have thought seemingly or at least projecting that they've thought extensively about things and this is what they come up with who put their names on their accounts i think just outside of that though i'm, I'm more worried about people wanting to express themselves in any way jobs be damned you know it's just mm -hmm. like i want people to say whatever they want however they want and express themselves that way i personally prefer a real face and a real name and that's what i'll always do but I also understand there's a lot of people, not just because of their jobs, maybe it's family. And I understand, I, I personally think that's weak of them, but it's, it's what they have to do. And I agree with Tim. If we can change the idea of it without policy, I'm okay. That's well, sure. right. I mean, there, and there are a lot of problems with trying to change it at a policy level. Yeah. For example, the first amendment, I don't think that it is impossible to make a first amendment compliant argument for why online anonymity isn't. Oh, this uh, is so you 
our own drugs, sir. Oh, Dom, I can't even uh, bring myself to watch this anymore. What a bunch of bullshit. Um, and that philosophy was being piped to Earth. Do they have comment pages on the Daily Wire membership shows, like streams? Like, they have terms of services there. They do not allow people, um, like, uh, handles or something? Like, this is so dumb. First Amendment is not... He's gonna government's gonna pass a thing like you can't be anonymous no so yeah uh, that's why daily wire is uniparty because jeremy boring right there is arguing the exact same thing that nikki haley argued just in a little bit of a different way um the, jeremy boring went on the tim pool show and said hey fellow internet guys that like to say nigger have you ever thought about giving up your online anonymity hilarious 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 no anonymous books. No pseudonyms when you write. So dumb. All right. But I don't know if that's the dumbest thing that we're going to see from Jeremy Boring today. No, but he's funny because, like, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro has at least chops when it comes to, like, speaking in front of a camera. And, like, I, I guess I'll grant that to Michael Knowles and... Uh, Matt Walsh or whatever, but Boring is just the money guy, and he's still getting in front of the camera too. Did he? Um, was he? A, was he like? Did he attempt to to be an actor? Um, oh, I don't know. I'm... All right, let's get to some uh, breaking news. This is uh, breaking news from the internet from Sho Suginu. He says, um, where was this? He says, this requires context. The entire clip should be shown, not the segment from YouTube liberal hive mind. The killer Mehdi Hassan clip, total Reza Aslan career ender. All right, let's uh, have a look here. One moment, I'll put it in brave. Okay, let's see. Mehdi Hassan. He's a lunatic. Is this when he was calling people animals or whatever? Hey guys, welcome to the Liberal Hive Mind. It seems as though somebody's career is over. Well, maybe, I guess we'll have to see. Obviously, there's different standards on the left than there is on the right. Well, that's if there are any standards on the left these days. Any standards left, that is. But I mean, with this kind of video getting released, with this kind of history, there's no way you actually keep your media job, right? Today we're talking about MSNBC's Mehdi Hassan. You know, the supposed progressive leftist on MSNBC constantly lecturing us about how horrible we are, how immoral we are, and how just incredibly moral and compassionate and amazing he is. Always that same condescending attitude, lecturing us about human rights. Well, it turns out that Mehdi Hassan has a little bit of a interesting history on the issue of respecting people's rights. It turns out that there's now a clip of Mehdi Hassan speaking X amount of years ago. I believe Mehdi Hassan was in his 
movies, if I'm not mistaken, where he espouses some truly horrific, and I mean horrific, personal views and religious views. You guys are not going to believe what I'm about to show you. Mehdi Hassan is finished, or at least he should be. In a just world, he would be done. We got some stuff to get into, so let's roll the tape. All right, folks, so we've been talking a whole lot about Islamic extremism as of late. No surprise what's currently going on in the Middle East. And one person who's always lecturing us on the topic is MSNBC's Mehdi Hassan. Well, Mr. Mehdi Hassan has a little bit of a colorful history, a little bit of an interesting past on the issue of Islamic extremism and fundamentalism. Here's a clip of Mehdi Hassan speaking, I believe, in a mosque, saying some truly, and I mean truly, outlandish stuff. Take a look. In Islam, the ends do not justify the means. This idea is totally alien to Islam. In Islam, what is halal is halal, what is haram is haram. We do not bend our law, our morality, for our short-term aims. Never. And we never lose the moral high ground. If we know anything of Shia than Muhammad, as Shia than Ali, as Shia than Hassan, as Shia than Hussein, we know that keeping the moral high ground is key. Once we lose the moral high ground, we are no different from the rest of the non-Muslims, from the rest of those human beings who live their lives as animals, bending any rule to fulfill any desire. Once we do that, we are lost. Well. All of these ulama unanimously agree that at the very minimum, if Yazid was not a kafir, then at the very minimum, he was a fasir a transgressor, a breaker of Islamic laws, a corrupt individual, a tyrant, a killer, a drunkard, a dog lover, a music lover, a a a convenient, someone who slept with his own mother, astaghfirullah. These are their views of these ulama in their books, not my view, not Imam Hussein's view, not Ayatul Sistani's view. This is their view about Yazid. It's all there in black and white. Yet Allah should be pleased with such a man, astaghfirullah. Allah should be pleased with him. Indeed, the fact is, and this is important, Yazid is not simply a fasa. He was an out-and-out kafir. Folks, that is Mehdi Hassan on the record, referring to non-Muslims as animals. Ah, no wonder Mehdi Hassan is so defensive over Hamas. He believes the same thing. It all makes sense now, doesn't it? We're the extremists, right, Mehdi? It's us. You know, regular Trump supporters working nine to five jobs, running businesses, taking care of their kids and their families, going to church on Sunday, doing community service. Those are the terrible, evil MAGA extremists because they want, what, freedom and low taxes? But Mehdi Hassan, oh, he's the true progressive. He's the true, compassionate, good-hearted liberal. Give me a freaking break. Mehdi Hassan espousing absolutely horrifying anti-Islam rhetoric, essentially referring to non-Muslims as infidels, referring to LGBTQ plus people as, quote, sexual deviants, and even some other worse colorful language. This is the guy lecturing you on MSNBC. This is the guy who shares airtime with people like Joanne Reed and Rachel Maddow, constantly lecturing you about progressive values. Holy frickin' moly. I mean, this is like the Joy Reid incident on frickin' steroids. 
decades. Remember when it turned out that Joy Reid, progressive Democrat, LGBTQ plus ally, had a history of saying homophobic slurs on her Twitter account back in the day? She was exposed, I think, back in, you know, 2016, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a little bit later. And what was her famous excuse, or rather her infamous excuse, that her Twitter account was hacked? Well, Mehdi Hassan, was your human vehicle hacked? Did you have one of those Futurama brain slugs on you during this moment in your life? Obviously not. I'm so sick and tired of being lectured by these clowns on MSNBC, by these leftist clowns in general, who time and time prove to the world that they are in no position to be lecturing anyone. Yeah, let's take foreign policy advice on complex issues from Mehdi Hassan, the former pro-jihadist. Oh, but he's reformed now. You can't use his old words against him. Give me a break. Anybody who ever believed anything even remotely close to what Mehdi Hassan believed at one point in his life should not be lecturing anybody on morality or ethics or human rights especially. Mehdi Hassan is constantly tweeting about human rights. In fact, I'll just take a look at his Twitter account right now and I pretty much promise you one of his first tweets is most likely going to be something yada 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 human rights. Let's take a look. Let's Google Mehdi Hassan's name and go straight to his Twitter feed. Oh well, would you look at that. The lesson is brutal and short. Human rights are not universal, and international law is arbitrarily applied. Human rights, they're arbitrarily applied. Oh, you mean how you in your past, and possibly even in the present, arbitrarily apply your views related to human rights, and, well, I guess whether certain groups or individuals should be considered humans to begin with. You know, the way you arbitrarily apply human rights and even humanity to people that you disagree with fundamentally because of your religious views? This guy's talking about human rights as he labels non-Muslims animals. This guy talking about human rights as he promotes rhetoric which dehumanizes people from the LGBTQ plus community. Give me a break. I mean, seriously, give me a break. This guy has to be the biggest hypocrite on planet Earth. As if anybody on the left can be trusted on any of these issues. It's a complete farce. A bunch of hypocrites, and we've seen some weird alliance between the radical left and radical jihadists. And it's interesting because we've seen this weird sort of political marriage between radical leftists and radical Islamists. They're definitely grouping together on the whole Hamas-Israel conflict, but they have no place being in the same room. And you know, this is the perfect example because Mehdi Hassan, especially now, perfectly represents that sort of crossroads, you know, that meeting point between progressive leftism and fundamental Islam, a political marriage that makes absolutely no sense considering Islamic views on gays and trans people, on non-Muslims in general. We have this weird sort of marriage, and this is the perfect example as to why it makes absolutely no sense. Leftoids, this is who you partnered with. You partnered with people who are manipulating you, people who know that they could take advantage of you because you're highly emotional, and you view everything through the lens of oppression and the lens of race and color, and so now you have these individuals who are clearly self-interested or pushing some sort of ulterior motive using you as an activism vessel. You know, I mean, come on, it's obvious and it's easy. Identity groups this day and age gain power through victimization. The higher you are in the victimization chart, the lower you are in the, I guess, perceived social pecking order, the more power, the more influence you have in the social activist arena. And obviously, there's an element of the Muslim community that understands this keenly, and they understand that if they project themselves, or if they portray themselves as an oppressed minority group, then all the leftists across the board are going to support them no matter what. Well, leftoids, I hope you're paying attention because this is what you're supporting. You know, <clears throat> Mehdi Hassan is basically the human
human embodiment on MSNBC of hashtag queers for Palestine. It's the exact same thing. It makes absolutely no sense. Mehdi Hassan is an extremist. There's a reason they pulled him off air. He's most likely not going to get his show back. I'd assume that his show's going to get canceled at this point, because how do you come back this kind of video, this kind of history being released to the public? I know Mehdi Hassan many times has stated that, well, when he was younger, he was more radical and he's changed. But I don't think many people have seen this clip and seen just how radical this guy really is, using dehumanizing language, pushing the most extreme fundamentalist views. This guy should be condemned totally. Nobody should ever accept a lecture on human rights from somebody like Mehdi Hassan. And we certainly shouldn't be considering his opinion too seriously when it comes to making judgments and analyzing the Israel-Hamas conflict. Because clearly this guy represents, let's just say, a certain side. Absolutely insane. I mean, one of the most insane videos I've ever seen leaked to the internet. What an interesting past this guy has. Anyways, that's what I got for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed this video. Alright, very good. That was uh, breaking news <clears throat> from the internet from Sho Suginu. Appreciate that. Now we have some more breaking news. Breaking news from the internet from uh, Amy in Connecticut that says, HB, do you like Anthony Jeselnik? This skit got Jeselnik's show on Comedy Central canceled. The family of the dead guy was not pleased. Palate cleanser because all the news is AIDS. Shout out to the bastards. All right. Uh, shout out to the chat. Absolutely. Yeah, Jeselnik wasn't bad. I remember him at um, Roasts. Let's see. I don't know if I remember his show, though. So this got him canceled. Fascinating. All right, let's have a look here. Now, kids, oh, I remember this show. Yeah, we Jasmine joke around a lot on this show, but this next piece is close to my heart. Last week, a man in New Zealand was attacked by a 14-foot great white shark. Was he killed? You bet your sweet ass he was killed. <laughs> and he had a family and everything. And at the Jesselnik Offensive, a great white attack is a black tie affair. So chain up the doors and light the ceiling on fire. It's time for Shark Party. myself. Do you know that sharks have been around for over 400 million years? They're perfect killing machines. They mostly eat seals. Sharks don't even like the taste of people, but that's why tonight is so special. fired up. Kids, I don't think we appreciate sharks enough. These majestic creatures keep our oceans clean, and we kill them for their fins. We should be giving sharks the keys to our cities and all the money we give our teachers. So when a shark kills a man, you've got to give thanks. <laughs>
But let's not forget the man who made this all possible. Smile, you son of a bitch. And that brings this year's total to people killed by sharks, one. Sharks killed by people, 17 million. Dead eyes, full bellies, can't lose. We'll be right back with Doug Benson and Brian Posey. That's great, Azure Morals. This is who I'm making fun of when I make a joke on Twitter the day of a tragedy. The people who see something horrible happen in the world and they run to the internet and they run to their social media, their Facebook, their Twitter, whatever they got, and they all write down the exact same thing. My thoughts and prayers. My thoughts and prayers with the people in Aurora. My thoughts and prayers with the families in Boston. Do you know what that's worth? Fucking nothing. <laughs> Fucking less than nothing. Less than nothing. You are not giving any of your time, your money, or even your compassion. All you were doing, all you were doing is saying, don't forget about me today. Don't forget about me. Lots of crazy distractions in the news right now, but don't forget how sad I am. All right, that was breaking news from the internet from Amy in Connecticut. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Big Chris says, How dare Trump like someone who likes him? Anna. Also, John is totally looking straight tonight. Yeah, I'm still not sure why John was gone for so long. It was three months. Is that like a normal paternity leave? Male paternity leave? Three months? That seems to be a lot. Silky Johnson says, HB, I hope Mulvaney makes himself a good trainee. However, as with the other trainees, his womanhood is not organic. It's just an excuse for grifters and predators. Or we would be seeing a massive increase in trainee suicide, which doesn't seem to be, sadly. Yeah, if all that was true about memes killing trannies, we would be in the midst of a tranny holocaust right now. So it's yet another lie that they tell. Silky also says, uh, I wish it would be it would have been Chank covering the BLM guy endorsing Trump. That way we'd get a racist rant from Chunk about how the black guy was a, a fooled idiot for supporting him. Sadly, we got semen chugger, but you know, in his mind, he was saying nigger. I've said it before. Um, all of these virtuous liberals, virtuous white liberals that uh, flip out at anything offensive, you know they're calling people niggers in traffic? I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Silky Johnson says, of all the... Oh, oh actually, real quick. Yeah, um, Chank would have said... He always... Anytime there's a, 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 a video like that where it doesn't matter, the group could be gay people, black people, whatever. He, he starts using terms like their kind he like you betrayed your kind like he said he says shit like that that's hilarious and then but we're the racists uh, and that's amazing of course i don't believe in the concept anymore but uh, it's pretty funny silky johnson says hb of all the wrestlers from back in the day who do you think cut the best promos and who do you think had the finisher that looked like it hurt the most million dollar man was a good talker so was jake the snake and flair 
And the DDT looked brutal. Yeah, I'll go with the rest. The DDT probably. I said before the pal driver uh, from Paul Orndorff, but since I already said that, yeah, the DDT looked like it was brutal. Absolutely. Um, the best promos. Pff, that's tough. There's a lot of a lot of them were really great. Yeah, Ted DiBiase was great. He had a great laugh. Um, it's very difficult. Jeez. Um, I like. I think I gotta go. Ric Flair. I gotta go. He's. The, if if my metric is how many, which wrestler like periodically I I go on YouTube and I put on the Ric Flair best uh, best uh, interviews uh, and he's pr- once in a while I'll do like Macho Man but usually I'm going for Ric Flair because it's hilarious, absolutely hilarious. That guy was awesome. Um, Silky Johnson says, uh, HB, a friend had to have their dog put to sleep today. She was the sweetest pit bull I ever met. So to all the bastards in the chat, give your pets extra love and head scratches today. And think of Rosie when you do it. All right, F in the chat for Rosie. It's a sad state of affairs. I, I, um, I'm kind of off pets now. I mean, the guinea pigs, I guess, count. Um, but like, as far as dogs and cats, cause especially like you see like dogs, like dogs, you know, I, I get it. I get it with dogs. I had a dog when I was a kid and, um, and, uh, so that I get, if I ever went the route of having a dog or a cat again, and then they die, I'm of the camp of immediately getting a new animal. So if it's a dog, get a new puppy immediately. If it's a cat, I'm getting a new kitten immediately. That's how I personally would do it. Um, I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer. It's really up to the person. But uh, I, I would just immediately, you get not, not that I would want to forget about the previous dog. You know, you got pictures up, up of it, you know, or whatever. But I, I'm going immediately to try to get another dog personally. That's generally how I would roll. But um, I've thought about getting a dog. Um, and then, you know, periodically I think of it again. And, uh, but what keeps me, uh, from doing it is the, first of all, I'd have to puppy proof this fucking place. That's like a hell of a thing. Um, or I guess I, I guess technically I wouldn't have to get a puppy. I don't know. Uh, but then I would want to like have a, like a good quality dog. And, uh, and I think that there's an expense there, but then yeah, the getting up at six or whatever, the walking them in the winter, uh, that's gotta be, that's, that's a bit much. So I don't know. I don't know. When I move, when I move, depending on the circumstances, uh, I, I might do something. But for now, I'm going to pass. But I get it. I get it with the dogs. I had cats before. Cats are interesting. Cats are interesting. They're, they're, it's like, um, you know, I'm always like, what the hell is this thing thinking? Because it always looks like it's thinking about shit. The cats are interesting. And, and then, like, sometimes they, it seems like they wake you up on purpose. I always felt like my cat was waking me up on purpose. I'm like, what the fuck? You can just lay down. You don't have to, like, step on my face. Anyway, whatever. It's interesting. Because the cat's, like, stepping on on you and shit, but then it's, like, kind of cute, so you're just like, all right, whatever. It's really... They get away with a lot. They get away with a lot. Okay, let's see here. Oh, I read... Oh, yeah, let me go to um, one second. So, I thought there was a... Uh, is there a shit story? I thought there was a shit story. I mean, I'm assuming it's a shit story. Uh, let's see. Oates says, people don't put up Confederate flags down here in the South much. Oh, this is Oates, by the way. Oates says, people don't put up Confederate flags down here in the South much, HB. The stars and bars are way more common. I think 
my Yankee ignorance, because I looked this up, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, the Confederate flag. So I thought always thought the Confederate flag was the uh, 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 stars and bars, but uh, I think. It's actually something completely different. So that's my Yankee ignorance. So yeah, I'm talking about the stars and bars, not the. Although, what would happen if you put the Confederate flag up? It, the Confederate flag, if at least Google is accurate, is uh, it looks like the Betsy Ross flag, kind of. And uh, so anyway, but yeah, you know, I'm talking about the stars and bars. So yeah, that's again, that's my Yankee ignorance. Thank you, Oats. Appreciate it. Killer eight thousand says, "Look at this shit." All right, this is, this is probably a shit story. I would think that's kind of the meme. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw this on Twitter. <laughs> is Frontier the one where they were like shitting down the aisles, or is that Southwest? I hate flying, and I I just, man, I really hope something doesn't come up where I have to fly. I even if like, there's very few things that would get me to like Texas, and it's nothing personal with Texas. It's a distance issue. I will tell you when I move, Texas is much closer than it is now. But, like, there's very few things that would get me to go to Texas. One of them, if I somehow got invited to go in studio on the Alex Jones show, I don't know how, how I decline that. I don't know how I decline that. I'm not expecting that to ever happen. I'm saying that that's one of the few things where I'm like, I don't know how. How, how do you not do that? I don't, I, I, it's really. So, so I, think, I think I would still drive, though. I think I'd fucking drive. I don't know how long how long did it take to drive here to Texas? I'm I'm just fucking I'm dri I'm still driving. I'm not fuck flying, man. I fuck flying. Um and uh but anyway, yeah. Uh anyway, woman threatens to pee in the aisle, pulls pants down and squats. <laughs> what happens to people on these fucking flights? A woman on a Frontier Airlines flight threatened to pee in the aisle when a flight attendant blocked her from using the restroom, going so far as to Pop a butt naked squat next to the horrified passengers. Can you imagine? Video of the wild incident is no shocker going viral as it shows the woman telling a plane full of people she didn't give a fuck about mooning kids and emptying her bladder for all on board the sea. The woman's trying to make her way to the lavatory, but when her path is blocked by a flight attendant, she put her jacket down on an empty seat and starts taking off her pants and squats down as if to pee. For what it's worth, she does say, sorry, everybody, but then states she's ready to pee over here. And shocked passengers scream as she starts stripping. P.P. Patty then stands up and demands to be led into the restroom as concerned travelers berate her for showing her naked butt in front of kids, sparking a heated argument. Folks who were there say it all went down on a flight from somewhere in Florida to Philadelphia. This could have been in, an, in, a, in a weird time. This could have been me. And one passenger, you know, being one of the uh, passengers, not the pisser. And one passenger is accusing the woman of threatening to kill another person on board. It's the second bizarre episode on a Frontier Airlines flight this week. As we reported, another woman on a flight from Houston to Denver had an epic meltdown with some serious exorcist vibes. Oh, I saw that one, too. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was weird. That one was weird. A couple exorcist videos. You got that British woman reaching into the guy's car. That, that was fucking weird. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's wild shit right there. Absolutely wild shit. All right. I have to end here. So I had said before, uh, some stuff I got to do uh, in real life. Um, so the schedule, uh, this is Friday, right? Yeah. So we're, instead of Thursday, 
so okay, so we're going Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? So we'll, we'll be back tomorrow six thirty, but I got I got to end at eleven thirty, uh, and then uh, we'll we'll reschedule uh, the call in, and uh, I'll I'll get back to you on a date for that, and then um, uh, so yeah, so tomorrow six thirty, and then Sunday six thirty, or probably Sunday more in the evening. Uh, it, it really depends. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow, 6.30 Eastern. Thank you for all the people that sent Super Chat, Streamlabs, and Breaking News. You can get an archive on Rumble, rumble.com slash user slash Hard News Network, or on Podbean, hardnewsnetwork.podbean.com. Or um, you can go to Twitter, at LiveHNN. Wherever you're watching on the stream or on the archive, I appreciate it. I'll see you guys tomorrow. I am the Hard Bastard. Thank you for watching.